On April 30th, the galaxy lost a giant of a man. Peter Mayhew, the actor behind the iconic Chewbacca, passed away at the age of 74. For generations of fans, he will always be seen as the ferocious Wookiee with a heart of gold. A character that with a simple head tilt can conjure feelings of loyalty, trust, and strength. His performance could be terrifying in one moment, joyous and friendly in the next. Peter's deep blue eyes were filled with more emotion than some of the most elegant pros. He loved the fans and the fans loved him back, always taking time to talk with them and making sure that their Star Wars experience was just as joyous as his performance. Star Wars will never be the same without you, Peter. Thank you for everything. The Force will be with you, always. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner and you're listening to episode 60, Execute Order 60 Spinicky. Joining me as usual is a slimy piece of worm-ridden filth. It is Richard Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Even guys. Sound nice and jolly tonight, mate. Well, we'll see him. Every day to see him. <laughs> uh, next we have the malfunctioning little twerp. It is Jezebel. Good evening, Jez. Good evening, Stu. Good evening, Lance. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, a bit too far the other way. And <laughs> finally, we have a flea-bitten furball. It is Peter Davis. Good evening, Peter D. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get in the house. Yeah, yeah. Well, several times since we started this podcast, we've had to open with the uh, the sad news that we've lost another of our childhood stars. Uh, on the 30th of April, age 74, Peter Mayhew sadly passed away. Staring at the lovable Wookiee Chewbacca in five big screen movies, as well as featuring in adverts and other pieces like the holiday special. It's lovely when you hear other cast members talk of him. It's it's always about him being kind and gentle, uh, great dignity. I'm sure you're all the same as me, that Peter Mayhew was a huge hero growing up. Didn't know what the bloke looked like, but he was Chewbacca. He was Star Wars. And I did find a, some little browse around when, when he passed and found a great quote from him. It, it, he just stated, It's curious that when you look down at people, you see their defects, their irregularities more clearly. I like my bird's eye view. I think that's why I gave Chewie his pride, his bigness, his bigness of heart. A, a lovely quote. Boys, Peter Mayhew, any memories, anything you would like to say? That's what I always do used to when I look down at you. I see your little defects and, and wibbly bits and all those sort of things that should be falling off later in life. But yeah, it, it's... But you, you say we, we didn't know what it looked like, but we did because he was on all the TV shows as kids. They, they used to wing out the cast all over the place. Uh, so I didn't know what he looked like. He looked very, very tall and uh, those big eyes. So, um, yeah, I didn't know what he looked like as, as a kid. That's kind of weird, that, isn't it, for some reason? Because even like David Prowse as well, you know, we all knew who he, who he was, even though, you know, he was in a costume. But we knew what he looked like because he was everywhere. So all these all these people, we did know, Sue, we did know. Yeah, but, but you you got to remember that when Star Wars came out, you were like 15. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. I, I was a toddler. I wasn't you, actually born. You though. weren't even know. born. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm just pointing out that's the difference, isn't it, from a five-year-old and uh, someone who's in their late late to uh, mid twenties. You're probably more aware of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean and also the fact that you know, obviously we, you know, he, he got treated as the dog. 
<laughs> so he was always seen as Chewbacca the dog. A bit like Rich on this podcast. <laughs> Sounds the same. I think we've got lucky in that Dave Prowse wanted to be Vader and not Chewbacca because I can't picture Chewbacca as Dave Prowse at all. He's not the same build. He's not the same kind of you know movement or anything at all. And Peter Mayhew certainly wouldn't have been cast as Darth Vader. So, yes, I just think he's... I, I agree with what you say there, uh, Stu. He, he's different from other creatures or even like Kenny Baker, um, you know, behind that, you know, the, the costumes. I think I think he's much more than that. He's He, he really is an actor with fur. I'll tell you what, I, um, I'm not sure where I read it, actually. It might have been in the Rinsler books or it might well have been just online, but apparently he fell quite ill during the filming of Empire Strikes Back and they brought in a stand-in to film some of his scenes and at the end of it they then decided that the actions weren't the same and they refilmed everything back with him again when he was well i can't think who the um the stand-in was but yeah so was it ronnie corbett they said that he's the way he moves just couldn't be replicated although um old junus the new one is doing a pretty good job of it isn't he yeah, yeah, he's trained with them, isn't he? So he's been he's been learning from the master. I think it's possible what you're talking about there. Maybe some of the was Peter Mayhew at Fincer? Because that rings a bell. Yeah, I've got a funny feeling that Hoff could be uh-huh. the right. Uh, you know, now you're saying that. Like I say, this isn't um, it's not something I've read recently, oh, but um, Hoff does does ring a bell as well. Yeah, you might well have heard that while yeah. you were away. Yeah, I do. I seem to have a vague recollection of. It may have been something bizarre, like like the chef at the hotel was used. It was something really weird. Um, and again, it may not exactly have been Chewbacca. It may have been another another creature. But I definitely remember the saying that they grabbed people who worked at the hotel to fill costumes. So it's possible. Nah, I, I could be talking about <laughs> as well. Like. Well, they had that Wumper thing going. I don't know. They had a person in the Wumper costume and then decided it was, I don't know, a bad idea or it all went a bit wrong. Kept falling over. Do you remember the little clips? Of it just falling over, so some some blokes in it, and he can't handle it because it's too heavy. Yeah, so maybe the same person. No, these are strange. They're very tall. Some of them. Is that not real? Well, I've spoken to him, haven't I? Uh, Jez, you've been very quiet. Yeah, mate. Just you know, just listening away. It's one of those things where you know we we've all seen this coming for a while. Unfortunately, you know. In fact, even at celebration, we all tried to get a photo shoot, didn't we, with him? We had it. We had one booked. And uh, and I thought, well, you know, he's getting so old now. Bless him. And so let's just try and go for one of the the first opportunities. Let's, you know, so we we booked the Thursday afternoon, and it was that day he was really unwell, really poorly, and there was nothing we could do. So it was the photo shoot, which wasn't meant to be, sadly. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, we could talk, we could we could talk for ages about his character and stuff. But I, I was just doing a little bit of research, and I found um, a Chewbacca focus group actually on Facebook. Because why wouldn't there be one? Uh, but it was really lovely actually, because someone posted in this um, Chewbacca Facebook group a Rolling Stone interview, a sort of lost interview from 2015, and it's um, and it's his sort of memoirs, as his um, moments. Really, really good interview. You know, what what your favourite moments? What was it like working with Harrison again? And, you know, what about this? What about that? It's it's really, really lovely. And it t- it says about his favourite his favorite time shooting. And I think the best thing for us to do is to post this on our Facebook page as well, just to post a link to it, because it is it is really nice. It is really special. I mean, um, 
a lot of people think about Peter Mayhew now and, and the recent times when they've seen him at conventions and the fact that, you know, he's old and some people have said, oh, you know, he was, he was really grumpy or what have you. But, you know, this guy's been in significant pain, but he's always been there. He's always been going back and forth for the fans. And, and actually, he's been a bit of a hero in the background with a lot of his charity work as well. So, you know, I, I would love to to read actually a book on on him about you know where he came from because he wasn't an actor when he was found for star wars i believe that he was um was he was working in, yeah he was a porter in a hospital yeah. and uh so it's a really really lovely interview on rolling stone it's um you know it's so sad that we're losing these people but the outpouring of love has been great to see online but but also it's the sort of love and camaraderie of the of the actors actresses you know on, on star wars if you just recall when he walked out on stage. I think it was for the, the, where were we? I think it was Anaheim. Pretty sure it was Anaheim. Sorry if I'm wrong. And, and he sort of came out on stage and Mark Hamill was propping him up. And initially everyone just was looking at him because he was introduced. And we just thought, all oh, right, yeah, this must be someone because we hadn't seen Mark Hamill in ages. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, Mark was just happy for, for Peter to take the limelight, you know, and, and, there's quite clearly a love, a lot of love there. There's been some nice posts online from, you know, as understandably from Harrison, etc. But yeah, yeah, very, very sad. And um, and and you're right. It, it was a mime act that he had to do for Chewbacca, and he did it incredibly well. I think what I'd like to do, if we can, is watching when we watch the episode nine panel, um, the new Chewbacca. Eunice actually did a little bit of a dedication from memory. He said in the middle of the panel how, you know, Peter had been massively inspiring to him and he wasn't very well. And uh, and I, he did some sort of dedication to Peter. So now might be a really good opportunity for us to see if we can dig that out and uh, just play that little bit of audio. Hello, Jonas. Hello. Can I say one thing? What's up? <laughs> He's having a good That was Shirabuk for celebration, in case you didn't know. This is your fourth time playing Chewy? Yes, sir. Ha- are there any uh, differences to the actual Chewy outfit that you're wearing, the actual Chewy costume? I believe it has been this way since 1977. So, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I just want to say, can we get a big applause for my mentor? Mr. Peter Mayhew at this point. Uh, you can see he wasn't, wasn't well at the celebration. He was ill again on the Friday, but I queued up on the Saturday to meet him. And I think my autograph was about three, four o'clock. And I was with Grant and, and the, uh, the chap was just, you could just see he was absolutely exhausted. He wasn't right. Perhaps he shouldn't have been. I know he wanted to, uh, you know, give back to the fans that his family have said that he was always up for Star Wars events and whatnot and to give back. But um, whether celebration was a step too far, well, clearly it was. But yeah, I also quite liked you bringing up where he worked, Jets, uh, as a porter in a hospital. Um, I did also read on, on the day past um, that after Star Wars had become really big, he still went back and did a, a year's porter in between Star Wars and Empire just in case he needed oh, wow. to keep his job open, yeah. Because um, no. he didn't quite know where it would go. But, um, yeah, so clearly uh, kept his feet very much grounded. One, um, I was just very quickly looking through that Rolling Stone thing, and one of the questions was, 
so this is the interviewer saying, I was just talking with Anthony Daniels about his favorite C-3PO moments from the original trilogy. What were your favorite Chewie moments? And, you know, he mentions the Star Wars one or a New Hope one. He mentions a Return of the Jedi one. But he says, um, of all the things, from my point of view, of all the things that he could have said in Empire, he said it was when we were on Hoff and there was a shot of the big doors closing with Mark and Harrison outside. It's when Chewie's under the Falcon and he sees the doors close and lets out a hell of a growl, hell of a roar. And that we did in about two takes. If you watch it, it's very emotional. And that was his favorite. And, you know, I, I always see that scene and, and you always think it's really sad because that's when uh, Chewie really shows some emotion because he thinks he's lost his, you know, his buddy, ha- uh, his buddy hand for forever. And uh, and he said that was one of his favorite scenes. So, uh, yeah, bless him. Another one gone. These these people are getting older, aren't they? And uh... there, there's a lot of love all, all around for him. And and do you know what? He clearly loved that because now I'm not going to obviously read out everything from this Rolling Stone interview because it is really really good. Um, but just to sort of end end this bit, maybe just you know on a on a, a positive thing and the fact that these guys when they go to celebrations because they do want to because they do love it. But he, uh, the so the interviewer said. A lot of your fellow actors told me that it was an extremely moving thing to see you in costume in the Millennium Falcon again. And as a fan, it was amazing to see it in the trailer, which you helped debut at the Star Wars Celebration in California. Peter goes on to say, I had goosebumps, I tell you. You can imagine how weird it felt to have 7,000 people looking at that trailer and standing up cheering because they wanted Chewie in the movie. It was a phenomenal experience, and I won't ever forget it. And uh, it just goes to show how much he loved the character, how much he loved being part of it, and he will uh, truly be, you know, significantly, greatly missed. It is my great honor to present tonight's Lifetime Achievement Award. This year's honoree has starred in some of the most beloved films of our time, and his name has become synonymous with the quiet strength and childlike dignity that his characters convey. I know this is a cliched thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. This guy is one of the reasons I became an actor. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the recipient of the 1997 Lifetime Achievement Award. Chewbacca here, his first mate on a ship that might suit us. Chewie! Chewbacca! Chewbacca! Chewie? Chewbacca! Well, you said it, Chewie. Why do you think there are so few interesting roles for Wookiees? Not wise, but they're a Wookiee. I suggest a new strategy, Art. Let the Wookiee win. Are you sad about the Trumps? Here, you big coward. Chewie, come here. We are out of time. Out of time, it happens. We leave you now with another look at the career of Chewbacca. Take care of yourself, okay? Nobody does it better. Makes me feel sad.
I'm so grateful to have worked with Chewbacca, not just because we both had hair issues, he had too much and I had two buns, but because he's one of the kindest, gentlest creatures I've ever worked with. I only wish we had love scenes. So it is my great pleasure and privilege to present this Lifetime Achievement Award to my friend, co-star, and giant in this industry, Chewbacca. We are going to return to Chewbacca items over the course of the show, aren't we? And do bits and pieces, so um, plenty more chat regarding him. But, um, actually, let, let's just end it on a quiet thing. What's everyone's favourite Chewbacca piece they have in their collection? Don't have a lot, really, so I'm just going to see me loose through three quarter of inch figure. Good choice. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think I, I don't have anything apart from the figure. Um, ooh, I, I don't know. Oh, I've, I think I've got some Empire Strikes Back. Oh, no, I know. I know, Stu. My new favourite item is the the wax candle he sent me. How generous of you. Ah, brilliant. I've got a, I have got a shipping box full of them. <laughs> Mine's still got them all in, though. That was a loose one I had previous, yeah. Mate, actually, Chewbacca figure is one of the original childhood figures which I've still got. So uh, yeah, that'd be my favourite, definitely. It's a great action figure, isn't it? And I'm sure everyone played with it mm. lots. It is. It is a graphic. Actually, I've just turned around just in my office. I've got a lot of Chewbacca bits and pieces. I've got um, money boxes. I've got two pieces of Sigma with him on. You quite like your furry items, though, Stu. To be fair, Rumpf mug, which is brilliant. Um, I can see the bandolier strap up there. He's on the side of my record, my seven-inch record carry case. The record tote, brilliant. He's on a glass from the Amora glasses. Yeah, he's he's a featured on a lot of good stuff. I think um, I think Sky made a good choice when he he uh, went with the Chuseum. Moving on, boys. Also, since the last show, uh, there's been there's been two. Well, there's been an echo live up in Redditch. First of all, I just want to say uh, I put I put a post up t- to look at people's um, hauls, and I just want to say Stephen Williams showed off a great haul. He had some lovely uh, vintage mini rigs in his his pickups from the weekend. So great items there. Dan Solo. Now he's the bloke I think Pete bought the book back from uh, Chicago for, but he picked up a whole host of goodies. 
And then we had a lovely, a lovely message from uh, Andy Preston. And he was saying that there was everything from 50p to a thousand. Uh, the best show he's been to for a long while. Um, the variety was amazing. The social side was amazing. The Bob Breakin talk was amazing. Really is a great, great event. Now, Rich, you were the only one that managed to get there. What did you make of it? Yeah, I agree with that. I thought it was a fantastic event. I think it's my third Echo now, and it's probably the best one for me because of the way all the stalls were together in the same area. Um, I think it was a, a great mix of vintage and modern, because I do like modern items as well. And there was also a great mix of corded and oddball items. Um, so when you've got a store like Rich Temple store where there's a you know, a mix of all sorts of things, you know, like the shoelaces and the toys of Tatooine stuff that he has and, you know, soaps and paperwork, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see stuff like that. But it's also nice to see the guests there. Um, Gerald Holm, you know, had a good chat with him. He's um, What I find fascinating about him is he must meet thousands and thousands of people, but he always remembers you. And he always remembers where he met you. So when I went up to him, he said, oh, it's, it's Richard, our father's form. I went, yeah, yeah, father's form. He says, I saw you in Newcastle Comic Con. And I was just like, how? How? How do you remember that? Um, so he was really nice. And he gave us um, a, like a, a UKG, um, not UKG. Um, he gave us the, no, yeah, yeah, UKG. Sorry, no, um, I'm trying to guess what he gave you because you can't get it out. Oh, no, it's a, um, you know, like a friends of the, friends of the 501st, you know, like these kind of, on a remember kind of things. He's got these little cards and uh, he has a photograph on them. He's uh, autographs on them and things. So he gave us one of them. So that was really nice of him. Uh, but you're right, the social side of it, the the charity auction, you know, the, the must have had about 100 items in the raffle. Um, easily 100. And I don't know how much they've raised for charity overall, but it would have been a, a good amount, I'd imagine. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed Echo. I thought it was it was a great day. And if anybody's able to get to Echo, you won't be disappointed, you know. And even if you, even if you can only you know make a few hours, it's certainly worth the journey. And if you're bringing family with you, then there's a shopping centre there as well, so you can just turf them out into the shopping shopping centre, whereas you'll go and do the good stuff. Yeah, I've I've done Echo four times. I, I every time I go there, it just gets bigger and better. It's it has grown amazingly. And you just mentioned the charity work. They really do raise a lot of money on Echo. Uh, I think Wayne Tott is the main guy behind that, and he uh, he works tirelessly. And I think it's always for sick children, so they do do a great a great service to the community. As a team, they're they're nailing it, aren't they? Because I, I think you know we all we all know that Echo is Adam's brainchild, but I think as you said, Wayne and and collectively there's there's a great deal of of sort of collective endeavors there to make it simple yet really really effective because after all it's a vintage toy show they i don't apart from the raffle and the guests they don't put on anything else but it's just they they've got their formula and it's working i'm you know i'm massively disappointed that i couldn't make it um you know i've been to one before and absolutely loved it but they um yeah, some of the stuff which I've seen people purchase. I mean, Jay, I think Jason Smith had just picked up a Palatoy Death Star. It's uh, yeah, it's it's looking really, really good. Haven't they already advertised? Didn't they already advertise the next one before this event? They, yeah, they, like they're six right. Six months um, notice or something. Beginning of like October, I think the first weekend in October. But it was advertised a couple of months before this one, and <laughs> that, yeah. it's, it's a, such a good thing because 
coming back from Chicago and circumstances, I'm having to miss Echo and Father Stromlet's next weekend. Obviously, it'd be out, yeah. gone by the time the show comes out. But um, by having that notice, you know, I'm already planning on selling there and doing bits and pieces. It's it is a great uh, model to have it early because it does allow people to to make their plans to get from wherever they're coming from. Do you think it was a bit ballsy having it so close to uh, celebration? I mean, I'm, I'm already answering that myself because it sounds like it was so busy. It wasn't too ballsy, but you say that Jez, but how many realistically, how many Brits were in Chicago to how many echo have got thousands upon thousands of people on that group. And you could yeah. probably count on your hat fingers and toes how many of them were in chicago and it and it also may well be a case of people went to chicago and came back thinking well i didn't spend this and i didn't spend that because the prices were expensive so they might have actually had saved up cash so yeah no it it, it worked i think so they're doing two a year yeah is that right doing two yeah a year? done two a year for the last two or three years yeah i'll definitely definitely be there in october and um cannot wait for it october the, did we say the date um well without me ch- i know it's the first it's weekend the well there you go richard has uh announced that one october the 5th yeah that is on my calendar rich you are right well done hopefully you'll take that uh success into the thing but just generally i think echo has grown substantially isn't it let's be honest about it it is the go-to group if you're going to sell something for a standard price it's the group you go to sell in they have good sales on there all the time mate That's can i no oh, thanks to any of the other groups i've just uh can I talk to you guys about selling a sec? Because I don't sell much. I just wanted to talk about the sort of, not ethics of selling, but what's appropriate, what's not, because it's probably a case of down to personal taste, etc. But if you recall, I got my Chewbacca Palatoy last month, or in March rather. And, and so I love my Chewbacca Palatoy reseal. And, you know, I'm, I don't have the, the biggest of collections at all. And I've, I had my alternative artwork Chewbacca Return of a Jedi card, um, you know, the, the, the different artwork. And I just thought, right, well, actually, just to, to try and raise some money to, to buy a different character. Um, I, I don't need two Chewbacca's when there are so many other characters I don't have. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell this. And I was thinking about, right, you know, when can I do it? I don't want to do it now. I don't want to do it then. I'll, I'll do it, say, after celebration. And then we had, obviously, the unfortunate um, passing of Peter Mayhew. So I immediately thought, right, the last thing I'm going to do now is sell this because of, you know, we, we see it all the time. We saw it not so much with Kenny Baker, but with Princess Leah and things shot through the roof and just it all, you know, prices went a little bit silly. But is it people cashing in? Is it a little bit inappropriate? And for me, it was the only thing I had to sell so I just thought, right, you know what, I'll probably sell it in June or July or what have you. There's no immediate requirement for me to sell it. So, so yeah, so I, I decided not to. Um, uh, and I think that's the right thing to do. But what are your thoughts on it? I mean, am I being overly sensitive or, sh- you know, what's the deal? Because I was just like, yeah, I, I don't need to sell it. And, it. and if I do list it up now, am I just going to get a lot of people jumping on me saying, oh, you're only selling this because of this? And um not that well, no, I should really give yeah. a damn what people think, it's, but... It's your item, right? So it's for yours to sell. I think I've got a problem with seeing Chewbacca things being listed. What I think the issue is, with is if, like, 24, 48 hours, a week after his death, people put Chewbacca things up 
for two, three times the market value, trying to cash in on his death by overinflating items. I think that's the only issue. As long as you're not selling it for, oh, I'm going to stick this up for several hundred because he's now dead and people are going to want it. I think that's the only time when there's an ethics problem there. You were going to sell it anyway. You've got two. You've just explained that. Um, I'm sure there's hundreds of Chewbacca things on eBay. I think it's just it's just the, the pits. There's certain people who are fueled by greed and they just see it as a quick, quick buck. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking I, I was if I did, I would probably just jabber, jabber auction it anyway. But it was just it stopped me doing it because I was like, yeah, right. OK, fine. I'm, I'm just not because I don't want to be that person. You know, I don't I don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's all, that's all I got yeah. to say. Sorry. It was just a bit of an off-patter question. So uh, there we go. I think you're um, over-worrying, overthinking it. I did actually. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I did ask Pete. Let's hope he's, uh, he's, he's checked, checked what I wrote. Um, because like you just said, after Carrie's death, we did see a huge price hike in uh, Leia Organa figures, especially the loose figure. It, it went from a, a £40 figure to over a, a, you know, a three-figure figure. Um, Pete, has it been similar for Chewbacca in the immediate time after his passing? I think I think on the the, the layer figure, I, I think that was that was that was going bigger and bigger all the time. Anyway, I think I pointed that out in uh, end of year market sections where it was just getting because of the gun and the cape, it was just increasing anyway. Um, because yeah, there are there are loads of Princess Leia items. Maybe maybe it's changed amongst some of these sort of like you know lesser known pieces um and rarity of things people go oh wow, this princess leia figure but or princess leia item and i'll stick you know another 100 quid in it um because especially in the the slave layer market also i collect slave layer items that all the figured items of are ridiculous astronomically ridiculous but again that might be because of the fact that lucasfilm said or not lucasfilm disney said we're not going to produce any slave layer items apparently ever again um so there's always other factors involved um, but as I said, the, the, the layer figure was, was getting bigger and bigger anyway, and it just continues to, to increase because of the gun, uh, some, some, mostly because of the cape and stuff. Chewbacca, is too, I think it's too early. I'd look on Star Wars Trekker. Obviously, there's not enough data between his passing and sales. Um, there's only a, you know, a couple of car backs that have sold in the last week uh, that have been recorded. That might date down to Jared. <laughs> he hasn't had time to do it yet. Um, I did see uh, on the Facebook groups, uh, there's a lot of emotion, obviously, at the time. And almost like Jez, really, anyone who put up a Chewbacca item was automatically leapt on, like, well, you're cashing, you're cashing. Even where, in some some aspects, people weren't. Um, you know, it was just a genuine thing where, you know, maybe they didn't even know. You know, because it happened on the 30th, didn't it? And it got announced on, the, I think, the 2nd of May, I think. So, you know, people put stuff up and people were jumping on it. So there's a lot of emotion. So I think I think that didn't help at all either. But I think Chewbacca is such a, such a monstrous collecting figure. Um, not only in the action figure, but everything else. There's so much Chewbacca stuff, which we'll come to later in the podcast. <laughs> there is an absolute ton of it. Uh, so it's very hard to say. So I, I would in conclusion there, uh, Stu, to say... That is too early yet. Um, be okay. interested to see over the next couple of months. Keep, keep an eye on it. I, I don't think we'll get a lot of increase on on the bog standard figure. I mean, what it's about ten fifteen pounds you know, in in complete condition at a, at a stretch. If it starts to hit twenty thirty, yeah, fine. But I, I think there's so many of them. You know, I've got I've got I've I've looked at it. I've got about five Chewbaccas. I don't know why. <laughs> keep picking them up keep appearing in things in in lots and stuff so i've got loads of them sitting around 
having a little uh, little party. It's a beautiful thing. Well, it is. It's a great figure. It, it, it's, I think it's the eyes for me. Those eyes, piercing they are. But um, what it, uh, Rich, you um, you're you're always wearing prices. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see a massive price increase, are we? On the on the loose figure, maybe some of the Cardiff figures, but there's so many of them. No, there's, there's exactly. You know, you can go on eBay and get a tube back off. You know what you're looking at about twelve quid or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Easy, yeah. The Chewbacca's on. You might see ones like the Palatoy Chewbacca shoot back up again because they seem to have dipped in price. They were about what four to five thousand at one time, and I think they've dropped to about three to three and a half. Um, but I can see those going back up to four to four and a half. But I don't think it's to do with the passing. I think it's to do with the the whole rarity of those and just a couple of come on the market where. Some of the bigger collectors perhaps have already got theirs now, but I can see them creeping back up. But I don't think it's got anything to do with the passing of Peter Mayhew. I tell, I tell, it'd be interesting if there's any kind of correlation with um, Carrie Fisher autographs. I know she was uh, she was you know frenzied and doing shows and stuff. And same with Peter Mayhew, it's not like you were ever short of getting it. But you saw the amount of people that that were getting autographs in America. I mean, all the talk before the show was that people kept doing autographs and photo shoots. Now. I, I, it never been really on my radar before that. I mean, I hadn't had any photo shoots before this celebration. I've never been interested in it. But obviously, we had that one booked because it's like, oh, you know, Chewbacca maybe, maybe is getting old and maybe it could be a good time to get it. So I wonder if there'd be any increase in, in, in those sort of things because obviously, people, if more and more people are getting those sort of things done, you know, are the price of you know, Carrie Fisher autographs going up, for example? You know, because I mean, you know, a lot of people probably didn't get anything authenticated when they had a Carrie Fisher autograph. Mine isn't. It's just. Yeah, you know, I know it's I know it's to me because it's got my name on it. <laughs> I know if it was authentic because I was there, but uh, could I prove it to anyone? Probably not. So maybe the authenticity is causing an increase. So people are saying actually there were so many. What's real? What's fake? I don't know. Be interesting to to find those sort of things out. Indeed, I'm going to move it forwards because we've been back from celebration now, and we have to see whether we're still spending. Are we still spending the cash? Are we still adding to our collections? I've got a feeling there's been a few bits and pieces. Let's let's start with Jez. Well, yeah, I have. I mean, as you know, I had a great celebration with some stuff which I was really, really chuffed with. But Andy Preston sent me a message a couple of weeks ago saying, Jez, you commented on a pencil case in um in the beyond the toys group which i think had been sold really really cheap and i was like oh wow i love that and um you know congratulations to the buyer and andy preston sent me uh, a message saying here's one on ebay uh, or here's two in fact being sold on ebay so um steered me onto this uh, seller and i was like oh right yeah that's pretty cool and then I looked at the seller's other items and he had a load of, uh, he had a load of bedding products, right? Um, so fitted sheets, duvet covers, uh, various different things. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, oh, childhood nostalgia. And um, and I, I, I shared some of it with Grant and uh, cause me and Grant still, you know, message back and forth like loons all the time. And I had also noticed a book which this guy had to sell. And it was a mint Japanese vintage version of the making of Star Wars Return of the Jedi. And uh, Grant said to me, that book is rare. He said when he first got into collecting again, say, you know, 20 years ago or so, well before the Internet, 
he said he paid £45 for that book. That's how sort of, you know, special it was back then before the internet. He said these things you just can't get hold of. So I did a quick eBay search and couldn't find any previous sales. And I was like, oh, right, yeah. So it is nice. I do love the Japanese text and uh, and just the image and the graphic artwork on it. So I was like, right, well, Grant, Grant said 45 quid about 20 years ago. So is this going to be like the Kellerman? And it's just going to go for an absolute fortune. And uh, so I was like, right, OK, I'll, I'll put 50 pound down and uh, and that'll be that. And I won it for 23. And I, so, you know, half of what Grant paid for it uh, 20 years ago. And I'm absolutely delighted with it. I can't read it. I've got no idea what it says. Obviously, you have to read it backwards. Um, but it's just it's brilliant. It's just one of those things where, you know, they, these are like as rare as hen's teeth, I could say. So for 23 pound, I'm chuffed to bits with that. Um, a fitted sheet, Star Wars, and a couple of Return of the Jedi duvet covers. Um, so the sort of browner version uh, and the red one, which incidentally is what I had as a child. So once again, happy Jez, not broken the bank at all, and uh, certainly spent less than some people have on their TV package. Um, but um, yeah, yes, yeah, so a couple of good purchases. So um, yeah, well, well, happy with that. Good. Yeah, it does sound good. Uh, perhaps you could take some images of it so we could share that on our social media jez before yeah mate yeah definitely yeah you you normally it's normally about three weeks before next show you know i hope that's long enough because i know what you like (laughs) (laughs) okay yes joe um haven't picked up too much obviously i've got to you know save a little bit before um split splash of the cash after celebration but i got the green set of tops trading cards in chicago as i've already mentioned and I incorrectly purchased those because I thought it was the green set I needed, and it wasn't. It was orange set. I don't know so why. I don't now... ask me this because we have this uh, um, every few months. I can tell you, it's the orange set you need. I know. So <laughs> I now have the orange tops trading card set. So those are in immaculate condition. So I've now got all five sets. Um, I think I need some of those sheets to put them in. But uh, yeah, so I'm really pleased to finally complete that. I purchased from Echo an unused sheet of vintage 1977 stamps from H.E. Harrison Co. So I've tried to do a little bit of research on those, and there's quite a lot of stuff from H.E. Harrison Co. So I'm wondering if I could perhaps head off down that route and pick up some of those items, like I'm trying to do the Dixie Club collection. Um, somebody online posted that they had a very wonder-bred feel of them, and now I'm looking at them again, I'm thinking, you know what, that was absolutely spot-on correct, that they really are very wonder-bred, like in the design and the um use of images so i really like those and there's a talking on those as well so are these the, the stamps that also came in the box yes there's a the, well i don't know if i've a got box. a sealed box but i'll, I'll have to the box I'll have to, um, it a... yeah mine's coming it's like a little thin box i'll have to yeah. um hook it out yeah. my cabinet because yeah. the stamps will be on the back it'd be interesting to see whether they're the same i think they are i think um from my very very limited knowledge i think the 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 full the full sheet that I've got, which I think is about twenty four stamps, that might have been cut down into three smaller boxes or something like that. Uh, I'm very very early days of research. Um, they are on the SWC, but unfortunately there's no images on them, um, and that's a shame. There's a lot of images missing from the SWC, but um, other the black ones that they look a little bit like a. I'm trying to think of what it's almost like a little mini binder. Does it look like that? No, it's a a flat box about the size of an A4 piece of paper. Oh, no, no, it's uh, not that thing, nothing. I'll have to send you some images. I'll hook it out over the weekend and you yeah. can have a little... Uh... Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see those. 
So I'll probably get those two weeks after Jess sends you the images of Instagram. <laughs> yeah, um, and also an unexpected Vectus purchase. And I say unexpected because I definitely, definitely, definitely got an outbid message. And I was already bidding top end of what I wanted to pay. So I thought, right, I'm not paying any more than that. Um, and then I agreed then to go to Echo. I thought, well, I haven't won that effect, so I'll go to Echo, I'll pick something up. And then I got a, a message after the auction to say that I'd won it after all. So I was gutted because I'd already had the cash set aside for something else. But I was also really pleased because I've now picked up my fourth 21 back R5D4. So I've now got the 21G to go with the rest of my 21 backs. And I'm only missing the 21C. So not that I'm in a major hurry to get a 21C. I do see them from time to time. But yeah, 21G isn't as common, I think. So I'm really pleased to own one of those. Got some nice items at, Ve at Echo. I'm not going to talk about modern per se. But I'm definitely going to talk about the Black Series Vader helmet. Because I was... In, I've been in Forbidden Planet a number of times now and I bought the Stormtrooper I think for about 60-65 quid so I've been waiting for the Vader helmet to drop down near that mark and it's been rigidly stuck at £100, never budged from 100 but there was a seller at Echo that had them for £75 so I thought yep, got to take one of those and if anybody wants a really really nice Vader helmet for display you can't go wrong with that Black Series helmet it's, it's a really really nice piece well worth the money and it comes with a stand yeah, great, great pickup, and those helmets are amazing. So, Pete, that leaves you. Hello there. Uh, not much, really. I've, I've just remembered, actually, Stu, you um, sold me, although I haven't technically bought it because I haven't paid for it, uh, a nice Lobot carded figure. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to bring that up because I've I completely forgotten about it. <laughs> I haven't actually bought it, but I've got to pay you. I can't not pay you for it. It just reminded me with that uh, that soap. I thought, oh yeah, I haven't paid him because that was before celebration, wasn't it? So, yeah, that was one of the figures I really wanted, and it's a cracking card. It's got a massive coin offer sticker all over Lobot, so you can't actually see Lobot. So uh, <laughs> that's what makes it unique. And of course, someone's put, punched their own hole for the top of it that obviously went on a. I don't know. I don't think. I just uh, think it was on the wall at some point, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> possibly but it just adds to the craziness of it but it's you know it's mint on card in a kind of minty way not very mint so yeah that, that was that was before celebration um after celebration that really I, i've been buying modern stuff i've been hoovering up queen amadala items um i mean crazy as that sounds but uh there's some the, the cracking bargains the only vintage item i've got is a um i've only got eight to get now and i managed to pick up a loose, obviously carded, ripped, carded Lando General um, figure, Power Force card. So um, that's, just like I said, eight to get, and I've got them all. I'm so chuffed I've got that, that yak face in Chicago. Thank you, Rob. I did actually pay him, um, and not Stu. Um, so, yeah, just eight to get, and they're not ridiculously hard ones either. There's a couple, that, the couple of, oh, like a Luke Stormtrooper I've got to get. That's going to be a bit of a pain, but they, you can get them. Uh, man, 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 man. Um, I haven't seen too many on eBay, but they do. You know, they're not impossible to find. They are. They were reasonably popular-ish. Um, so yeah. So um, I, 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 reckon I, could, I reckon I could do that by the end of the year. I reckon. So I'm kind of frenziedly looking now. I've got my eye on a couple of bits, uh, a couple of carded bits. So um, if anyone's got any out there, they want to sell me, I'll put my list up. You can let me have them for cash. I'm gonna pay you though. What about you, Stu? Actually, not well. I say not a lot. I have. Um... I did pick up a couple of bits of Vectors, but until I've got them in my hand, I won't be talking about them. So Rich is currently sitting on them. 
probably quite literally. I've also bought a Am I? What? Have I got a... Oh, you know what? I've forgotten all about that. It's fine, mate. It's fine. I haven't. Don't worry about it. It's probably yeah, sold. I don't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> the dog's eating it. Yeah, probably. Oh, I've... I've, I've oh, uh, <laughs> How big we'll, is this item? We'll come back to that. We're not very big at all, Pete. We'll come oh, back boy. to it next month, though. I've also bought a uh, mint on card, which I need to pick up as well. That's uh, in Tumbridge Wells, thanks to Nick Shear. So, uh, Nick, I haven't forgotten about that either. I know it's... Uh, probably doing your head in sitting where it is but what i have got in hand uh, first of all i just want to say big shout out to mark daniels and dantel uh, mark's made another um I, again i know it's not vintage but it's based on vintage a palatoy point of sale like he did the boba fett one uh, a couple of years ago he this time he's done a denger the um free denger offer uh, it's beautiful dantel designed the denger uh, image uh, amazing little thing that they, they display absolutely beautifully so mark thank you massive shout out but uh, three pieces that I do have in my hand since Chicago. Uh, first of all, a sealed Return of the Jedi Play-Doh, the Jabba the Hutt set. Uh, bright yellow, good price. Got that off Beyond the Toys, really happy with that. Um, I bought a Stride Rights bag, won that in a Jabba's auction. Uh, that was the shoe shoe people. Um, hey, do you remember that? Shoe, 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 shoe. Um, yeah, the shoes. I can't think what the image is now without getting it out. So uh, it's obviously made last impression on me. And I wasn't intending on buying one of these, but um, I picked up a Kellerman book. Um, got into a discussion with someone that was selling one. Managed to talk him down by around, I think it was 40 to 50 quid. And uh, I pulled the trigger on it. Now I know some of the information is outdated on it, but what I will say is it's a beautiful book to have in hand to look things up. You can just double check things, you know, that, that are missing. But a really, really, really nice book. Um, very, very happy with that. I'll also give my cousin a shout out who he's a hairdresser. My mum was sitting in his uh, salon the other day and he had a Star Wars picture on the wall. And she goes, well, I like that. So he's got me one done and framed. And um, it's nice. more about the artist, uh, Mr. Bingo. Now, seriously, go and go and check him out because he's very controversial. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> so you've got quite a few books now. Is the Kellerman book, forget price and everything. Uh, is Kellerman book your favourite or, or what? Um, it's a difficult question. Yeah, I, well. I think with a podcast, I think I will use it an awful lot. Yeah. I have taken it down and sat and looked through bits of it and started to learn about my card backs because I sometimes think my card backs is off, my knowledge mm-hmm. of my card backs. So I'm using it to um, educate myself at the moment a little bit more. As a best book, I don't think anyone will beat the Tomark Mark guide for me for sitting down and... Right, yeah. And I also enjoy... Gus's um, his complete book because it includes like, episode one and stuff as well. But yeah, I'd put it right up yeah. up the top with those. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, mind, Jess, if you can get it for the right price, they definitely <laughs> come down from. I can remember looking at them eighteen months ago, and they were sitting at around three hundred quid. I, I got it substantially lower than that. Stuart, I had, I had a mini loft find. Remember? Oh I yes. It was kind of a, a bizarre one. I was going through. I was putting my. This is so sad. I went to the loft to put some of my books, my Star Wars books, in plastic so I don't get because they're in the loft. I didn't have them out. So I thought, right, I'll go and just cover them in some nice plastic folders I bought, make sure they get... Then I thought, oh, I'll just sit there and have a flip through. And uh, a couple of the original Star Wars books are so covered in sellotape. <laughs> my brother was obsessed with sellotape and everything together. So I better take this off because it's just falling to pieces, the sellotape. So I take, take it off and I was flicking through. 
And I found a card back in my original Star Wars. For it, it must be my brother's one. Now I already have a Luke, you know, Luke Skywalker card, so it wasn't like, oh yes, added to my collection. But uh, I'll obviously keep it. But yeah, it was a twelve back again, seller taped. Obviously, we got friends and we were opening it, and we also torn it, torn in two pieces. But it is, you know, it is a twelve back Luke Skywalker, um, a Kenner, not a, um, a Panatoy. So I was wild chuffed. Obviously, you know. It's not, it's not going to get sold or anything because it's in two pieces and it's it was sellotape. Sellotape is still holding, by the way, on the card back. It hasn't decayed yet. It's holding it together. So that's that's quite nice. But yeah, what a little nice little find. So I went through every single book in the loft to see if there's anything else, but they found nothing, sadly. But yeah, what a find. That's interesting, it being Kenner as well, isn't it? It's a great find, by the way, Pete. But um, do, you, do you remember buying the Palatoy logo no. stuff? Or no. have you got no. a collection of that? Absolutely no. And until modern day, I wouldn't have even you know until like the last five years, six years, I wouldn't have even been it better to say there was who made Star Wars toys. It was just to us, it was a Star Wars figure, and, and that was it. There was no oh Palatoy. That 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 name wouldn't have meant anything to me. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Well, boys, um, considering we've only just returned from Chicago, there's been some great, great pickups there. Yeah, I think everyone should be very happy with themselves. One other thing that we've seen uh, advertised quite heavily across uh, Facebook and uh, other places is the Hakes auction for July, where now I think this is his surname. Who knows with this bloke? Uh, Jake Ripandis, is that or is it Repass? Uh, Rich, you'll know. What is his official surname? It's uh, Repanidis, I think. Repanidis, okay. Repanidis. Okay, okay, if you say so. Um, so he has got quite a substantial collection. Uh, there's no arguing that. And he is selling his entire collection via Hakes. Now, just a couple of questions, general talk on this. Uh, first of all, Rich. Now, a lot of, a lot of listeners probably don't know who he is, um, but he has been connected with many unscrupulous things over the last several years. But can you just give us the highlights of his his ways yeah, I'm glad you said highlights here because I could talk for an hour on this guy. Um, so around 2015, Jake started showcasing, and you're right, massive collection of corded figures. And he had quite a lot of respect in the hobby in the community back then. So he ran the Stormtrooper Central Group because he's got a huge Stormtrooper focus collection. He was also an admin on Joe O'Brien's Trilogo Group as well. So, you know, Joe obviously recognised him as being somebody who's worthy of being an admin in that great group. Many people I respect considered him actually a great guy and a good friend. And I went back and read posts from 2015. And a lot of people have stuck up with him when things started to go um, wrong. Um, but others were very wary from the start. Um, there was concerns about, you know, how quickly he amassed this huge collection. You know, he was getting, you know, boxes and boxes of quarter figures arriving at one time. A lot of concern of his motives as well. So at first I thought he was just a bit like Jez. Mildly irritating, but could be removed with ointment. But then his ego took over massively. And there were these huge preview seals that he did. And there was a Yak Face one and a Tri Logo one where he was constantly, you know, making these posts of seal coming, seal coming. They never seemed to materialise. And a lot of people were concerned that they were just fishing posts and uh, whether they're private behind the scenes deals going on with PMs, etc. So that was the start of him getting banned from some groups. But his first moment of uh, lunacy was when, and we talked about this on the podcast, when he sold a carded figure to Matthew, 
and he sellotaped the bubble to the card back. So I don't know if you remember that, guys, but he basically put a bit of tape over the bubble and stuck it to the card back so that the bubble wouldn't come off. And then when Matua got it, he was like, well, how can I get the sellotape off? And he tried to lift the sellotape off, and obviously it tore the cord back when he did that. Um, and I think I might have even stuck up from the time just by saying, you know, don't hang out with Riley on this. It's just an, it's, it's, it's a, a stupid mistake, you know. But again, that got him banned from a few things as well, because he wasn't forthcoming with offering the refund immediately and claimed he'd sold hundreds of mocks and never had a problem and blah, blah, blah. It just wasn't easy to deal with. So once he started getting booted from a few groups, he then went and joined some other groups, and then all of a sudden he was offering free mint on cards as competition prizes. And it was clear it was to boost his standing in the community because he was really on rocket, rocky ground at this point. And he actually got banned from some groups for offering free carded figures uh, because I think too many people thought he was annoying. He then got roasted for asking um, nobody's favourite replicator guy to make replicator footers for card backs. So, so that's him to get um, let to be in banning. And then, this is where it really takes off, around this time, Matt Daly, uh, he began posting first shots and engineering pilots on the timeline groups, and Jake went to absolute painstaking levels of brilliance to out Matt as a faker, and he proved that he was using Photoshop to alter the images, and it was absolutely amazing detective work, and everyone was going, you know what, Jake, that's, that's cracking that, you've called this Matt Daly guy out, this Matt Daly's a complete clown until the admins got suspicious and i don't want to go through all of this but that basically the admins proved that number one jake had a history of using photoshop to fake toll toys mocks and he did that in the past just to prove a point uh, he was always posting around the same time as matt daly uh, and he was usually the very first person to respond to a matt daly post they both had the same writing styles and there were some very very odd styles such as use of a, a name followed by a decimal point or a period as americans would say and the backgrounds and, and figures in some of the images matched Jake's background as well. So both accounts were banned from everywhere and Jake was outed as being Matt Daly, um, which you know took a lot of people a while to get over this because it was just absolutely ludicrous how we could go ahead and do that. So over the next year, items from Jake's collection appeared for sale in various groups, but each of them under a brand new name or a new account. Uh, but over that time, there wasn't anything really shady. There was no scamming going on, really. There was just a guy who was just more of an annoyance and creating fake accounts, getting into fake arguments and various other things. And that's until Gary Appleby appeared. So Gary approached the Timeline admins with the idea to do T-shirts for charity. And again, we talked about this on an earlier podcast. Many people bought the T-shirts and they received the T-shirts, which was which was great. Um, and he made from memory, I think it's $250, $260 profit. And that was designed to be handed over to charity at Celebration Orlando. However, he sent this message to an admin because he was so upset with an incident that happened in Orlando. And he claims that he flew back to the UK and wouldn't attend another celebration again because he was so upset. So this was his message. I was screwed over by my host. We stayed at a flash place, which I thought was his house, but turned out he rented under my name. He took me money and possessions and did a runner. Left the note saying that he owed money to his dealer and had to get it one way or another. On top of that, he ran out a massive bar bill and he's left me to pay the whole thing. The house was owned by some heavies who didn't care about the situation, just wanted what was owed to them. I had to call my wife to transfer the funds, which created a whole world of problems for me at home. I slept one night in the sidewalk. Yeah, sidewalk, UK, really, nobody in the UK calls it sidewalk. Fortunately, I was carrying my passport at all times, and I was able to return home. 
So does anybody think for one second that anybody would fly from the UK, use descriptions like sidewalk, and then fly straight back from Orlando because it was so upset what what was going on? So he was instantly banned from all of the groups after he refused to hand over the £260 profit that he made from the shirts. That money just completely disappeared, and that was a real shame. So so that account got banned. Um, Need to say, Gary Appleby was also, um, through some great detective work, matched to Jake as well. He also got banned under various accounts for posting photographs of Ross Barr with a Hitler moustache. So a lot of people might have seen that um, dotted around. So these are a list of all of these publicly released, because there are more, publicly released aliases of Jake the Fake as he became known. So we've got Jake Repus, Jacob Reckus, Jake Repinitis, Matt Daly, Damien Bosniak, John Jones, Mike Ferrer, Chris Livingston, Jasmine Engelhart, David Boxley, Danny Bostock, Adam Jackson, Simon Hampshire, Gary Appleby, Dem Peterson, Miles Condon, and Brandon Tan. Now, most of those names have a certain ring to them, you know, like Matt Daly, Jake Reppers, you know, John Jones, Mike Farrell. Guys are complete loon, an absolute loon. So why would a company, a reputable company like Hakes, splash his name all over the place? Really, really poor, really poor. There's only certain levels of collectors, certain levels of collectors, I think, have got the right to have their names splashed all over a big thing, you know, like Hakes from the collection of Christian Gullius or Von Salvatore. That's got a lot of gravitas. But from a clown like him, absolutely no chance. Well, yeah, I was going to kind of move where I want to go, so I'm going to go to Pete <laughs> next. Um, Pete, would you bid on an auction where a repeatedly known scammer is selling his items? And do you think auction houses do have a duty of care and should refuse these sales? <laughs> Well, I guess you have to kind of establish what a known scammer is to somebody. I mean, I mean, you know, you, Stu, could be a known scammer to me, but to everyone else, you know, there's no how much proof you need. I mean, how do you prove a scammer is a scammer? Do you get a bunch of people in the community and say, yeah, yeah, they, you know, um, you know, Richard Hutchison says this guy's a scammer. So, you know, and then Jason Smith says this guy's a scammer and Dan Burgess says this guy's a scammer. So, but you just take people's word for it. I mean, how how do we prove that? I'm not saying that I'm not saying they're going to buy anything from someone like that, but I'm just saying it's kind of dangerous ground as such. You know, how do we do it? I mean, how how do we how do does an auction house, for example, choose whether someone's a scammer? Do they do it on the say so of a bunch of people? Or do do you know is it a criminal record thing? Um, you know, personally, if if like I said, this Jake guy started selling stuff as he is, I ain't buying it. I'm touching it with a barge pole. I'm, especially what Richard said, and I'm sure Richard would 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 say to me, you know, just be wary about bidding on that guy's <laughs> that guy's stuff because I don't think it, it. You know, there's question marks on stuff. So, um, and again, it's, it's down to you, isn't it, as, as as a buyer? If someone's got a reputation for being a bit dodgy, you ain't going to buy it, and you're not going to bid on it. So you know, if it's 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 a very tough question to ask you because, like I said, it's we, we haven't got any bits of paperwork saying that this is happening. It's all done on, on okay, people okay. say so. Okay, let me let me reword it slightly differently then. So, let's say he was it had been proven that he had got uh, some dodgy dodgy background to certain sales, and uh, it was it was factual. Everyone accepted it, right? Now this 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 collection, we're not just talking about. This bloke hasn't got 50 mocks, 50 mint on cards, sorry. This um, this bloke's got many, many mint on cards. He's got sought-after mint on cards. He's got rare mint on cards. Some of these cards are going to go into their thousands. There's no way, I don't think, an auction house is going to turn that down because of the revenue. 
Absolutely not. And, and, Regardless of whether, however bad his reputation is, mm. because we, we, we've been chatting about this off, off, um, off air, and it's, you know, a lot of the people buying the items. 90, 98% of the community will buy these items regardless of who he is. Well, exactly. I mean, an auction house is never going to turn down money. I'd imagine they do have some kind of standards. Uh, I'd imagine there the, the must be some sort of criminality somewhere that says, you know, if you've been done for fraud or you've been done for certain crimes, they probably won't deal with you or they have the option to not deal with you. Um, they might they might put their premiums up for the, for the seller. You know, they might say, actually... Because we don't know, because we might have to the option of dealing with your returns because they're dodgy, or or you have a reputation of of something or other, then they might say actually we're going to charge you forty percent of your takings. You know, I mean, I'd assume uh, assume anyone who wants who likes making cash might be able to do that. I don't know how legal that is, but they might be you know up to negotiation, I guess. But um, end of the day, the auction house is there to make cash, so they're going to take that approach, aren't they? Let's face it. I don't, think I don't right. actually think uh, Rich will know better. I don't think he was ever a, in trouble for um, for making dodgy items, was he, Rich? No, he did Photoshop a fake tall toys mint on card, but he claimed that he did it to prove a point. It was never offered for sale. It, he just wanted to show how easy it was to do. And I, I don't blame Hakes for selling his items. I've got no problem with that whatsoever. The problem that I've got is splashing his name all over it for, for us to go... Oh, wow, this is from the collection of Jake. Sorry, don't give it to us. I guess in some ways, even though he's got a bad name community, I know this is going to sound like a complete contradiction, but in some ways, because of they put his name out there, people do know him. Um, I, I expect there's probably a, lot, a bunch of people out there who find him quite amusing and think he's the funniest person on the planet um, and think, oh, yeah, well, I trust him. And you know, I guess if he has got a collection that that's people admire, then... They will do it. They'll probably take it with a bit of a pinch of salt, some of the stuff he's done, or they'll probably think, okay, fine. Um, yes, he's been a bit a bit of an oddball, but hey, the, you know, this stuff is genuine and I want it. Then they're just going to you know, put it to the side, aren't they? They're not into it. Personally, I don't know. Actually, I'm thinking, would I care? Um, I think it was something I really wanted. I think, well, you know what? He's not committed any major crimes. He's not gone to prison. Um, I, pro- I probably would buy some more stuff off him. <laughs> If I had any money, of course, which I don't, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Jez, I know Rich has already touched on it. Named collectors auctions. Now, Rich has said he would buy. He thinks it's right that someone like Chris G or Ron should have their name on an auction. Yeah. Um, we've seen others in the past. But would, say, a collector that we know, so say let's uh, Jason Smith selling his stuff for, you know, Rodney Trotter yeah. selling their collections. Yeah. Um, would, would you bid on them because their names are across it? Would it put you off? Would it make you bid? Would it be better just sold as we've got a Star Wars collection in? Yeah, I, I I couldn't care less whose collection it is, really, quite frankly. You know, apart from the fact that recent auctions where they've had, um, you know, people involved in the production uh, of the movies or involved in the production of the actual figures themselves, you know, it'd be great to... Uh, the, the fact that, say, for example, you say, oh, you know, from the collection of Chris... I wouldn't be buying it because Chris G owned it. I'd be buying it because my attention had been brought to that auction because undoubtedly it would be full of incredible pieces. Um, but I, I, I certainly wouldn't. I, I couldn't care less if it had been owned by you know you or, or anyone. For example, you know this this Jake guy, and I, I'm sure. I mean, I always thought 
Jake Rapandis or whatever was um, a play on words. I, I thought it was a, a Mickey take of Repo. Repro. Um, did he go by a previous Jake name? Because I, I thought I was dealing with um, the same guy um, in about 2015. Um, yeah, G- Jake Repass, that's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I was looking through my Facebook messages and they only go back down to 2016 for some reason. But I think when I first started doing some sort of fundraising, he, he had contacted me saying, oh, you know, I'm, I, I, I can offer you this and and it was all about trying to sell something on his behalf or i can't quite remember what it is but or what it was rather but i sort of smelt a bit of a smell right there i thought something's not quite right i don't know what's going on and then um then he was very apologetic about it and stuff but no going back to your question mate no i I can give stuff i don't think it makes any difference i don't think it makes any difference at all so uh, I don't know when this is, but if you want to check out his stuff, go to Hakes. <laughs> go it's, it's, weird, it's, it's weird because you could say that, you know, that might put people off, but then other people might go, oh, because loads of people are going to be put off because the guy's a bit of a bellwhacker. I can probably get something at a good bargain. But all you need is two people to be shown interest in one item. And it doesn't matter, does it, if, what everyone else thinks. You know, these things will still go. They'll still go. Cause I, don't, I don't know why they've added his name because I would dare say that half the people is listen to our podcast don't know who this guy is or why we've spoken about him for the last you know 10 minutes but um yeah i don't think it makes a difference whatsoever very true so with that in mind we'll draw a line under that and we'll go over to this month's quiz which is with pete uh god knows what it's going to be could be be, um battlestar galactica for all we know but um yeah i'm going to quickly grab a drink and we'll roll it on I thought, seeing as we had the Snooker World Championships recently, I would, we would play a frame of snooker. So, Does anyone outside the UK know what snooker is? I was going to get to that, Jeremy. Okay, all right then, all right then. <coughs> cool. Calm down, calm down, we've all had a drink. Then, it's a world championship, so our American friends should yeah. know these no, things. No, no, that's they rubbish. they don't come up with any kind of world championships. But anyway, <laughs> snooker, yeah. it's Super Bowl. played... With coloured balls. That's all you need to know. It's a little bit like pool, but more interesting. And takes days to get through championship rounds. But anyway, we had a... Um, in fact, a guy called Trump won it, I believe. So uh, you Americans should be very interested in this. Three first rounds. Um, all the guys are going to pot some reds. And when you pot a red, you have to nominate a colour and pot that colour. And you get extra points. So for a yellow, it's two points. Green, it's three points. Brown, four. Blue, five. Pink, six. And black, seven. Um, Obviously, they get harder as they go up the ranks. So you'll get the hang of it as we go along. I am going to pick who's my favourite podcast member. (laughs) Uh, Let's go with you, Rich, first. Let's start with you. Okay. so uh, let's get my Ted Lowe voice. Okay, Richard, let's start the first question. It's a red question. Uh, so you have to have a red question first, and then you can choose a colour if you get it right. If you don't get it right, I move on to the next person. They don't get to answer the question, and we just move on, okay? Is everyone happy with that? Yeah. So we don't have any bonus points. It's just, you got it wrong, bad luck, we move on. Okay, so, Rich, in the first 12, give me two figures with red things. Wow. 
in the first two figures with the red things. Yes. Um, I've got to move you on very quickly on this round. Right, yep. I'm going to see Han Solo. Has he possibly got a bit red on his belt or something? Has he? he has red, but go, go on. That's, and that's Darth good. Vader. Well done, Rich. You got well, two. That was a red. Yeah, well, he's got a red lightsaber, hasn't he? And he's oh, I think they're the red paint on his chest plate. You could have had. They're called Commander. Has a little tiny red dot on his on his little um, thing. <laughs> Or you could have had R2-D2, of course, who had a little red dot on his oh, eye. Oh, his red eye, yeah. Well done, Rich. Now, which colour you, would you wish to go for? That's one point. All right. Considering that was tough, I think I'm going to go blue and see, assess a blue. Oh, he's going for a blue question. Ooh. Okay, Rich. Again, you must just answer this. There's no passing it on. Um, I want you to tell me the blue effects on uh, in the first 12. Figure with blue on it. Oh, I figure with blue from the first 12. Right, um, I'm going to see Auto D2. How many do you need? Oh, sorry, five, sorry. Five? <laughs> um, Darth Vader, I think he's possibly on the panel again. Sorry, Rich. Bad You're luck wrong. there, you mate. Darth Vader. Yeah. So, um, you've got a Death Squad Commander, uh, R2 obviously. Chew his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Beautifully blue, and I was a Ben Kenobi, so bad luck there, Richard. Okay, uh, let's go to my second favourite person on the podcast. Um, for his red. Um, let's go to Stu. Brilliant. <laughs> I can't believe Richard was first in with a red and he didn't go for a 147. Bottled it from the moment it started. Okay, so Stu, yes. I want you to give me, now this is just, this is not the first 12, this is on the Star Wars cards. I want you, you to give me two red effects on the Star Wars cards, not including the first 12. Okay. Um, Boba Fett. Well done. R5D4. Well done, Stu. Oh, mine went a bit blank then. That's a, yeah. <laughs> wow, what colour would you wish to choose? Um, I'm going to go... For, I might go for a blue as well. Always oh, gone blue. Give me five materials, not including, obviously, the basic plastic, used in action figures and accessories. Five materials? Five materials. Can you give me five materials that are not just plastic? Right, OK. The cloth cape. Well done. Um, it's not no. as easy as what you think. This um, <laughs> it's got to be on the action figures. Uh, can it's I go? Can I go cardboard for the for the card? Uh, no, that's not on the action figure, is it? Technically, he's got it wrong. He's out. Oh yeah, of course he is. But like you, you could have had paper, the label, rubber. Wait, wait, rubber. wait, 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 wait. I just, I just want to. What do you mean, paper for the label? So on the from the um, R5 oh, or R2, uh, so the paper course, yeah, okay, yeah. You can add rubber, which is features in obviously our Power Droid friend on his little little nipply bit at the top. Yeah. You could have had, remember, I actually for accessories, you could have string, and finally you could have had, uh, and it is a little bit of a stretch this one, but the um, Big Fortuno's cloak is kind of a felt material, so I'll give you that as well. Fine, okay. Well, vinyl, I can't put in plastic, plastic really. Isn't it? Yeah. Plastic, mm. so. But yeah, so that's tough. But you still have your one point. Now, let's go to Chess. He is the third favourite, but I think he's joined first and second at the same I just time. I just want to miss Chess. I'll see you time. Chess, figures that first featured on Empire Strikes Back cards. This is pretty easy. Give me two with red effects. Oh, that's not easy. Everyone else is easy. Right, okay. Empire, 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 Empire. Oh, Cloud Car Pilot, Cloud Car Pilot. 
he's got yeah. a red helmet, and he red bits on his helmet. Orange. Yeah, yeah, I'll give him that. It's, it's kind of ready orange. I'll give him that. Yeah, and uh, right. Um, uh, uh, Best Guard have got red cuffs. Well done, Jez. That's a cracking one. There's actually lots and lots and lots. Is there? Yeah, there is. There's um. There's, oh, hang on. Let me. Let me. Got red collar. FX7 yeah. has a red light. IJT8 has a little little ready thing in the who on his hoo ha. Well, Yoke's yeah, eyes. Everyone red. knows IJT8 has got a little red thing on his hoo ha. Exactly. I mean, Yoke's eyes in some of the things that are red. BA. Um, yeah. Attack driver has a little ready little thing in the who. Um, Imperial Commander has a little red thing on his on his military garb. Attack Commander, same thing. Um, R2. Could have had R2 Cytoscope. Uh, oh, of course, uh, yeah. Always oh, 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 a good one. TIE Fighter Pilot and Zuckus also has a little red. Mm. I know. Now you're thinking, aren't you? Now you're thinking. Mm. They've gone for blues and failed. I'm, I'm going to try and ease into a tight brown. I want four brown things in the first 12. Okay, uh, Chewbacca. Yes, well. Jawa. Yes, well. Um, would you say that, you know, Luke Skywalker's hair? Luke Skywalker? Oh, it's not on my list. I think he's out. I think he's yeah, out there. Yeah, as well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't believe he didn't go with Kenobi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, I was getting to that. I was getting to that. Tusken Raider. Tusken Raider. Exactly. And, yeah. and, of course, Han Solo's hair. It's also brown. Oh, hang, hang Han Solo's hair. Yes. And not not Luke's hair. Oh. Well, yeah. no, because it was a variant later on, I believe. So, bad luck, right. Jez. You're all. I'm, so after I'm the first round, argue. you've all potted one red, and you're all on one point. Let's go <laughs> to the second round. Are you ready, Rich? I would like you to give me a couple of red items that featured on Return of the Jedi figure. So, B-wing pilot. Yeah. And another one, please. Oh, right, you didn't confirm it. Uh, Emperor's Royal Guard. Well done. Well done. That's an easy one. You could have also had Akbar, My Num. Anyone else got another one, Stu? I reckon you, you might get another one, just for fun. It's your favourite figure. My favourite figure? Well, that's in the last 17, the Imperial Dignitary. No. <laughs> no, your other favourite figure, Cy <laughs> Snoodles. That's a lovely pair of red lips. Oh, I would have given you that course, one. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think Pat- of those Red Temple Jedi figure, uh-huh. though. Paplu also has a little bit of red on the top of, of his little kind of helmet-y thing. So, yeah, well done, Rich. Okay, so what colour are you going for? Right, okay, so I feel miserably with the blue, so I'm going to have to be more careful now. And I'm going to go black. <gasps> oh, he's gone black, my favourite. Oh, this is going to be good. Oh, this is going to be good. Okay, Rich. Now, obviously, you don't get away with an easy question for in the black ones. I want you to... You've got to think hard on this one. Black... I wear. Now I want. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, we can get seven out of that. <laughs> right. So, so the figure must have, and now um, this is this is throughout all the figures. It must have black a pair of goggles or eyewear, not on a helmet, or droids or aliens' eyes. There must be a little pair of black glasses. There's <laughs> seven of them in the figures, is it? so I'm not seven going to get away. I'm not going to get away with Death Star Droid, for example. It has to be. No, 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 no. Because that's right. So okay, right. I'm going to go with Luke X-wing pilot. Well done. And I'm going to go with Hot Rebel soldier. Yes. And I'm going to go with uh, Luke Hoth. Yes. <sighs> um, I'm trying to think of what's that on helmet. Oh, 
to have B-Wing Pilot. Oh, yeah, I'll go with B-Wing Pilot. B-Wing Pilot does not, Rich, I'm afraid, sadly. Oh, you would I have think... thought that. You would have thought that, but it yep. doesn't. Anyone else want to help? AT, AST driver, and ATAT driver, and TIE Pilot are the three that I instantly thought of. TIE Fod Pilot is wearing a helmet, so that's incorrect. Yeah, they've all got helmets. Uh, so is the ATAT driver. Hang on, hang on. I'm not sure about Luke's uh, Luke Hoth, but um, you yeah. want black bits in eyes. He's got he's got a pair of goggles on on oh, top of his head. No eyes. Oh, on yeah, top. No eyes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, just down, maybe a pipe no, down. No, hang on a second. Black <laughs> I think, eyes. I think Stu's you... actually mentioned that. I think we've got all of them. There's Han Hoth as well, and there is a cheeky one. Really? Face has got an eye patch. So I would have oh, accepted. Oh, that's good. Would accept to that. So yeah. Rich, you were blooming close. I tell you, you were doing well there. But Stu... Would you not have accepted Rees, mate? Because he's got black eyes. They're, they're eyes, aren't they? They're no eyes, oh, man. Honestly, oh, somebody slap him. Do you listen to the questions, or do you just no come eyes. in and out as you feel like it? <laughs> Pretty much that. Let's go to Stuart. Yeah. Now, this is going to be horrible for you, but I reckon you would do well here. I just want two red pieces from the Power Force line. So, again, figures who featured yeah. first on the Power Force line. Okay, you should do well, one straight away, Imperial Dignitary. It's well. It's a nice little scarf. Um... I'm going to say Imperial Gunner because the emblem. You got the figure right, so I've got to give you it, but it was actually his visor. Ah, I knew there was red on it. But you did get the figure. I only asked for the figure, so I don't, well, I don't want personal details of the, uh, uh, the figure. So what colour are we going for? So far, no one's got the colour right. Okay, well, I'm going to get a colour right this time. I'm going to go brown just so we can get one in there. This is quite an easy one, Stu, to be fair. On the Star Wars cards, as in not including the first 12, I want... I've only got two brown items. This is dead Blimey. easy. Okay, uh, Hammerhead. Well done. I'm going to guess Fett. Well done. You got it both. Yeah. Well done. I was a bit strict between Fett and Snag then. I've packed boxed up all my loose figures so I can't see anything. <laughs> Jez, you've been messing around. Let's get you this one. This is, I have to apologise, but this is going to be really hard. So I need, I need two um, from the droids line. I need two red if you think think you should get it really easily because it's yeah. if you think about it, yeah. logically it's really easy yeah okay all right i i would just like to raise a complaint though in yeah. some respects right because in some respects in, no in fact in every respect it's normally rich who gets the ribbon right and i'm happy with that i'm happy with that now you've said to me um oh i'm gonna go to my favorite rich okay my second favorite Stu. now i'll come to me and everyone's first thing was like yeah name something red in the first 12 you know like doc fader's thing and then it was like with red in it yeah 15 and you were saying that it's like oh yeah there's a tiny little bit underneath the attack driver i'm gonna answer the question right there's a little bit of red on fet and there's a little bit of red on r2 see it was that easy but it was also just 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 for a bit of fun can you name the two just for a bit of fun no i'm having all the fun in the world carl jordan the duloc scout it's it Tosh and that Doosak character both have a bit of red on them. I'm going to go for a little bit of black, I think. Ooh, it's Name six players from the Ewoks line with black <laughs> in their eyes. 
He's close because that that may be a question. Um, but um, right, I am going to ask you a very cheeky. Oh, I can't do that to you. I can't do that. That's terrible. You can. You can do it. No, I can't. I can't. Oh, no, I can't. I'm only going the order of my questions, so I'm yeah. I got a second. I got a second. I, that that's that way's done in court. That way's done in court. You've gone no. for black, so I've got to give you the black question, and it's in my list. And your next next black question. So which figures of the droids line do not contain any black? And I need all four. Absolutely kidding me. Sorry, but that's just the next question on my list. Right. I need all four. Sorry. I just need four for your seven points. Come on, you I need can four, name four, four droids characters. Yeah. Which you figures can... of the droids line do not do not contain any black? Okay. Boba Fett. Uh, no. <laughs> He's got a black blaster. So if CC from and Tig from also have no black or any black blaster or anything else. So, Jez, unlucky there. You, that was been lucky because uh, the next question would have been, I reckon you could have handled it. Just bad luck there, mister. But you still got your point, though, so that's good. So you yeah, still level with that. Uh, so, yeah, well, no, you level with Rich. You level with Rich. Um, Stuart's out on the lead because he's actually got a colour. So um, let's go back to Richard. I reckon you're going to get this. Because uh, that kind of guy. How many molded red parts does a Star Destroyer have? That's molded red parts, not stickers. Molded red parts. Star Destroyer set have. You know the one I mean. Yeah, I know what I mean. Um, none. No, it's incorrect. It's three. Three, three red parts. Right, no points there. Right, Stu, let's go to you. Okay. Um, I reckon you. I reckon you'll do well here. Four 12-inch figures or large action figures have red in them. Which four? Oh, goodness. Um, okay, Fett. Well done. Um, Vader. Well done. IG-88. Well done. One more. And 12-inch, 12-inch. It's the easiest question. All well, IG-88 is actually 15-inch, but who's... who's oh, nice. oh, R2. Yeah, well done. Well done, you did well there. I mean, you yeah. get that. What colour would you uh... wish? A blue. Going for a blue. It's going to be easy because he's asking you. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, it's oh, the you are so bitter and such a bad list. loser. Jez, I just have a list of questions. I think I'm going down a list. So on just a Star Wars card, not the first 12, um, I want three blue things. Oh, right, okay. So we've got um, Hammerhead. Yes. We've got Warus Man. Well done. And um, we've got Boba Fett. Yeah, well done. You could have also had Power Droid. Okay, I was wondering, would Blue Snaggletooth have been accepted there? Uh, I think it's not no. Not hard, but no. Because uh, I would have just voted no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, glad, well done. Glad I didn't go with it then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just said no. Well done. Jez. Jez. <laughs> Loser. This is gonna be funny. Right, Jez. Jez. I reckon you'll you'll do well here. Um. Um, I, think, I think you will. I think you will. I think you got the brain for this one. So uh, this is the last of the red questions. So which two mini rigs have red molded items? Oh, easy. Not stickers. Red molded items. I, I I cannot get over the fact that these questions are so utterly. <laughs> this is easy. Even I would have got this one. And I'm rubbish. Molded red bits, so not yeah. stickers. Not, not stickers. stickers. So, so bits of plastic which are red. Yeah, but like you know, we we get it's some finished. of some of the podcast members get right. Oh my you know the god! Just, 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 you know just, the just first twelve. I would have got a red question. bit. 
out of most of these ones oh, I wouldn't have got, I would get this one. And that's how easy this is. Come on. Yeah, yeah. The fact Watch is, him. I think I'm just, I'm just incensed. I'm just not. Yeah, thinking. just have a go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll have a go, and I'm gonna say. Uh, it's not. Uh, um, MLC three. Bad luck. Um, INT four. The visor on it is is a red shade, and also the skiff sail, of course. Big bloody great big red thing. <laughs> rich, rich. Jez couldn't even pot a red. <laughs> so no points for Jez there. So Stu is still out in the lead. Uh, in fact, he's increased that's... his lead. Now we get to the fun part of the quiz, Jez. You're going to love oh, this. Yeah, I will. But this time we are going to move round, okay? Yes, I'm going to let you go first because you are behind. So I'm going to give you a chance to make a little break here, okay? (laughs) On the first 12, Mm. I want two yellow items. So two bits of yellow. Okay. First 12. Jess can get this right. right. Um, Can I say Luke Skywalker's lightsaber? Well done. And Luke Skywalker's hair. Jez, two points. Right, you want yeah. you want a break, Jez? You can win oh, this. Yeah. yeah. So green. Name three green Star Wars creatures. That's all I'm going to give you. In the across the board. Greedo. Well done. Yoda. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. He's got a bit of brown on him. Hang on a second. He's a green creature with some accessories. God, most of his body is brown, I'm afraid. So I'm going to yeah, have to. Yeah, no, I'm afraid he is. He's not all right. green. I'm going to go. So, Richard, can you right. complete the. Um, the oh, you are giving it away. Oh, my good God. Can, can we can we boot Jez in a minute? Gaboria God. Uh, no, he's also got lots of brown in him. I it's want green. Green. That's his armour. Gamora God is green. He's wearing brown armor. Okay, can I carry on? Stu, you can you can take this. This is this is creatures. Um, Dianoga. Yeah, yeah, of course he was a Dianoga. Jez, please. And um, I'm gonna go with a Jupac. Well done. You're the one man on the same page. Stu, seeing as you stole that, you are now taking the questions. Okay. Not including cloth capes or vinyl capes or that sort of thing. I want you to give me. Um, other items which appear on figures which are detachable in brown. In brown, okay. Uh, four Lom's chest plate. Oh. Um, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna go to the Ewoks. Wicket's hat, um, hood. Well done. I'm gonna go Chirper's hood. <laughs> He's going down the Ewok route. Oh, oh. oh. My mind's gone blank on Ewoks. Romba's hood. Uh, let me just ch- check. Let me just check. I didn't have Rombus Hood down there. I didn't have it, but I think it might be. What do you reckon, Rich? Mm, yeah, yeah, I'll give it is. Yeah, it is, Brian. Well done. You could have also had, and I thought you would have gone for this. Lando's Yeah, you could have also had Size Snootle's skirt. Yeah, I keep forgetting about them being figures. Rancor hat. Yeah. I think that's it. I think for um, obviously Ewoks is the the big winner on the old brown bits. Bloody yeah, bad. yeah, the hoods and um, stuff are full of little satchels. Yeah. EV99's left arm. You get to continue, Stu. What was the tagline for Blue Harvest? Oh, no idea, mate. Pass it down. Jez, what was the tagline for Blue Harvest? Um, it's a stitch up. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. 
He's gone. Richard. I have no idea. Oh, horror beyond imagination. Oh, of course. Of course it was. Lads. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what, I still wouldn't have got that even after hearing it. And so stew to the table. And there's no way you're getting this one. Which six Ewoks are named credits in Return of the Jedi. So that they are named in the credits. The okay, actual well, characters are named in the credits. Okay, so it's got to be Wicket. Mm-hmm. And Pat Luke is originally. Yes. He was going to have the uh, lines. Um, I'm going to guess Low Grey. Yes, well done. I'm going to guess Nisa. No, incorrect. We pass it on. Chief Chirper. Well done. I, I am thinking of Ewoks, but why they've been named Ewok? Warwick? No, incorrect. I'll pass it to Richard. There's two more to get. I was going to say Warwick as well. Wait, which ones were hard? We've had Wicket, Chief Chirper, mm-hmm. Low Grey, Paplu. Two more. Right, I'm going to go with Romba. Oh, no. Bad luck. Incorrect. We go back to Stu. You are <laughs> kidding me. <laughs> no, no, we don't go back to Stu. No, the other ones are Tebow. Tebow. And, and this was this was a one that no one was ever going to get. Uh, it's the little Ewok, the little grey one. It does a little handstand. And the mm. name is Nikki, the Ewok. Got when that takes all now. It is. So we're all trying to pot the black. Who shall I go for? Shall I just go for Jez? Give him a chance. Yeah, yeah get him out of the way. If you pot it, Jez, you win the whole thing. I'll give it to you. Oh, game on. Oh, look really? at him. He's, he's actually competitive. That's what his problem's been. If you're not first, you're last. Okay, you know? Jez. Come Jez, on, Ricky Bobby. This is a big question. Reese shares a black version of his weapon with which other action figure? Oh, flipping heck. Reese shares a black hmm. version of his weapon with which other action figure? Oh, is it. Oh, is it. It's a droids, isn't it? You've given me another droids question, surely. Just give me an answer, yeah. You, you, you've, you've given me a droids question. Oh, hang on a second. No, it's give not. Give me an answer, Jeremy. Can I just say it's a droids character? Can you say yes or no? Um, let's say um, oh. from. Let's. Is it a from? Character? It is not a from. I will Damn. move on. I will move on from from. Do you know what? It's Richard next. I think I know it. And now I've given the game away. Richard, Um, yeah, I wouldn't have got it without you, Jez, but I know what it is. uh, I don't know me me droids very well. Um, It wouldn't wouldn't be Uncle Gundy, man, John. Yeah, it is. It is Uncle Gundy. Well, then, Richard, you win the whole thing. Well done. Seven points for the win. I was thinking of a crutch. Uncle Gundy used me as a crutch. I can't with that until Jez has said droids. I'm emotionally wiped out. Jez, you took that quite personally. That was a fun quiz, though. Proto-mold what? Vectus Roundup. The Rebel base is on the moon on the far side. We are preparing to orbit the planet. Uh, Rich, you've asked the question in the title, Proto-mold what? 
Yes, Drew. So an article appeared on the SWCA blog on Friday, April the 26th, 2019. And we all follow the SWCA blog and we would urge all our listeners to do so as well. There's some fascinating articles appear on there periodically. Now this one was on Porto Molden and called So Just What Is a Porto Mold? And was written by Ben Sheehan. Now, many of us will know Ben from his work on Australian vintage collecting, and he was also host of the panel on tall toys at Celebration Chicago. Prior to this article, if I was asked if I knew what a portable mold was, I would have said yes. And then I read the article and I thought, well, I clearly don't. Read it three times and thought, okay, I've got it now. And then read a fascinating debate between Chris Fawcett and Ben Sheehan, and I thought, right, okay, it's out the window again, I haven't got a clue. First of all, I asked Ben to come on, but only if the Kivecast weren't going to have him on one of their bloglog pods. And they released the bloglog pod last week, so I would urge everybody to go and check that out. About 35-40 minutes of a fascinating interview with Ben Sheehan and Ron Salvatore. And there's some great information in there, and some of the information that we're going to give tonight links back to that bloglog pod. But... They didn't focus too much on the, the debate between Chris and Ben, and there's quite a lot in there that I am just thoroughly confused by. So I thought we will talk about that tonight. First of all, what is a portal mould? Well, initially I believed that a portal moulded figure was simply a figure that had been made totally in-house at Kenner using aluminium moulds, which were also created at Kenner. Portal moulded figures were made in off-white or in milky-white plastic and were painted. That's kind of what I would have said was a portal mould figure. Now Ben's article corrects that initially just by stating that the moulds were actually made in Kirksite. And I thought, okay, I can buy that. Perhaps the moulds aren't in aluminium. It's a different kind of material, a different alloy. And then he went into a lot of detail as how to spot them and where they were used in the concept timeline. You know, the first time I went through this article and I thought, right, okay, different kind of moulds. I had the aluminium wrong. I read it again and thought, okay, I think I know how to spot them now. But there were so many terms used in that article, and many of them brand new to me. I thought, no, I need to do a lot more research on that. Okay, so guys, I've got some questions for you, and I've given all of you some pointers as to things to look for. So I'm going to start off with you, Jez. Now, in that article, Ben claims that sometimes photomolded figures back in the late 90s and early 2000s were sometimes sold as hard copies. Or even regular figures. And he stated a few times now, even the Kenner employees got it wrong. So, we'll just start off with something that should be fairly straightforward. Jez, what is a hard copy? All right, Rich, yeah. Cheers for giving me this one. Now, I can answer this directly, and, and I've got two little passages which I can give to you with regards to what a hard copy is. But I just wanted to bring people's attention to Ben's blog log initially the opening thing here is it if you want to see what a confused vintage star wars prototype collector looks like you couldn't do much worse than to ask one to explain what a proto-molded action figure is better yet ask him to explain why a proto-mold even exists chances are that at some point during this conversation they'll wind up stumped now i was pretty much stumped as soon as i started looking into this and you started um, asking questions mate now i haven't listened to the blog log pod yet however i have read the article now you've asked me what a hard copy figure is now one of my favorite books that i've got is the gus and duncan's guide to star wars prototypes 
yeah, I think we've all seen this, and it, it's a really, really beautiful book. Now, inside this book, it says, with regards to a hard copy, a detailed urethane three-dimensional master that's used to create production molds or early prototypes of a toy. So quite simple, quite straightforward. Then go over to Star Wars Collector's Archive, where they just put a little bit more meat on the bones. And it says, a hard copy is just what it says. It's a hard copy of a figure, but not the standard figure. It's actually a copy of the original sculpting, and it is the product of a silicon mold. They're called hard copies because they're made of a polyurethane that is harder and usually weighs quite a bit more than the normal plastic used on a production figure. I'll stop at that point because I thought, oh, that's brilliant. You could just imagine a really sort of knowledgeable collector just feeling, say, you know, um, Han Solo in his right hand and then feeling a Han Solo hard copy in his other going, yep, this is it. You know, I, I don't know whether we're talking just, you know, grams or what, but the fact that they weigh quite a bit more, um, I love that. The urethane is generally com comprised of three parts, a catalyst, a hardener and a pigment. Any colour can be added, but only after the catalyst and hardener have been mixed together and the urethane solidify. The hard copies are hand cast, hand painted and hand assembled by the people involved in the design process. So already that seems like quite a laborious process, mate. It goes on to say each part must be cleaned up and sanded at the joints so that they can be prepped for assembly and holes must be drilled in each part because the limbs and head are held on with metal pins. So again, e even more into this, there's so much more to these hard copies than may originally meet the eye. Because dowel pins are used to hold the limbs on, the figures can easily be taken apart. Hard copies do not have holes in the feet or copyright markings on the legs, as these additions came during the steel mold making process. Hard copies are used as approval samples, and more importantly, the unpainted ones serve as tooling aids for creating the steel molds. Painted hard copies serve as paint masters so the production folks will know what part gets painted a certain colour or what plastic base colour to use. Because there is no shrinkage involved in casting a hard copy, it's dimensionally identical to the original wax sculpting. However, a slight bit of detail may be lost between it and the original because of the copying process. There you go. Clear as anything. And uh, yep, so we can all rest now that we know exactly what a hard copy is. And it was great to see some of these for sale in the room sales in celebration. So there you go, mate. Well, we've also seen some others recently as well, though, Jez, because in the second part of Rebel Briefings, we're going to be talking about Vectis. And um, yeah. some people have been referring to those three prototype resin figures as hard copies, and some have been referring to them as tooling aids. You've said there, Jez, that hard copies are used for approval samples, and, and they can be used as tooling aids, and painting ones can be served as paint masters. So, Stu, if that's the case, then, then what's the point in portables? Why didn't they just use painted hard copies? I believe, Rich, that basically, if you read through Ben's Ben's article, time is money and the cost is cheaper to produce a proto mould. So if anything for, like, photos and things they need or marketing, advertising, it's quicker to knock one of these up than wait on a regular figure. Well, yep, absolutely, bingo, right? I mean, obviously, a regular figure is going to take a long time. We know that. We're much further down on the line on that one. But when I was listening to Ben on the Carvecast, he said that it takes about 24 hours to make one hard copy by the time it sets. And you also said that the people who worked at Ken, I said that they actually weren't that good at making hard copies. 
Um, and as you've said, they, you know, we, we needed them for different departments. There was advertising, marketing, various departments need these figures. So it was the quickest and cheapest way of making them. So it makes perfect sense to me. Now, Pete, in the debate between Chris and Ben, um, some terms start to get thrown around like low yield and low pressure. And uh, Chris uses low pressure a lot, but Ben uses the term low yield and also absorbs low pressure into his answer. So, Pete, what are they both talking about? When they're saying proto molds are shot in low pressure molds, what does that mean? Well, when I used to work in that kind of industry, um, low yield for us was, was not always talking about the strength of, of the material used in, in the, the casting. It was often used in terms of how many you, you, you were going to produce. So, I mean, um, yields are used a lot in volume of production. And that's why when I originally read it, that's what was going in, into my head saying, OK, they're talking about a mould that's not going to produce more than, let's say, just out, out, out yeah, 5,000. We would always do uh, a plastic cap and make about around about 500 to 1,000. Yeah, and sometimes we'd, we'd run it to death and make 5,000 for, for later trials. So uh, I, I assume in, in, the, in that discussion that they were talking about the fact that uh, the volume, you know, the volume of that tool so I think they were kind of both talking about the same thing, um, really. So they were talking about, you know, how, how long is this, this mold going to last for? Because depending on the, on the material used, and come to that later, um, it, you know, it's not going to give you um, a sharp uh, return on, on your mold, you know, for 20,000 items. You're going to get, like I said, a few hundred, maybe maybe a couple of thousand out of it, and that's it. So for low yield, I would imagine you, you would be getting not a great return on your yeah, I mean, and you don't want a massive return because you're only making samples and then you make adjustments and going I'm ongoing really. So, yeah, it was, it was interesting reading that discussion. That how many how many terms? I think they were both kind of talking about the same thing, but at the same time, you know, I think Chris seemed to be coming more from a kind of production background, so I could kind of understand what he was saying um, in his terminology more than I could understand what Ben was coming from. I don't, I don't know what his background is, but I'm assuming it wasn't in production. You've alluded to the mold types there, so well, I think we're probably best off covering that now. I think it's a perfect opportunity. So I was always under the impression that putter molds were aluminium molds, but both Chris and Ben have said that that's not the case. And Ben started with an alloy called Kirksite, which I knew nothing about. So Kirksite molds, aluminium molds, steel molds. Okay, so, so what are the yields of these? How long would you expect these to last when they're churning figures out? Now, I, I, I probably won't know massive volumes, but because Kirksite is a zinc-based alloy, that allows you to be a bit more detailed. Now, we used to use aluminium tools for plastic caps, because let's face it, apart from a flip top, um, if it was, it was the same piece, there wasn't a great deal of detail you needed. It's going to be a smooth, smooth around the edges, and you know, aluminium was uh, fairly cheap. I think Kirksite is actually quite low, low cost anyway. So, but you get, you do you do you don't have to do a lot of finish what you call finishing so you know once you've kind of cast it and your machine has dug in and and created the the design you don't have to go in there a lot and start you know getting out some of the rough parts it's actually pretty much done when 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 you've gone through it on the first first two or three kind of passes of of making that mold so and that's that's down to the to the zinc it's it's a better all-round material for sort of like more sort of detailed stuff and it, and it will withstand a bit more pressure on going but um yeah um aluminium usually needs i mean i mean we have to do a lot of work on just smoothing things out so you, know, you have to have additional machining on 
aluminium parts. Yeah, I've asked Chris roughly, I mean, obviously these are incredibly vague, um, how many parts each of these different kinds of moulds could do. And, you know, it's an educated guess, but he said Kirkside, you're probably looking at a couple of hundred parts. Aluminium could probably talk, you're talking about tens of thousands, whereas full production tooling would be looking at millions of parts. You know, that makes co- complete sense for what Porto moulded figures are. And Ben banged on and on about it in the Kai-Class interview, in that portal moulding, they are there and they stop. They don't go any further. There's no refinement to them. So once a portal moulded figure is done, that mould's finished. It's not refined any further. Whereas obviously, you know, full production tools would be, you know, refined and refined and refined till, the, till you're perfectly happy with them. I'm sorry, and also on a production tool, you wouldn't use aluminium, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't use Kirksite on a production tool. No. I can't remember what the material is that's used, but it's it's, it's something I can't... Uh, beryllium, it, copper, beryllium copper, isn't it? I think it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and, that, and that runs for, you know, <laughs> forever. Yeah. Well, I think we've always referred to them as steel moulds, but, you know, I'd, I'd, I think beryllium copper is possibly the correct term. Vague recollection of something I've read. Now, you mentioned there your low yield and low pressure. So, a characteristic of portal moulder figures is that they have little vacuums in them. So, what what causes these little vacuums or these little pockets of, of nothingness, you know? Like, I, I picture them as being little jezzes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit harsh, huh? A bit harsh. I'm quite, I'm quite curious on the answer though, Pete. So, um, yeah, educate us, mate. Rich, I'll get back to you. I don't know. I don't. I don't look at that without that bit. <laughs> Where was that question? Hey, let me have a quick, quick look, Rich. Hang on. <laughs> well, uh, for me, you know, limited knowledge. I think it's when if you're putting in less pressure, then air is not going to be forced out as quickly and that if air is trapped in the plastic then you're going to have these little these little voids or or these little vacuums appearing in the plastic and i believe it's one of the telltale signs of a portal molded figure is these little voids i would imagine that it's also to do with the material used as well because you know i mean you think when you when you're running production injection molding you're you're you know you're heating up materials really really you know, to high high levels, you're shoving it into a mould, and it, it needs to cool relatively quickly, so you can you know you don't have time for messing around. Whereas in a production, sorry, in a kind of sampling mould environment, as you said, some of these things have taken quite a while to to cool off and actually settle. So I'd imagine that they're they're not heating this stuff up to production levels. So it's probably the materials they're using and the and the heat being been applied. I'd imagine for the material. Now, Jez, going back onto the silicon moulds, and why not just use the silicon moulds which were already there for the hard copies? You know, 24 hours for one, is it really that long a time? Surely you can just pour in resin and wait for it to cure and be done. Mate, dude, 24 hours in the toy industry in the 70s and 80s was a lifetime. You know, I think it is pretty much, it's all about time, isn't it? And that whole thing, time is money, and it's just... It takes too long to do that whole process, and the production at that time was running it maxi chat, and uh, you know it, it was now or never. So they just needed it to be as efficient as they possibly could. Well, they were playing catch up, weren't they? Because when you think about from the date they signed the contract to the unexpected explosion of Star Wars and the demand yeah. for toys, they were they were constantly playing catch up. And to be fair, they did incredibly well. You know, um, they. They, they did great. Yeah, they, I don't think they could have really done any better, mate. It's, it's just all about time, and let's get these things out ASAP. I wonder how many how many kind of um, industry firsts were kind of made during these kind of productions. I mean, if they, you know, I mean, this was an enormous operation, wasn't it, of churning figures that hadn't really been done before on, 
on kind of action figures that kind of scale. So I wonder, wonder if they kind of like, you know, redefine the industry and, and uh, helped machinery move forward and production move forward. I wonder, wonder what, what learnings came from all this, this crazy production that was going on all over the world. Well, I've got some questions that we're going to come up to later on, but I'm, I'm just going to drop something in there now. I mean, obviously, when Star Wars was first released, nobody knew there were going to be sequels. I mean, yes, George may have done, but nobody else did. And Kenna, as far as I can see, were looking to release, you know, possibly maximum 12 action figures. So by the time they started to hit Empire and certainly towards Jedi, the whole production process would have changed in my, in my mind. If there were new developments and better techniques, then Kenna would have learnt them and put them into practice. So I think that may change some of what we were thinking later on. Right, Pete. So, <laughs> so if Kenner, now, you know, Ben said this a few times, right? So the guys at Kenner, or some guys at Kenner, couldn't tell what a portable molder figure is, okay? Now, I thought back to the time when I worked in diecasting. And if somebody said to me when I was doing my diecasting, can you pass me the portal molded diecast for uh, whatever tool or whatever object, I would just look at them and go, what? It was much more likely they would go the block over there with the square corners or, you know, the the one that looks like the the, the bottom of an iron. You know, that's how we refer to things. So I'm, I'm really not surprised that people at Kenner didn't know what a portal mold figure was. They could tell you probably exactly how it was made and what was done, but the actual term portal mold, I think, probably would have been used by a limited number of people. So, Pete, yes, we can see the guys from Kenner, you know, were unsure about what portal molded figures are. So how can we tell one from a regular one? What are the differences? Well, it seems, um, I mean, I had a quick look at this because obviously, you know, uh, trying, to, trying to establish the, the differences. But I think it'd be pretty obvious if you held one next to the other, there's a nice example of an emperor figure. And it just looks, I mean, it looks like an emperor figure. You would go, yeah, that's an emperor figure. But it looks like it's been painted. <laughs> because, you know, from from a, a production production applied paint jobs or... You know, any any introduction, it, it, it's you know, you're, you're basically shoving material into a nice, really nicely smoothed out mold. When you're painting something by hand, or maybe a little, they had a little little jig going on where they were painting stuff. You can just see the the kind of rough effects of um, the paint being put onto plastic, and the plastic itself is, I mean, it's effectively all, all these prep molds are, are well, effectively white. So they they start off white and they are painted. So that's the, that, that's one way to, to look at it, is the fact that it just looks a little bit rough around the edges. But it looks like the figure. You wouldn't know. If you picked it up at like a, um, a you know a convention, you'd probably, uh, your first thought would be, oh, yeah, it's just an emperor figure, and put it back again. But if you actually looked at it, you go, yeah, yeah, actually, I can see the paint job it is done. It seems that they, they obviously had a few little bits and bobs in the assembly of it as well. So because these things probably weren't completely made to production levels, they seem to use like little metal rods to, to shove in arms and, and legs and stuff and heads but yeah it, it, there was if you look at it side by side you can definitely tell that it's a little tiny bit rougher than normal um, it's not got that lovely kind of smooth uh paint app and i believe that the the torsos are in one piece as well aren't they? they're not they weren't made by the production figures where you've got the two halves and the, the limbs are put in and sonic yeah, together. yeah. It's, it's a one-piece torso and i think Ben was very clear on the differences between the two in that 
when you've held enough in your hand and you can feel the difference in the plastic of the limbs, it's very, very easy to tell the difference between a protomotor trigger and one that is from a production run. And obviously hard copies are completely different again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, this, this, we'll have to put a, a link up from the, the SWCA page as well. That when you see when you see a figure, it, you know, like I said, it looks just like it, but you can just tell it, it, you, it, it's quite obvious. It doesn't look awful. It looks pretty good. Uh, considering what what's been made on, but you can just tell. It looks like you know it's a, a bit of a home <laughs> a home job. So one thing that got me confused, then, okay, is that Ben in his article had said that there were none of the first twelve figures were known, although there were the Cantina aliens, and there was also Boba Fett, but then there was no first eleven wave of Empire Strikes Back. But then there were more Portland figures from then onwards. Is anybody at all got any theories? If we just look at the first eleven of Empire first, I'm going to speculate time. <laughs> that uh, that maybe because of whether the film coming out and the figures are coming out, they were quite confident of of you know of getting this stuff right, and they just they just you know it was like right we need to get these these done. You know, we we already have a bit of a expertise on this. We don't need to. We don't need to do you know protomoles and and stuff and they just went straight for it all right okay so that's interesting so you're basically saying that it's possible that they could have used 2d design sketches and perhaps kit bash some of the first 21 figures that they had to show the next 11 yeah maybe i mean i said it's just theory i would have mm-hmm. just thought by, by then and because of the there was I, I, there just seems to be a lack of kind of empire stuff so I'm wondering whether just the turnaround time from the the end of, sort of Star Wars stuff and then suddenly getting their stuff ready, they they just went right. We you know we know what we're doing. You know we know what what makes a good figure. We know what sells. Do we need to do a, a proto mold or a pre-production item on every single thing we do? do? Do we need to? And maybe they just went right. Let's do it. Let's just go and do it. Let's just go straight to, you know, making that production mold and we'll make the and we'll make the production molds there. Or or maybe it was a, it was an in, in enhancement in materials available in injection molding actually we've got this material now and we can make adjustments on the mold as we go no benzies in the kivecast that he's now skeptical as to whether the cantina aliens are actually portal molded in the sense that he is now defining that term because i think not everybody agrees with ben and his definition of portal mold so i think ben says that these cantina aliens that are turned up are definitely definitely different to first shots and they're definitely different to other pre-production items that have that have come at the time but he's not convinced that the portal mold that they're possibly something that's slightly different and i think that's interesting that because it goes back to what i said at the start certainly can i you know they've got they've got the first 12 out not expecting to do more at some point they then said okay these are flying off the shelves we're going to have to you know rapidly get some cantina aliens out so it makes sense that they may perhaps not have been in full-blown portal-mold pre-production kind of, you know, regularity that they were when midway through Empire and Definitely Wars Jedi. It makes perfect sense to me that they've just, you know, knocked these, you know, greedos and hammerheads together um, using whatever method that they had available. And then by the time they got to the second wave of Empire, they'd refined it to, you know, a, a machine-like precision. Does that make sense? Or do you think I'm just talking absolute rubbish on that one? Oh, I think that's pretty pretty good sense. I mean, you know, I mean, production is all about saving money and uh, moving things on as quickly as you can and getting stuff out there. I mean, anything that that helps, you know, companies do. I mean, like I said, you you save a couple of pence on a on a on a production, that that translates into you know hundreds of thousands of pounds in savings. So it's a perfectly good theory to me. Yeah, I 
I agree with everything you guys have said. That there's also an element it might not be anything to do with it, but Empire was a bit of a gamble, wasn't it? You know, you had such a successful Star Wars, and this was at a time when I don't think necessarily that sequels were particularly um, particularly well taken. And you know, George Lucas did almost all of this on his own and with his own production. You know, taken away now from big big um, film companies and, and whatnot and he, he was just almost trying to be a one-man band wasn't he so maybe there, w- there wasn't as much confidence in it they were like oh yeah we've probably just got everything we needed out of star wars and then when empire did become suddenly so popular it was like all oh, right yeah quick let's let's go on this i don't know i think rich was right sorry rich i think yes rich you were right but i think pete's whole thing about time i think time is a factor for all of this yeah definitely on the SWCA, there's an old article that's written up about Port Mold, and they're described as internal first shots. Now, Ron on the, the Cardcast blog log pod has been very clear in that he really wished that that term had never been used, because if I've got it right, a first shot was used to test the mold. Therefore, an internal first shot, to me, would be to test the internal mold. But because that was never the point of a portal mold, it wasn't to test the mold, because the mold was never going to be used to, you know lash out a load of action figures that term was incorrect so a first shot is something that's shot from the production mold and it's there to use a tester mold to identify imperfections and i remember in die casting you know you 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 think you had everything right and then you'd you'd test it and there'd be a crack somewhere or there'd be a little you know tiny little bit of swarf that was stuck in the mold and we're forever grinding these molds and skimming them you know especially when they're being used in the in the long chat between Chris and Ben, um, somebody had asked a question, and the question was, are first shots or portal molds more desirable? So, Jez, I'm, I'm tossing that one out to you, because, I mean, I don't know, are first shots pre-production? Which of the two are more desirable? Mm, dude, oh, mate, from my point of view, I really don't know what's more desirable. From my point of view, first shot, proto mold, hard copy... Mate, I, I don't know. I'm still sort of, you know, I, I would be uh, utterly blown away to even consider having any of those things as from a desirable addition to my collection. Yeah. Well, what, what, as I say, when I, when I was a CNC Miller, we didn't call them first shots. We called them first offs. And the purpose right. of the first off, as far as we were concerned, was the first off would go to the inspection team. And then the inspection team would check it against draft plans, you know, the, the third angle protection plans. And they would be, you know, checking the holes, checking the angles, checking all that. And then they would sign it off as quality control to say, yep, yeah, that's perfect. But if I had something like that, to so say if I had an R5D4, that was a first shot. You know, so it's the first one off the mould and it was all nice. It's a production figure to me. It's a production figure. Yeah. Now, if I had the hard copy or if I oh, had yeah. the portal moulded figure, you know, to me, they're far more desirable. Oh, no, hard copy. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, the, the question was first shot or, or proto mold. And I was just then going back to the whole world. You know, we, we spoke about the hard copies and in some cases, you know, 20 odd hours going into it and all, and all the process. And and you must think the, the attention to detail and almost love which has gone into that to me. Yeah, utterly desirable, completely. Dude, and, and we're also glossing over the whole paint master because yeah, this is yeah. what I've loved about this whole thing, because when you go onto the to the blog 
and you know Ben's thick with with various links and links going back to um, Star Wars Collector's Archive, which where we all just love and use as a as a bible as best we can. There was an absolutely cracking picture, Paint Master. I think it was um, I think it was a Yak Face, which came with a load of paint swatches, and it's just yeah, these these things are we've probably just blown people's minds and this that, and the other and and it is a massively in-depth subject but it just once again goes to show what just um how lucky we are to have such um knowledgeable people who can inform us and yeah. uh, and and these references not only the book as i said this gus and duncan's book is a, is a real fave of mine but again going back onto the Star Wars collector's archive i'm so chuffed that we saw that paint master to have something like that with the paint swatches would be absolutely priceless Jez, we both know that we're going to have many people absolutely killing themselves laughing at some of what we're talking about here. But you've nailed it there. And I really would appreciate any feedback of anything that we've got wrong. Because in my head, we're sort of getting there, but we're not quite. So I would love to have some feedback on that. In the article there, and Ben's hinting to another article that he's going to write, Ben says that there were no first 12 portamoles. He said, nobody owns the first 12 portamoles. None have ever shown up. Um, he's, he's heard the term used incorrectly to describe the first injection molded figures. He's also said that there's no paperwork being found. Chris Forster said that, well, that's actually not true. We know somebody who owns one. And just because the paperwork hasn't turned up doesn't mean that they don't exist. And that led down to a track as well. Now, I've read this so many times. I've listened to the guys on the Cardcast. So we've got a, one of three possible avenues here. We've either got Ben is totally correct and they never existed. Or we've got Chris is correct and they did exist. Or we've got the third pathway in that perhaps the term portal mold is evolving over time and some of the language is used. And perhaps what was traditionally thought of as a portal mold is too broad a term and that we've got subcategories of portal molds now. That's the three different avenues I'm looking at. So any theories of why the first 12 portal molds don't exist or do they exist maybe they do exist but they sit in either i mean would the factory that made them have kept them somewhere you know i said yeah i mean these are these are now historic items if it's a first 12 aren't they so if you've got it you're not going to be fling flumming it around all over the place and look at what i've got they're going to be probably in some i don't know some kind of sealed uh, vacuum sealed pack so air can't touch it um i don't know I, I, if i mean so sorry did chris say sorry did someone say they, they've actually held one in their hand yeah chris said he held one in his hand and you know chris knows his stuff you can't well, yeah, we're gonna... somebody who's worked in there uh, you know toy manufacturing for 30 years you know he, yeah, exactly. he had knows his stuff so yeah but if these are one-offs then you know Whoever's, whoever has them or if someone has them or i mean maybe maybe some didn't survive i don't know i mean they were they weren't they probably weren't exactly i don't know i'm just I'm just trying to think i mean there's, there's it, it's probably nothing particularly sinister it's probably something just the fact that maybe someone had one and thought well, what's this rubbish and got rid of it all the way down to if a collector has it these are worth you know endless amounts of money so they probably so i said they're probably i mean i mean how many people are talking about this stuff are they're not exactly something you'd see every day are they so if someone has this in their collection, it will be, you know, the prize of their pride of their collection. And it's probably, like I said, sealed away in a safe because it's worth, you know, an insurance, you know, an insurance 
I mean, maybe insurance says you cannot show this to <laughs> to human beings. I don't know. There's probably so many theories could be there. But I mean, if Chris um, has said that these exist, then why would we not believe him? I mean, yeah. And the, the aliens are different. Okay, so to me, if the aliens are different to all of the portamores that came from the second wave vampire onwards, it's not a huge leap to me to say that the first twelve will be slightly different again. It could also be, mate, that because we're talking about the first ones here, completely off track, but <laughs> have you ever done any work around the house or what have you, and you've been painting a room or just totally doing something and just think, oh, I wish I'd done a before and after shot, or I wish I had done this, or I wish I'd saved that. And then the, the next time you might do it later on, you, you'll you know better. Or, and, and we learn from our other experiences. And, and when they were first putting these together, maybe they didn't realise how incredible it was going to be. So there was no, there was no owners to com- to retain these. It was like, yeah, well, that was part of that process, right? Let's just bin that, and and there was probably no one had even considered keeping them, or or because it was such a limited run initially, there weren't as many made. So yeah, Chris is bound to have seen one. If anyone's seen one, Chris would have done. But who's to say that the others just didn't survive? That they were made, but just didn't survive because no one had the consideration or forethought to to save them. Would they have had as many on the first 12? You know, I mean, was their market always from the offset, Europe and Canada and all these places that these may have been used, you know, in, in, in the you know in the market and the advertising, you know? Or would there have been a very, very small number just to get them started in creating other things that were going to do those jobs? Well, early bird. Let's just say that, you know, we... Didn't have that in the UK. Didn't have the film in the UK, mate, at the same time. You know, the, these things were progressively introduced. And, yeah, I think you're right. Right. Now, Pete, in the discussion of the first 12, the, two, the well, the name, Ferriot Brothers came up. And I've never heard of the Ferriot Brothers before, okay, at all. So, go on, who are they? And what role do they have to play? Well, when you said it, it was it it it, it's, uh, it made me laugh because um, it was kind of I know it's I'll probably get sued now by the Ferret Brothers, but um, it was a term we used to kind of joke about because I used, I used to visit an American plant who injection molding company and blow molding company and blah blah blah, and um, that they always would kind of use it like oh you, you know, who do you think we are the Ferret Brothers because um, they were kind of seen as the the, the kind of like <laughs> industry standard of quality of injection molding now i didn't realize i mean i'd never even thought that name hadn't even you know come over my my lap for years and years but i had a quick look at uh where it all started and um i mean this yeah this is a proper proper monster kind of in 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 the world of plastic production i mean they did everything i mean they were like well i'll go through it they went as they go far back as 1837 rich 1837 right let me just read this it's quite amusing queen victoria assumes the throne of England and seeks out the finest engravers to carve her great seal and other royal emblems. Finding no suitable talent in Great Britain, the Queen dispatches agents to scour Europe. In France, they discover three brothers who leave their homeland to become artisans of the court of Queen Victoria. The French brothers train their offspring to work for the Queen as well. And that kind of follows the way through. The, the, it's a family company. They are at the forefront of, you know, a- anything amazing. They got involved in the war, obviously, um, making all sorts of bits and bobs. And then they got involved in the toy industry and they started working for toy makers at Mattel, Kenner and Marks in 1946. So they really were at the start of all this stuff. Um, and they, I believe that, yes, they work for the Walt Disney Company as well. So they, they have been 
involved in everything and they they um IBM use them to to make um make various business machines and uh, and the the start of Apple Macintosh computers. So uh, you yeah, know they they are ingrained in the cultural zeitgeist of anything that's <laughs> been been made in plastic. And I I mean at the time when when this company was saying to me, oh, who do you think we are? Uh, the Ferret Brothers. I, it never really kind of occurred to me who on earth they were. I just remember the name. I just remember the name being used. So, yeah, I mean, what 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 was the context of the Ferret Brothers being being talked about? Did did they did they are they the ones who were involved in this in this production? I think I'm not entirely sure that they possibly had a hand in making the moulds of the first twelve. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it says in the, in that list, you know, they they started working for Kenner in the forties. Mm-hmm. I mean, various toy productions. So I imagine they had a. Well, I mean, I don't know how many companies out there were doing injection molding and plastic molding and molding in general. So I would assume they were the go-to guys then. I mean, they they really do have <laughs> they really do have some what would you call it gravitas in the yeah. industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they're not to be sniffed at, even though I used to because I have no idea they were. <laughs> now I looked at the Engineering and Empire book and I read something that Gary Borbidge had written because obviously Gary, Matt, and Stephen Ward have done a lot of work interviewing Kenner employees. And Gavi has written a bit here about the first 12. And he says, It has been explained to me by people that used to work in the Kenner shop stroke foundry, cutting low-yield prototype moulds, from which the word proto-mould is derived, that they were in fact producing first 12 examples from low-yield prototype moulds in-house, and by definition, therefore, would be considered proto-moulds. A specific example of this are two Chewbacca figures that were given to the Kenner sculptor, Rick Hughes, by Carl Cannon, who was the prototype mould maker. He cut the moulds and the Chewbacca's were shot right in the basement of the Kroger building in brown PVC-type plastic and given to Rick. You're always saying there that that doesn't match the later definition of the portal mould. So that's suggesting there that there were earlier um, methods of creating these first 12 portal moulds. And the fact that we're seeing, in fact, that I've just used again their portal mould and, and people like Ben would go, nope, you've used that wrong, that's incorrect. And other people might say, actually, no, that is a portal mould, such as what Gary would say and possibly um, CJ. So Ben Ben introduces a lot of new language, and some of it I've heard before. I've heard a Ben shot before, but I've never heard a trial shot. So according to the SWCA, a Ben shot is a figure that was injected moulded at the shop where the mould was being made, and predates those figures that are moulded at the production factory. And the difference between that and a portal mould is that Ben shots on the moulds that were going to be in full production, whereas the portal moulds weren't, which is why the two of them are completely different. Make sense? Because to me, a bench shot is testing the mould. You know that that's what's doing it. It's testing it for refinement purposes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you talked about first shot earlier on. I mean, that's that's what we used to used to test. Well, I do the lab testing on the first shots because we'd, we'd do you know a few hundred, get them shipped down to me. I'll drop them, <laughs> hit them with hammers, or do whatever I need to do, and that's where, that's how we kind of test it. Any any little adjustments that might be need to be made, but. I guess everyone's using different term- terminology. I mean, it just mm-hmm. depends, isn't it? I, I don't think anything's right or wrong here. And have you heard of Trial Shot before? Because Ben Ben used Trial Shot, and nobody else seemed to you know, understand what that term was. Even the guys who talked to the Kenner guys hadn't heard of Trial Shot. I mean, it's probably just a difference in terminology. Like I said, in semantics, we're, we're probably arguing with here. Um, trial, you know, any trial was... A trial was, was making sure everything, you know, was fine... You know, and, we, and then you go ahead to full-on production. It was, 
it was not done in the pre-production side of things. Yes, it was kind of, I know I just said before production, but to me, pre-production is getting everything ready to go kind of thing. And I would say a trial is a bit different to that. So, But I, I think it's just terminology, Rich. I don't oh. think there's anything particularly serious well, in it. Once again, I'm going to refer to my uh, very lovely book, Gus and Duncan's Guide to Star Wars Prototypes. Not on commission, by the way. And uh, they've got no bench shot or trial shot, but they do have test shot. And that's just saying it was the first shot used for testing purposes. No more, no less in the glossary. So, yeah, neither of the other two terms are used in here at all. But, now you've added a third yeah. one, Jess. Oh, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I am really struggling with the difference between a bench shot and trial shot because, from what Pete's saying, obviously the word trial suggests some kind of test hence test shot as well a bed yeah. shot to me is all of that but at the same place the mold was made would they use a different name for that i wouldn't have thought so certainly we wouldn't have done you know when when we were working at die casting i don't care where it was it was just a, a test a, you know a first off or a runoff or something that we would have called it wouldn't matter where it was done I mean, I mean, bench sounds like it's talking about benchmark. So it's getting, getting your settings right. It's getting your, you know, making sure that, you know, if the, the plus is the right temperature, what, what your variable, variable is going to be is the plastic colorant going to, you know, <laughs> fade out or be a mess if you get it slightly temperature wise, it goes wrong. I don't know. I mean, that, 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 that would be more of a benchmark thing. I, I just think we're, we're getting too much involved in things yeah. that are probably the same thing and it, yeah. you know, it really doesn't matter that much. I would say that's a good question for another time. Okay, guys, on a score of 1 to 10, 1 being absolutely totally useless, 10 being absolutely spot on, how would you rank our discussion there? <laughs> Give us a number, Jez. <laughs> because uh, I want people the lowest number us. saying that we've been utterly useless and 10 <laughs> that we're Jedi yeah. Masters. Well, you know, I... I you know, I'm the glass half full kind of guy all the time. So if I were to say two and a half, three, I think, you know, that's fair. And um, I think we've just, you know, raised some discussions, probably a few eyebrows as well. And, uh, you know, raised a couple of questions and hopefully signposted people to go out and essentially check out this blog. Listen to the Kivecast blog blog. Have a little look at SWCA. And I think it'd be great. And we'd all love it if we could in the future get Ben on the show, uh, not only to chat about this, but to chat about all sorts of stuff. So you, you're going two and a half. Pete, what would you give with? Um, I think we're doing too badly. I mean, yeah, I've already pointed out that this is a time where, where you know, this kind of production is, you know, it was probably still being sorted out. So I think we've made a fair bash. I'll give, I'll give us a good five out of ten. Five. I think we've, we've done all right, you know. Um, I mean, the thing is, none of us are major in, like, we, yeah, we're not injection molding experts. I mean, I'm going back, I'm trying to think of things that happened 20 years ago, and I wasn't even involved directly with stuff. I'm just going on what mates have told me, I've asked mates what, what I've read, what I can barely remember, probably getting being drunk on trips to France and the USA. So, yeah, I, I, I think we've done all right. We, we've made a fest. We're, we're talking about toys, not production. Well, I'll give it a four. That's that's a number I'm going to go with. But I would certainly welcome anybody's feedback on anything that we've got right or wrong because I, I think it's an absolutely fascinating area. I'd love to know more about it. I would love to see a book, you know, going down all the details that I'm not going to say has been authenticated by Kenna because that obviously couldn't happen. But something that has been agreed by the experts in the hobby. I'd love to see something like that come out. So, 
Yeah, good. And check out the card cast, as Jez just said. Read the information that's on the SWCA blog. And, you know, interact. Ask questions, like what I did. Read things. Share the love. Rebel Base, one minute and closing. Right then, Rich. On to a Vectus roundup where there was uh, some... Uh, I don't know what they were. To be honest, yeah. Star Wars toys. <laughs> Star Wars toys, Rich. Yeah, that'll do. The uh, Vectus roundup of Star Wars toys, Rich. Well, yeah, we're not going to go through the whole Vectus auction because we've done you know that a couple of times over the last few years. But I would like us to have a look at some key pieces. Now, obviously, we're going to you know touch on the hard copies or tooling aids, and uh, there were three of those from the collection of Roger Christian, who we saw some of his hard copies at the Partoy Talk in Colville when Pete and I were there. And there were three there, Vectis, low grey going for 10,000, which it's wrong, and the buyer has also said this as well, it's wrong to say that that's a bargain, because 10,000 is still a hell of a lot of money. But in the grand scheme of things, it's a low price for what it is, especially when you consider that the Empire's Royal Guard went for 24,000, and that was my favourite of the three pieces, and the Bib Fortuna went for 30,000. So... You know, it's a hell of a lot of money, and yes, I, I value them. I totally understand their historical significance, but nice items anyway, and, uh, you know, great for Roger, because the other day these were just lying around in his attic or wherever he kept them. But um, I've asked for all to have a look at some um, some pieces and just perhaps have a, a brief discussion on something. So I'm going to start off, guys, okay? So lot number 6166, try logo, low grey, £80. It had an estimate of 60 to £80. Pounds. Any ideas why I'm pulling this one? You love Ewoks. Nope. Oh, now I've looked at all of these. The Trilogo, Low Grey. No. Go on. I want to clip it one. It's actually a very, very, very rare. Okay, four Death Stars out of five. Meccano Trilogo. The differences between the Meccano ones and the, the regular Paltoy ones was that it was thicker cardstock and they used the smaller 65 back bubbles. And many of the Meccano Trilogo figures had uh, unique specific variants to Meccano. So um, Stefan had sent me a message about that, Stefan Forco, and he said that that Trilogo logo is incredibly tough to get. Now clearly that was missed by Vectis, I mean 60 to £80 pound you know, for something that race sounds a, a bitty bargain. And whoever's bought that, do your research on it because you've got you've got a really, really nice item. So, Jez, we'll go to you next because you like piping up anything that you've picked up. Mate, do you know what? There were so many things which I had marked down as of interest for me to bid. Uh, but unfortunately, with my work, I completely missed the entire thing. So I've now gone back through and seen all the realised all the realised prices. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, the the low grey, the prototypes, ten thousand pound bargain. Well, I don't know. I I love the idea about the Empress Royal Guard as well. But there's a few things which I picked up, mate. Is is the difference now that we we've got some prices? I think definitely starting to dip on last seventeen carded figures. I would say in comparison, in some cases, to loose graded. Now, I've got a few examples where they were loose graded going more expensive than mint on card. 
Now, some of the carded figures weren't in the best condition, but they were still mint on card. And there's also, there was quite a lot of loose graded figures, which weren't going for much at all. In some respects, 20, 25 pounds. So hardly even worth the, the grading at all. So is the market dropping out of some graded? I thought the um, shelf talkers, the, the shelf talkers were uh, were good. You had a 260 for an Empire, 220 for a Jedi. I was disappointed to see some new graded stuff slipping in there. You know, over the last few years, there's been massive backlash online on forums and on Facebook groups with regards to no new graded items. But there was a, a U graded. Let me see. There were two things. One really, really caught my eye. So there was a U graded Lumat, right? Now we see Lumat trilogos going all the time for what, 60, 70 pounds. This was a U90 Lumat and the reserve was, or the guess was 60 to 80. It went for 140 plus fees, right? Uh, but it came with a coin. So quite clearly that was U graded off a of power of the force card. So, um, from a rarity point of view, yeah, possibly, you know, uh, harder to find than a Trilogo variant, but still £140 for a U90 when you can get a carded one for half that price. There were so many different things. The Meccano Jawa, 260 plus fees, I thought was great. I thought the FET tax wasn't in uh, in main or in full effect. There was a Return of Jedi FET for 420 carded figure. I thought that was very good. And then you can get Clipper variant, Palatoy Clipper, Squidhead for 45. So a whole mixed bag there of some stuff. Toy Tonys obviously slipped through the net and, and were shown as possibly, um, they didn't use the term Toy Tony, but said possibly not um, put together in factory. There was a whole load of stuff there. Plus a big track for a tenor. Big track. Oh, I would have loved a big track for a tenor. Jez, what's going on with the Palatoy First 12? Because... I mean, we joined the forum probably roughly about the same time, I think within a year or yeah. a bit more longer. And I'm sure you can remember that post from Dr. Pittenstein. And it was a Palatoy mm. Chewbacca. And people went nuts. Yeah. And I believe from memory it went for five grand. Uh, I thought it was seven. I, uh, yeah, seven. yeah I, th- I thought that was seven grand. And uh, so the Palatoy Chewbacca this time now went for half that, if that. I think it went for three Yep. Plus fees. Yeah, so this was one of the first Palatoy Chewbacca's, this uh, this one which you're referring to, the seven and a half gram one, one of the first ones to be seen for ages because, you know, we're used to a Vectis auction now coming out two, three times a year or so, a Hakes auction. Whereas that's the first time I think Vectis had really gone, uh, really gone large, you know, not many people had heard of them. I hadn't heard of them. And, and, and then more and more stuff now comes out of the woodwork and people are realizing this and they're like, oh, actually, it's not as hard to find. If Tracker had been around, you know, say 15 years ago and you would have seen uh, Tracker evidence of, of what was coming up for sale, there wouldn't have been many Palatoy Chewbacca's at all. Pete, anything that you uh, spotted? Um, yeah, I actually had I actually had a bid of some of those Star Wars posters, of those um, I can't remember what they, what they were for. There was just, just a nice little collection of Star Wars posters. I thought I might get a little bit of a bargain, but it kind of went a bit silly. But uh, there was um, I, I thought Stu might go for the shoes. I was thinking, oh, surely he's going to go for the shoes. Um, they were those. Um, let me just get it up. Just, Stride rights. 
<laughs> and you're right, I was tempted, but they were a little bit too too worn for me. Well, you see, you'd have fit straight in the arse. They were size two and a half, which is about your shoe size. And uh, they only went for 80 quid. And they came in the box as well. And there's a little bit of dirt on them. They could have cleaned them up. Dirty. But, uh, yeah, um, a few bits and bobs, uh, Rich, I noticed there was um, the A-Wing. Uh, went for a nice round £440. And that's, you know, and it wasn't sealed in the box either. So I thought that was pretty, pretty impressive. That was a big, big cheese. Um I was very annoyed with myself that I missed out on the micro collection best bin freeze chamber. Um, anyway, for 40 quid, that was a bit of a bargain as well. Um, I was a bit annoyed with that. So I tried looking for it and couldn't find it. Any micro collection. I don't know whether that was a website issue or not. I don't know. But, um, yeah, there was, I, I noticed some of the ships, there was a lot of good ship prices, but they were, uh, most of them were incomplete or missing something. Um, I noticed, the, um, like Land of the Jowers, I thought, wow, 40 quid for that? That's pretty good. And noticed it was missing half its, <laughs> half of the rare bits to find. So, But yeah, everything seemed a bit kind of... I mean, there was a, there was a nice fog. I thought, wow, that's a pretty good price. Again, missing the gun at the top. Um, everything seemed to be missing something. But yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty good auction for a few little bargains. Some of the lower-grade mocks were going for 40, 50 quid. And like I said, that that, that one, that logo one, I would have no idea whether that was even worth anything. Do you think that um, the, the the logo you mentioned was is actually what what would what would you pay for that if it had been revealed what card it was on? That's an interesting one because about a year ago, Jez brought something up on his NES section, I think, and he mentioned another French card. It might have been a squid head or something, you know, uh, something that was incredibly hard to get. But again, that only went for eighty quid, so perhaps. Yeah, not too much. Maybe maybe 100, 120. I don't know. I, I'm guessing it's only just focus collectors and people who are you know specifically looking for those that are going to pay the bigger bucks for those. I guess if anyone's got one, they want to look out. <laughs> they might not even know. I mean, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't. I've got a clue what you're talking about. Stu will know that you bought two items, which you're going to discuss in next month's show because um, I have actually found them. So you're going to be pleased to know that they're actually safe and my dog hasn't eaten them. But you're somebody who will sit there with an auction on, with a cup of tea, reading the paper, doing your taxes, and just glance up the screen and click the bid button, just on some random odd things. So is there anything else in that auction that you want to put forward? Oh, so much, Rich, so much. And my mind is a bit blank. I had about 30 bids on things before the auction, and I think one of them came in, which I didn't realise until you picked it up. But like I said, yeah, you're right. I, I came in from work and within five minutes I'd click something and spent quite a bit of money. Going back onto the hard copies. So these three were case. Shipping those in those plastic cases. Can, you know, can we see some problems happening if they were shipped? Uh, I think if you spent 10 grand, you might as well just go pick it up. If you're in the UK, there's no point in shipping that, is there? Let's face it, you, just, you go and get it. You spent £10,000 on an item. Go fetch it. It's going to be 100 quid in petrol max, I think, anywhere in the, in Britain. Unless you live in France like Stu. But yeah, I mean, I don't think they're great, are they? Because that would have been an, an insane <laughs> thing to do. Because, I mean, I think when we saw them at uh, in, in Colville, they didn't look particularly brittle or anything, did they? So they looked pretty sturdy. <laughs> wrap a nice bit of uh, bubble wrap and shove them in the post. You should be fine. I think, look, if you're if you're spending if you're spending 
ridiculous amounts of money i would i would hope if you did get them shipped that vectors would would be sending them in a metal case on the back of a you know due back or something i don't know Nope, you don't, but hard copies are incredibly fragile, you know, so these these were unpainted ones. Oh, crikey. Might as well fly over and get it, mate. <laughs> don't ship it. Well, I, I think you probably would do. I mean, you, you say 10,000 plus fees. Now, if the th- fees were 20%, right, so 12 grand, if the fees were 20, um, say 25%, which I think some auction houses might be going to now, and particularly with Invaluable, etc., well, that's another five hundred pounds in fees alone. So you know you could easily get a flight for that. So yeah, if you're going to be spending that much money, a flight. Yeah, you know, I've just booked a flight to New York for two hundred and sixty-nine pounds return. So yeah, just fly, enjoy I'll, yourself. I tell you what, can pay me. I'll go out. I'll go on the cheaper flights, and he can pay me. I'll take it to him. Rich will you pick would. it up. I'll, I'll go and get it from Rich. I'll fly to Newcastle to uh, wherever. Um, in America, and uh, and you can give me hundred quid for a, a night out. Oh, the Vintage Rebellion Courier Service. Yes, fantastic. No problem with that. So I'm going to New York in November, everyone. So if there's a Vectus thing before then, oh goodness me, the Vintage Rebellion Courier Service. Fantastic. Just insure us to the hilt, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think these are quite brittle, though, because the the made of polyurethane. You know, you're talking some of these thirty. 35 years old, some of them closer to 40 years old. I think I think they're all going to be very brittle, and they've got those metal rods as well that are holding, um, you know, the the limbs in. So I would be very very concerned about posting these. And I think I, who was it? Maybe Nick Dykes who said that the option is to crack them back out the cases and to you know wrap them or ship them whichever way the buyer wants. But but I agree. I would certainly say that um, the best thing to do is go and pick these up. And if the winner of the, you know, the 24 or the £30,000 figures would like to fly us anywhere around the world, you know, we're, we're not we're not expensive. Jez has got a great idea, Vintage Rebellion Courier Service. Let's do it. But Jez, I have to say that I was astounded, absolutely astounded, about four days before the Vector sale when they made an announcement on their website. Now, way back... Way back, young years ago, Stu will go on to tell about exactly what episode this is in a minute. But uh, we discussed Vectus's website um, when Vectus first started mm. to become known, and Pete ripped it to pieces, tore it mm. to pieces. Okay, destroyed it. So four days ago, Vectus announced a shiny overhaul. So Jez, apart from the fact that it was a massive, massive gamble, because you, could you imagine the mistakes that could have happened here? Or did they? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not aware of any mistakes. I'm aware of a lot of chat leading up to it in the, in the four days with a lot of people like, what? What are they doing? This is crazy. And sometimes there's there's, there's no such thing as bad publicity. You know, we, we're used to hearing them advertising, oh, another vector cell, another vector cell, another vector cell. But if then people start to think, oh, there's a chance I might do all right here because the website might be rubbish and people might not see it, yada, yada, there could be some issues here. It could have just generated a lot of interest. I mean, let's face it, there was a lot of interest in in, in these pre-production figures that we've seen. You know, they went very well. and uh, But then we've seen some very, very low prices as well. But I haven't seen many mutterings. I haven't seen any mutterings of people saying, oh, I, I d- didn't get this or this froze. So uh, I think Pete was right. They were right to change it. 
they've obviously tested it and tested it and tested it. Let's face it, Star Wars isn't the only auction they do. They do a lot of corgi, dinky trains, all that sort of stuff. So I, I don't know. I think it, you could say that it was quite canny because there was a lot of people talking about that in the days leading up to it. Can I can I just say something? Jez might be like that, but um, I whenever there's a Vectors auction, now I, I travel around a lot for my job and I'm often in places where I can access my phone. I've always had Vectors auctions on my phone using Chrome or Firefox, which is what they recommend, and I could not get the website working on any of them on my mobile. And it wasn't until I got back to my PC and my iPad um, with an internet connection that I could actually access the auction. So oh, really? there was things that I had bids on that I would have bid again on, and I couldn't access it. And I did send them a message, and uh, they were very blasé with uh, their attitude. But, you know, um, I won't say too much more about that, but I, I don't oh, think it was us. perfectly great. Like a bid fortune, a hard copy. Maybe it may, <laughs> have, may have gone higher. Mate, well, to be, on, be honest with you, that wasn't me. But if someone else was bidding for that, and they were planning on accessing it via a phone, then they would have had issues. Yeah, I thought it was dreadful. I, I, I mean, the not not the fact that they they did the oh let's launch a website several days before an auction. They could again. We've said this before. They did it before. Why didn't you do a test and just get a bunch of us to go in there and just you know try and wreck it as much as we could? But it was the whole interface. I, I don't know what on earth they were thinking about. They, I mean, nothing seems to have changed for the good. I mean, if you if you use the invaluable Vectors auction, it's far better. But if you use the, the Vectors Vectors auction, it's an absolute shambles. You can't see too far in the future of the auction. So if you're on invaluable site, you can scroll through and go, OK, this is coming up in about 15 lots time. Um, and you go through and you can make markers and all sorts. Vectors site, just this is the next item. This is the item before. That's it. Well, so you can see there's no interaction with the customer at all. So when you're on there... It's just uh, you might as well not bother. I don't know what they've updated. To be fair with, with you, it just it it worked okay, but the sound kept cutting out, which was not the greatest thing in the world, but not the biggest concern. But um, yeah, the, the, it it looked cheap. It looked awful. Um, I don't know what they were doing. I really don't. I, I mean, they need to, need to think again. I mean, I actually had a bid, but I didn't go through the vector site. I went. I had to go through Invaluable to get a bid on <laughs> for something. Um, it, it just wasn't taking a payment card. It wasn't taking anything. It was just awful. They, they should be ashamed of themselves. Oh, wow. Flipping heck. Um, Pete, Invaluable, me and Rich were talking about this. So Invaluable is a hosting website for other auction houses, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's loads user. Yeah. So Vectis, you can bid on Vectis and pay their fees. But through Invaluable, you also pay their fees as well. I don't actually know. I, I mean, I'm assuming they have some kind of deal going on that they that, that you, you're just dealing with Vectors. I know you can bid on both. You do. That seems to it's, at the moment, Vectors is now 25%. If you go through Invaluable or Valuable, whatever it's called, it's 30%. So they stick what? another 5% on kind of handling fee for you. Wow. That, that's me not reading the small print. I wish Pete had answered that question first <laughs> rather than me because I just yet again sounded like a complete buffoon.
Hello there. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy. And a cunning warrior. And he was a good friend. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Now, I'm delighted to welcome this month's interview guest. Uh, met him in Chicago and being a gent, he bought us a drink, which uh, is, a, is always a, a lovely start. I'm delighted to welcome Anthony Spanicki to the podcast. Welcome, Anthony. Uh, thank you, Stu. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure to meet you and absolute pleasure to have you on here to talk because while we're in celebration, you showed me some photos of your collection. So uh, it's a very, very impressive over what is relatively a short period back in the hobby, which we'll get on to shortly. Richard's here with us as well. Good evening, Rich. Yeah, evening, guys. Uh, nice to meet you again, Anthony. Apologies, but Jez was meant to be on tonight, but he, I think he made such a fool of himself in Chicago. He's actually thoroughly <laughs> embarrassed, and you might have noticed that his online profile's severely diminished in the last month or so. So it'll take about another six weeks, I think, to pull around, and then, then we'll start to see him rise again. <laughs> Good to meet you again, Rich. <laughs> Anthony, celebration. Uh, it was about a month ago now, I think. Let it finished. Bumped into you in the Hyatt bar. And we had we had a chat, and like I said, you showed me some photos of your collection. Uh, was that your first celebration, or is it? Uh, it was actually, yeah, it was my first one. And what did you make of it as an event? Oh, it's unbelievable. Although it was my first, I had I'd, I've made friends in the hobby. I've listened to a number of podcasts got into facebook so i've seen what goes on and i've heard people's stories and and everything they say is true and then some i was a little skeptical i thought our our folks embellishing a bit is, but it is all that and then some i i have a blast i'm gonna try not to miss one again <laughs> so anthony says your first celebration and you've just said there that everything you've you've heard is, has been realized now quite often we get listeners thinking you know a lot of the celebrations are clicks now, and it's hard to integrate yourself into some of the clicks. What advice would you have for somebody who is a vintage Star Wars collector, who perhaps is coming alone and doesn't know that many people? How can they get involved? What's the best way to enjoy celebration from a vintage community point of view? I mean, the first thing is, and, and the biggest piece of advice that I got from multiple people beforehand was, don't be shy. You're going to be standing around in line a lot. And if you are, just talk to the person next to you. I live in New Jersey, <laughs> in the eastern United States, and well, one thing we don't do here is go up to strangers and start talking to them. So it's against my uh, programming. But yeah, it came out of my shell, and that's what I did. And it really, it really is true. You can start talking to someone, and all of a sudden you're uh, exchanging numbers, Facebook handles, learning things, and it really does happen while you're 
standing in line. That's, that, that's how I met Jez. So I happened to be waiting for a drink at a bar. I had no idea who he was. I did not know what Jez looked like. And I just I said, okay, I'm going to talk to the stranger. And I just asked him how, how his conference was going. And there you go. I get to meet the Vintage Rebellion. <laughs> so my one big piece of advice this has been told to me is, is that to, to not be shy. You know, that's, that's how you meet people. And everyone is so nice. Didn't meet anyone who was uh, not happy to talk to you. They're all very welcoming. There really is no, you know, quote unquote, inner circle. Everyone from another first timer to say, you know, you guys are Ron Salvatore. You know, they're all very friendly, uh, helpful, and just want to be your friend. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, apologies for you having to meet Jez straight like that, because he's, you could probably see why he does podcasting and not video <laughs> casting with a face like he has. But uh, yeah, he's a, yeah, we, he, he gets out every now and then. That's no, why he runs there. with a helmet on his head, you see. Guy. <laughs> How long were you there at Celebration? We arrived uh, Thursday and we left on Sunday. So we were there for three nights. So did you do things like the room sales? Uh, yes. And that was one of the things that I had heard were legendary and uh, something not to miss. So I, I did, did, in fact, do that. I did the one on Friday night. And I, I was just surprised. I thought that the room sales was something that would have been kind of planned ahead of time I, I thought it was so great how no one really knew when or where the room sale was going to erupt oh, everyone just said it's going to be sometime friday night somewhere and well you you, you will find out i'm like well how, how am i going to find out it's like you will by word of mouth if you have friends you you will find out and it's a funny story because i i happen to go to celebration with my who is an angel because she came uh, but, and is a star wars fan but is not into it like we are and another couple and the, the, the husband is also a big Star Wars fan, somewhat a collector, but wasn't really into everything. So we happened to go out to dinner. We were waiting for our table. And I got a Facebook message from a you know, Star Wars friend that I met online. I was actually very happy to meet the night before at the archive party. He says to me, he said, room sales are going down. You got to come back. So we're literally waiting for our table. And I turned to my wife and I'm like, I, I have to go. She's like, you're, you're going where? And I said, the room sales. She's like, you're leaving? We're about to sit for dinner. I said, Erica, it, I didn't come all the way. We didn't come all the way here to miss the room sales. She's like, all right, go. So like I said, she's an angel. Took an Uber back to the hotel. Happened to see people walking with boxes. I followed them to some random hallway on the third floor. And the hallway went from empty to crawling with hundreds of people. It was amazing. Definitely a fun. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> A, d- a different way of collecting, isn't it? With the things like the room sales and the, some of the stuff you suddenly see on show, you're just like, it is quite amazing. Now, I came, well, had a little bit of a nose, you see, here and there, and uh, I came across your uh, pickups for Celebration. Some quite amazing pieces. Now, let's, let's first of all, let, let's talk about, so for people that don't know, you're uh, an Obi-Wan Kenobi and a Luke Skywalker uh, focus collector, which we're going to get onto a bit later on, but the first thing that really, really stands out is you've got yourself a model trim Obi-Wan with his box as well. Correct. Yeah. So the, the box to be on to be uh, toy transparent is just a generic box. It doesn't have his actual label sticker on the side. But nonetheless, it is a box and it does display pretty nicely next to it. But yeah, I was very happy to pick up this piece. Did it come with the saber? It did. Yes, it did. Right, because I've heard so much about the sabers and what they're actually made of, going right down to what you would call a Q-tip, 
going all the way up to an actual piece of plastic. So, so what what is your saber made of on that? This is my second model trim. Years back, I was able to secure a f- original Luke trim, and they have similar builds to the lightsaber. So the I guess the the lead hand extends into sort of a shorter cylinder over which the plastic lightsaber fits. So it's uh, it's the lead peg fits into the hollow cylinder. So it's yellow plastic. And from what I've read, the plastic portions are then painted. But, you know, now, decades later, the, the paint has worn, is no longer there. So you can actually see through the transparency of the yellow tube and you see the lead peg portion that comes out of out of the right hands. But it was in great condition. Actually, his paint application is great. I was very happy. Uh, not much wear on the hands. He has just a little bit of a imperial dignitary type uh, rub on his nose. And I was super excited to secure this. Came with a nice nice stand because these these are impossible to stand up, as you probably know. Yeah. So it has a nice stand that fits around the, uh, the armpits. And the, the dealer that I uh, purchased it from, he had these custom cases that fit the, the mile trim boxes very nicely. Two compartments, one for the box, fits perfectly, and then the other, obviously, for the figure. I, I, li- I like the case so much, I got one for my Luke at home. Beautiful. Now, I take it you didn't buy that at the room sales. Was that off? I did come across a chap on the show floor who had a lot of model trim for sale. This actually was a room sale purchase. Right. Yeah, yeah I did see him in the room sales, and he said that, yeah. Amazing piece, amazing piece. Now, let's start, stay on bootleg type things, because you also picked up four bootleg loop best spins correct yes these are also room sale pickups yeah great great image can you tell us a little bit about them right yes so these are they're mexican bootlegs they're a little later than vintage era they're they're based on the vintage best spin luke figure from from the vintage line but these are early 90 uh mexican bootlegs and they are you know four points of articulation and much like uh, some of the other Mexican bootlegs, they come in a variety of colors. They're all the same molds, but as you saw there, those are four different paint applications. I think from the skin tone to the hair to the uh, uniform that he's wearing. It's funny, I actually bought, was able to get these off of Joe Iglesias himself. One of the reasons I started talking to him was I happened to have what was told to me was a Mexican bootleg best friend Luke at home. So I was able to pull out the picture and, and again, chat to him about it. And he was very friendly and uh, was able to impart his knowledge. And, and then we got to, and he showed me what he had. And I said, okay, these are great. So it, it fits the, the uh, collection. I love the fact that it, you say it's the same mold, which it obviously is, but the one on the left in the white outfits, head's quite, quite fat and squashed compared to a, uh, the one next to him is a... I see a lot of that, I think, is paint where it looks like the, the one in the white has um, definitely a lot of... Uh, he's got rubs on his face, but it looks like his eyes have been uh, redrawn in with a marker. You know, his eye paint, his original eye paint is completely worn. And uh, someone has taken a fine pen and has uh, drawn in his eyes and his eyebrows. So I think that's what makes it look a little squished. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Stu's going to vary in that one. Cheers, man. <laughs> now we haven't really focused much on bootlegs a lot you know throughout our uh, coming up to five years now and that's mainly because i still struggle myself with bootlegs and i i get it if you were from mexico or if you were from turkey or if you're in one of those places but somebody who's a u.s collector collecting bootlegs how do you see them fitting in with your collection right so the only bootlegs that i that i have uh still in my collection happen to be either Ben Kenobi or Luke Skywalker figures. And honestly, really just uh, the original Luke, you know, 1977 Luke, because it fits my my loose figure focus. 
these I just happen to like. I saw them. I got talking to Joe about Vesper Luke and bootlegs. And they're a 1990s bootlegs. These were not pricey at all. I really like them. And so I, I took them. But, you know, the only bootlegs I really have in my collection are either Ben Kenobi or Farm Boy Luke's. And it's, it's a good way to learn about the bootlegs. You know, it, it's, I, I try not to make an impulse purchase unless I really have read about um, the bootleg, know about them. I, I, to me, I consider it superficial if I just get something and I don't know what the story behind them is, because then once I have it, it's more special and understand why they look different. Maybe their size is off a little, what they're made of. But as far as bootleg goes, you know, I really just have bootlegs of those two particular figures. That's a great answer, that. I, I really like that. So, number one, you have to want the piece, so you wouldn't just go and randomly buy a bootleg item because it was available. You'd have to want it, it has to fit in your collection, and you have to know the history of it. Right. And in fact, after, I guess, recently, that book from uh, Jakob came out far, far away, and I, I was on the uh, list for that, and uh, the book was fascinating. And I'm always, whenever I learn something new, I'm like, ooh, should I get into this? <laughs> I remember when I first heard about about revenge proofs and i was like oh that's right on my i should get into it of course the the price tag definitely deterred me but at at first you're like oh, i'd love to get into this but then you're like how does this really fit in where where is the end so obviously I never got into it same thing happened with the polish bootlegs and i said uh, it's fascinating you read the book you love you know you love the history and you say oh this is something i can get into it's not going to break the bank like revenge proofs would but then you're like you know where where's the attachment how does this fit into my collection? So you have to know, you know, where, where to draw the line. Yeah. One other piece I wanted to, to bring up from your celebration purchases before we move on is your Lando Skiff Mint on Card, which you've had signed by by Billy D. Now, on close inspection, you it states for Benjamin and Luke, who I'm assuming are your children. That's my two sons. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder where you got the inspiration for their names. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I get that a lot. You know, a lot of my friends uh, know that I'm a Star Wars fan and a collector, and they say, I can't believe you even name your kids after Jedi. But to be fully honest, my father's name is Benjamin. So when my older son was born, I always knew uh, if I had a son, I would name him after my father. That's how he got the name Ben, you know, or Benjamin. But I'll be totally honest. When we knew we were having our second child and we were brainstorming, we knew it was a boy. It was going to be a boy. And I remember my wife and I, watching TV, I happen to have Empire on, and we're brainstorming. We couldn't, we didn't like any names that we were looking up, and she went off to the restroom, and I'm watching watching Empire. It happens to be Luke with Yoda, and I said to myself, I'm like, ooh, Luke, that's a great name. So, of course, she comes out, and I say, I'm like, Erica, how about Luke? That's a great name. And she looks at me, she looks at the TV, and she frowns, and she says, uh, we are not naming our son after Luke Skywalker. And so uh, I said, okay, fine. So it was at that point I trained my, my little guy, my first one, to point to her belly and call it Baby Luke. And that went on for a couple of weeks, and it stuck, and his name's Luke. So <laughs> you can always get it through. Brilliant, brilliant. Moving on a little bit, you, you said to us earlier that you've only been back collecting six years, and people will realize just how great a feat you've made of your collection when we talk about it a bit later on. But why did you get back into it after such – you said you were born in 76 earlier – so it must make you, what, 43 at the moment? So it wasn't until you're 37 that you came back to the hobby. Why at that point? Right. So back to vintage definitely then, about six years ago. I've always, as as new lines were, were, were released over the decades, I always kind of dabbled in them, like Power of the Force 2, 
when that came out with the re-releases. Still have them, still have them opened. Um, I went to Midnight Madness at Toys R Us for episode one. I got back into it with with, with the vintage collection. But I, I would just start. I buy a couple. I put them in storage, and it never really stuck. The the the, the, uh, the bug never really bit me. Then when I knew we were having our first child, and his name was going to be Benjamin, and I said I want to buy him a birth present, and I thought of different things, different signed baseballs or a baseball card. And I said, you know, what about Star Wars figure? Well, what about Ben Kenobi, like his namesake? And so that's when I started, you know, uh, scouting the internet, and I found things like the forums, uh, YouTube videos. Uh, I was never really on Facebook until a couple years ago, so didn't know about Facebook groups. Didn't really even know that there was a community uh, out there other, other than these forums. Didn't know that there were meetings or celebrations. And I remember watching uh, a video, which has been pulled from YouTube, which is upsetting because I love to go back and watch it. It was action figure. Uh, the, the guy who did the, the video, I, th- I think it was British. I don't know his name, but um, I know he's British because I listened to his video. But I remember he had this two-part, 10-minute each YouTube video as a guide to vintage collecting. And I remember watching it. It was it had the soundtrack in the back. I watched it over and over again, trying to get tips. And it was great. I was, oh, this stuff is still available. You can get it on eBay. You can go to toy shows. You, you can still get the weapons. And I said, this is great. So I ended up making my first purchase right before I was born. I bought a, a carded, my first vintage carded figure was a 12A Ben Kenobi. Unfortunately, this was six years ago. So this is before the craze hit, before all the prices jumped five, six fold. We were making that purchase and a 12-back Chewbacca. And because I bought the two, I remember brokering a deal, got a discount. It was, it was great. I remember waiting for it to come. I remember the first time the box arrived. And looking back now at how many boxes have arrived at my house since, it's crazy. But I remember the first box, and it was such a great feeling. I like stared at these figures for hours. And that's how it started. And then I, then I started looking on craigslist and then got into ebay and i started doing you know meeting people in weird places <laughs> going in their basements and meeting people in parking lots and buying their their grandchildren's collections and their or their son's collections i should say and i got into buying and selling and that's really how i got a lot of my collection that people say how did you amass this in such a you know six years i did a lot of buying and selling and this it was just a great hobby and a couple of figures turned into i was able to complete a, a full run I want, my goal was to put together two loose runs. All I want to do was put two loose runs together for each child. You know, I did one for the first, and then we had our second, and I, I want to do a second for him. Completed that, and I was like, now what? So I said, let's let's go for the carded run. So I was able to do that. And then, then it became apparent to me that you could do this forever. There's so much Star Wars stuff. You, you have to find a focus. And it's right around the time I happened upon podcasts. Someone said to me, you know, you're into collecting. I'm sure you can find a podcast about it. So I happened to, I, the only podcast I'd heard was Rebel Force Radio, which isn't really, as you know, collecting. Everyone wants a while to talk about it. So I Googled, I'm sure that's how I found you, I Googled, you know, Vintage Star Wars Collecting Podcast. And what do you think the first thing that came up was? The Vintage Rebellion. So I happened to uh, listen to uh, an episode, and as coincidence would have it, it was uh, the one that you had Stephen Danley on. And he, at this, in the, he was talking about his collection and how he and his friend do a podcast. And I said, oh, I should listen to that one, too. So that's how I started listening to the Kivecast. And between the two of your shows, it was like a, an education on vintage collecting because I really had no guidance. You know, I, I, I was on Instagram. You know, I have a Star Wars Instagram account. And, they're, you know, they're, they're great, but they're not really as knowledgeable as the Facebook groups or you folks on the podcast. So listening to you guys over the years kind of 
gives you some guidance, education. But the biggest thing I learned was you can't have every, you can't collect everything. You know, you have to find a focus. I mean, you can if you're a billionaire, but you have to find a focus. The first Kivecast episode I listened to, also coincidence, happened to be the one that Grant was on talking about his his type focus. I was thinking to myself, how could how could you collect only one figure? How could you have you know 50 carded Tie fighters, tie fighter pilots. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Who who would do that? And then now, you know, four years later, I'm doing the same thing with uh, Ben Kenobi. <laughs> Did you think it was a bit weird that uh, two vintage podcasts and they just interview each other? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it is fortuitous though, because if it hadn't basically I hadn't been listening to you, I never would have found the podcast. And you know, that's how I got involved with with the collecting community. I I, I started doing their Instagram, and and I feel someone involved. You pick two focus figures there that if I had to rank all of the figures as number one being the most expensive and number 92 or 97 or 100, I would put you, your two in the top three. So what what advice would you give for somebody who's heading down <laughs> that focus route? And, and why would you pick two figures that A were on 12 bucks right. and B both DTs? Well, <laughs> well, yeah. So as I can tell you right now, I have no carded DTs uh, in, in the collection. I, I have a double telescoping loose Luke. And, and as you're saying, as far as the expense goes, that's why my farm boy Luke focus is loose. You know, I have a couple carded pieces, uh, but I learned real quickly. I could not do the same thing with Luke Skywalker that I've done with, with, with uh, Ben Kenobi. Uh, also because of the demand. You know, there's a lot more Luke Skywalker figure focus collectors than there are Ben Kenobi. And just, so just because of the availability, you just, I just don't come as, as you probably see, you don't come across as many carded pieces uh, for more Luke as you do Ben Kenobi. So that's my one piece of advice is if you have a focus uh, or a big focus like that, that's going to take up a, a bit of your, of your expenses, you really, you can really only do one. <laughs> Again, if you, if you have, unless you have endless funds, there's no way I could do this with, with another figure. And, and also, also the passion wouldn't be there. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right though. It's, but I, I would say of the of the first twelve, well, what I do like about having picked the first twelve figure for the card focus is there really are endless card variants out there. If you look at you know the USA Kenner and all the foreign variants, it, you can go on and on and on because it's one of the first twelve. So you'll have all the licensees, multiple card backs. So that is fun, you know, as opposed to picking, let's say, uh, Lando Skiff, where you know it's really just one movie and a lot of the earlier manufacturers aren't there so that i do enjoy that but of the other you know the first 12 ben kenobi if you if you take away the double telescoping uh variants is actually pretty reasonable uh, as far as uh you know, price point you've brought up dt a bit there let's just level with just with a few numbers here because most listeners will know what a double telescoping is now and blah 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 but ben kenobi I think it's fair to say the rarest of the three DTs. How many are actually known uh, to exist on a card? I think you'd have to break it down into, if we're just talking a, a regular 12A without a white footer, without a sioux footer, it's probably more common than, than you'd think. I, I honestly don't know the exact numbers that, that are registered with a, AFA, but I would I would have to say dozens. You know, And again, I apologize to any Ben Kenobi collectors out there if I'm getting the information wrong. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say it's nearly as rare as, say, a double telescoping on a white footer where I think there are only three known to them. Right. OK. So if someone did, or I know these, I think I think, Rich, you had a, a loose DT Ben at one point, didn't you? 
Yeah, I've got rid of all of my DTs after I dropped my DT Vader on the wooden floor. I then snapped my DT Ben Saber and I then dropped my DT Luke under the bed and almost sucked it up the hoover. So that was the clue to get rid of the three of them because I just don't deserve them. We only let him have Bendems now. Because it's the only thing he can be trusted with. <laughs> just before we get into your two focuses there, then, I know we've just been talking about DTs, but um, when you got back into collecting, did you do what most collectors do and uh, be more of a, a Star Wars accumulator rather than a Star Wars collector? Or was you focused from the off? No, I was. I, I once heard someone equated to when, when you're in a relationship, you know, when you first meet someone, it's, you know, 24 hours a day, think about them, see them, you know, and then, then you settle down. That's exactly what I was like. I was a, a compiler, an accumulator. I will say this, though. It was a good thing in the, in the long run because it wasn't anything. I didn't buy expensive items. I bought, in, in my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to make me wealthy. I'm just going to hoard Star Wars figures and sell them in the future. And as we know now, you, you really shouldn't collect to make a profit, you have to collect because you love it. But at the time, six years ago, before prices went through the roof, that was actually a smart thing to do. And like I said, I, I ended up selling a lot of the stuff that I accumulated for a premium once all the new movies came out. So that I got lucky and it worked out. But that's um, when I meet new collectors now and they ask me for advice or we're talking and I, I'll, I'll just throw it out there. I'll say, be patient. Don't, but you know, if someone's trying to com- complete a collection and they need something like a, you know, everyone's always needs a blue snaggle tooth or a yak face to, to complete the collection. I say, be patient. It's not a race. You want to collect all your life. Don't buy one that's too expensive or is in bad condition. Wait, wait for the right one. It's going to happen. And you're taking that advice. <laughs> so it's uh, definitely uh, wise. It's just hard to do. So let's go into collections. Let's, let's start with Luke. Now, you're a loose Luke collector. And I want I want to talk variations with you, because if someone said to me how many variant Luke Skywalker figures are there of the original Luke Skywalker, I would probably tell you five or six. Now, right. <laughs> so straight away, uh, I can pull up a photo of yours, which you posted two years ago now. So I expect this is a bit more. There's got to be 30 to 40 Lukes in this photo already. Right. Yeah, there's about, I would say about that. Yeah, and maybe a little more if you count bootlegs. So I think that if you, looking so, now I've slowed down with the loose loops because I no longer count different paint shades because it's become very apparent to me that the reason that, that they're different, unless they're drastically different, is because, you know, plastic wears differently. People store their figures in different environments, and that's probably why a lot of these uh, say pant variations exist. So I, I don't I don't put a lot of stock in that. I will count if the type of paint, if it's matte versus glossy, you know, that shouldn't change. So that that I'll count as a variation. What I'm more into now is hair color variant that I, that a lot of, you know, in my research of the forums and books uh, that you can probably argue are actual different paint application variants and they're COOs. You know, and so I, I, I believe that there are probably seven different hair colors you know you could argue a lot of people argue with me at times <laughs> but i think that if you there's obviously a blonde and a brown hair right i believe that there is a light and a dark brown i believe that there is an, a, an orange and i think that there are two different blondes i think that there's uh the very neon blonde and then the, and there's the dull blonde and i actually was able to take a picture of the seven I don't remember six or seven, but six or seven heads together on a white background. And you can clearly see that there's a difference. So I do count that. That combined with the uh, COOs been able to come up with about 30 different variants. 
But then there's things, obviously, like manufacturers that we know their molds are different, like the, the glass leaf, for example. That's that's a, a different variation. I have a, a factory error where his head was not painted. That you know, I think that fits the focus. I have a number of bootlegs, the model trem, Hungarian, a couple different Polish ones. So I would argue there's more than six too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. I'm always a bit like that with all with all variants. The um, the the unpainted head stands out quite a lot. How, how did that come about? Was that just a a random uh, find or? yeah that was someone advertised their ebay ad on on one of the facebook groups and so i started watching it i put in what i thought was my highest but reasonable bid and i got it i was stoked it was it's a great i love it i get a lot of questions about that one you know if there's it's right front and center so maybe that's something to do with it but everyone asked it like why isn't that head painted so it's uh i like that piece a lot so you've got all those is there any any loose variants you're aware of that you're missing Yes. So there is, let me take out my, obviously my checklist here. <laughs> so I think that there are, there's probably a lot. I just, I just don't, I assume that, that they're out there I, and I just keep looking. I have a, a scanned list of what I have on my phone. And when I'll go to shows, I'll or I see a, a loose loop, pick it up, look at it, make sure I, <laughs> I don't have it. So what I'm, I'm missing is a, a raised bar China that has, uh, I know for sure that there's one that has a, a matte finish on the pants. And again, this is probably getting, t- so some will say I'm crazy. That's, you know, who cares? But that's one that I know I've seen. thought the price was too high, so I didn't go with it. And now in hindsight, years later, I wish I'd gotten it. <laughs> that's one I'm definitely on the hunt for. And I'm trying to think if there is a, and then obviously all the Hungarian color variations. I mean, I haven't gotten Jakob's book and I see that there's over a dozen different paint applications. Um, I have what I believe are three different ones. You know, there's there's a lot of room for growth there. So they do look very smart all lined up because you can see that like, the pants colors are so different and so striking with that. It's, it does pop out. I can say I was obsessed with that when I first started. I was obsessed with with, with the color of the pan of the of the of the paint apps on the pant, and now I really don't care. <laughs> so that's just the, the difference between when you start and when you start to notice what you know what's important to you. Anthony, you've you've shown a photo there with you see like thirty odd loose Luke Skywalkers all lined up, and and they do look fantastic. But these loose figures and young kids don't make. So how do you display these in your house? All right. So all those loose figures are in a locked cabinet. There's two tall seven foot cabinets with you know their glass, but they're all locked and the keys are well out of reach. So and and I'll, I'll be very honest at this point, my kids are four and six, and I I really do trust them because it's been years of me training them <laughs> but it's their friends when their friends come over that's 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 who i don't but everything else number one is in acrylic we know that's not 100 percent protective but anything that's on a loose you know an open shelf is in an acrylic case even even the box stuff but i'll be honest i i try to get my my sons in to participate and you know th- this is how we kind of spend time as they were growing up we would spend nights in the basement looking at figures, going through the books and matching up you know when we were building their their, their loose collections that's how we would do it we would every night we'd pick one figure, we'd look at it in a book, we'd match up the figure to a loose accessory and, and store it away in, in their box. So I think that they picked up a, a respect for it and they know. In fact, sometimes when uh, guests come over and they'll mention daddy's toys, it's funny. My, my youngest one will say they're not toys, they're collectibles. You know, <laughs> so they definitely know there's a difference between these and toys, toys that you play with. I'm guessing they've got a lot of modern figures as well to keep them occupied. Yeah, yeah, they, they, you have to uh, scratch that itch somehow. Yeah. 
do they enjoy the movies? Ah, uh, they do they do a lot actually. They um and they've really they've they've gotten uh, into the modern ones more so than than the originals. I tell you, my my uh, oldest one, Benjamin, his favorite movie is is The Last Jedi. Whenever we're, we're deciding which one to watch, he's always like, I want to watch it. And I'm always like, of all the movies, you have to pick eight. <laughs> you know, I, I share the opinion that it probably wasn't the best of the modern films that came out. So unlucky that that's his favorite. But they, they do they do definitely watch. You know, they grew up watching the, the OT with me. And then, and then you know, then, then we started, as I got a little older, we started watching the prequels. I guess they're, they're, you can consider them a little bit more eh, more action-packed, a little bit more violent. <laughs> you probably uh, want to wait a couple of years. And then now it's great. Now we have we have a new movie every every year almost coming out. And it's uh, it's like an event. We get to go to the movies with the kids and they get to see Star Wars in the theater like we did. It's awesome. Yeah, taking it back on, on the track to what we were talking about. We were talking about variants. Now, I don't know whether you do regard it as your main focus over your Luke's, but Ben Kenobi, you've gone pretty deep in as a figure. Uh, right. Yeah. So that, that that definitely is 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 my main focus. You know, the the, the Luke probably because I've, I'm running out of you know it's the more common things are common. So there's just so many and the the variety of loose variants you can't compare to the variety of, of documented card back variants that exist for like a 12 uh, an original 12 figure and that's and it's also one that i'm more passionate about because i think it's more accepted as a as a more traditional focus it's it's there, there there's no subjectiveness to it you know if, if this card back is different it's a, it's a variant you're not going to sit there and argue is this app different so i would i would definitely consider it my uh, primary focus now yeah you're probably going to throw this one at me so Ben Kenobi, off the top of my head, I'm I'm going four variations. <laughs> I'm going a white hair, a grey hair, and a kind of a whitey grey hair and a DT. You're going to tell me that I'm minus 50 wrong, aren't I? So I'm going to tell you, I probably have to agree with you uh, as far as a loose goes, because I never I don't really look at the like I I'm not concerned with their their trade stamp. As far as my focus collection collecting goes per carded, I I give no stock to their hair color. I know that. Obviously, there there's bright white, there's really dark. As you say, there's somewhere in the middle. It seems like later on in the line, it kind of mixed together, and most of the Ben Kenobis have this light gray hair. But I collect just straight card back variants. So so if you had to ask me, I'd say probably about four. <laughs> I'd say white, gray, light gray, and really bushy eyebrows. I think that's the uh, Lily Letty uh, variant. <laughs> now. And yeah, I'm doing quite well on my R5D4 run for 20 and 21 bucks, but there were some surprising card backs that just, I, I would be fairly sure they would exist, but I just can't see them. Are there anything that's in, if we just see, for example, the Star Wars cards, is there anything that's not there that you think probably should be there and you don't have? Oh, in my collection? Oh, absolutely. So, like I said, I tried my best to come up with what I'm missing based on what has either been shown in books or I've actually seen online on the forums for sale, but I've maybe missed out on. Or if people I really trust say, yes, it does exist. So I've got this running list of things that I of various that I know are at least have been out there or known to exist. And it's 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 and this is I'm probably just scratching the surface. I'm already up to a couple dozen, you know, just just on Kenner USA variants. I could tell you I'm probably missing at least four different 12 back variants. Yeah, for example, I don't have I think there well, there's there's five different card backs that have an Anakin offer. My I haven't been able to find one. You think think that that would be super I've never seen one. I know it exists. People say, "Oh, I've seen it. It definitely exists." But I've I've just been doing this for 5 6 years, never come across an Anakin offer. I think it's hard 
like, you know, the 20 and 21 back variants, that's hard because what there's at least there's about 10, 15 in each category. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but close to that. And that is really hard to know if they actually existed. But I can tell you, for example, the, the 20D, the black sticker on the back that I've seen mentioned on, on one of the forums. I've seen a picture of it, but that's that's one that's probably really hard to find. Kellerman lists the 21H. It's uh, to Empire Strikes Back. I think that's a special figure or secret secret action that's figure right. offer with uh, it's got like a red date extension. Mm-hmm. He lists that as known to exist. So we know that's out there, but who knows? You know, it's that's that's probably super super rare. Yeah. I don't have a 21H. Yeah. I've got the 21I, which I was really surprised at. I got off a really good place, but I've never seen an H for an R5D4. Well, then there's there's like endless foreign variants. There's one one thing about it being Ben Kenobi is it's been around from the beginning. So there's endless foreign licensee variants. So it goes on and on. Which one's your favorite of the foreign ones? I really like the Harbor. The 12 back Harvard. Yeah. That was one of the harder ones to find. I, I found actually the seller found me, which makes the whole story nice. And we work a year long payment plan. <laughs> and so when you, when, uh, when a dealer finds you and it's someone that's respected in the community and you spend a year waiting for it, not quite a year, almost a year, finally get it. It's, it's great. You know, it's a, and also the, the card art, the, the, the logo, the way it's, it's written. I'm, I, I speak Italian so that I'm partial to it as well. So that, that would have to be my favorite foreign variant. Yeah, of course, it's it's quite nice as well. The Meccano Square is actually quite easy to get on, on Ben Kenobi as well when you compare it to some of the other ones. It's probably the second easiest, I would say, after Jawa. Right, yeah. Ben Kenobi and Jawa, those are the ones you see uh, definitely more common and definitely a more reasonable price than uh, the others. It's funny. So I think that the Meccano 20-back was one of my was in my first 20 Bens. You know, I started off, the way I started was, I'm just going to get a Ben Kenobi from each movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted Star Wars, Empire, Jedi, I got the power of the force and then they were ready. You know, the Meccanos were, were readily available, reasonable price. So that was actually my fifth. So I got that pretty early on. You got some great cards here when you're looking at them. They really are great. Um, what, what about the card back image? Because obviously you had to change during the Jedi run. Right. From him kind of sideways on to face on. Which, which, which image do you prefer? Um, I think I like the, well, the second one makes more sense, right? It has the, uh, the, the correct color lightsaber. His pose in the original is kind of awkward. Like, what exactly is he doing? But that being said, I, the, the original is my favorite. That's the, the first, you know, of, of the run. The first one I got was the original. That's that's the card back I have from childhood uh, in my collection. You know, I have the actual card back. But that's what I just associate the figure with more. So I did that more partial to that one. On the original image with Obi-Wan having his hood down, and his robe on, the only time he appears like that is in the cantina, believe it or not. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Made me wonder if it's something that's been taken from the cantina and heavily airbrushed. Right. Yeah, that's a good call. I never thought of it that way. It is a strange... I'm looking at it now. It's, it is a bit of a strange... He's kind of leaning back, isn't he? He's perhaps, looking up. <laughs> I wonder if that's just a, a screenshot of Alec Guinness and then they've kind of even his hands, maybe not even his hands, the whole bit from there on. He's added in. It's um right. You look at his hand. Uh, it's kind of doesn't look like it looks heavily. It just looks looks it looks monotone. There's no shading to it. It's almost like as if it was drawn in. You're right. It's a great card on the Star Wars card. But I, I think Ben Kenobi's actually a good sculpt as well. It's a good sculpt, sculpt figure, and it's it's possibly even one of my favorite 12 inch line as well because I think the 12 inch Ben is actually a really really good figure. I do like the 12 inch. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, I'm more partial to the non-human 12 inch figures. Actually, the ones I have, he's the only humanoid of the 12 inch I have. I have, I have the droids. The, these are all loose, but the, uh, the droids, Vader, Chewie, Jawa, the Stormtrooper. 
I do not have Han Luke or Leia. And obviously I don't have IG-88, but, but he is the one human figure that I uh, actually do really like, and I have him because it's my focus. <laughs> <laughs> so you go into all, all the divert kind of things. Do you do you go after things like, I, I know they're, they're pretty expensive these days, but things like the, the three-packs or the mailers, multi-packs, all that kind of stuff? So the three-packs, no. I do have, was able to, I was lucky enough to have a, early bird set and also I, I really do like the cantina figures and I, I do have two of the well the four figures in the sears box in that's that's the only mailer i have and it's it's sealed actually this is great i i bought these sealed boxes and i, I work at a hospital and i got one of the uh, x-ray techs a friend of mine to x-ray them for me so we x-ray them in the operating room and uh sent them off to uh cas cas and they um they made really nice displays. It's just the X-ray displayed next to the sealed box, and and you see, you can tell exactly who they are. Obviously, you see X, basically an X-ray image of Greedo and Snaggletooth. It's funny, Hammerhead and Walrus Man, they're sleeping head to foot. They're they're not. Uh, so it's kind of a funny image. You Joe, what I came across that today, and uh, you're right. I was going to bring it up. They are awesome. I, you know, the X-rays are amazing. They're um such a fun little thing to put alongside the mailers kind of uh, gives it a bit of extra character love it proved a blue jungle tooth as well because it was something that was weird right i remember before before i bought it i was i was asking some friends about it and a lot of people were skeptical they're like how do you know there's really blue snaggle tooth in there <laughs> <laughs> after the x-rays there's no uh you know, there, there's no debate. X-ray doesn't lie. Nope. So. Yeah. What What about what some people deem like the oddball stuff? Because obviously Ben Kenobi being in that original 12, he and being such a, a vital character, he does pop up on a lot of stuff, including things like like the rump mugs and stuff. Do you go in for that kind of? It, it depends what it is. So I, I don't try to collect everything vintage that has Ben Kenobi on it. You know, I um I do have the Sigma mug, uh, not the not the Sigma mug, but exactly what you're you're, you're describing that um, Stein. I do have that, but that's really about it. You know, I I, I do even my loose run. I, I just have, as you point out before, a white a brown, uh, white gray and light gray variant along along with the model trim. Now I have one one Polish bootleg, so I really wanted to stick to just just the cards as the focus. I do dabble a little bit in the modern prototypes, so I do have um, small runs of Ben and Farm Boy Luke Power of the Force figures. So it's just just some prototype items. First shots, proofs, but it's it's uh, small compared. Yeah, just it's one run of each. I've noticed a lot of people starting to get into that market now. Have those prices started to increase yet? I I honestly don't think so. I'll be honest. It's probably been over over a year or two since I've made a prototype purchase. But I do see them. You know, there that's in my uh, definitely one of my eBay searches that I'll do every couple of days. And I I think I think that those prices are have, have been stable. I can't speak for things like original sculpts or hard copies. You know, the the, the levels, the, the steps in production that I have are, you know, as far as 3D goes, just first shots. And as, from what I've seen, as first shots go, they've been stable. Keyword yet, you know. Uh, brilliant. You know what? Both both your runs, absolutely incredible. They're great to look through. Hopefully you'll, uh, you'll share a couple of images of your things, especially to things like your x-rays and that. I, th- I think people need to see them. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's such a good idea, you know, such original. Before we close out, because obviously kept you for quite a while, I know you you touched on it earlier, but do a bit of work for the Kivecast. Only been in the hobby for six years and working on the Kivecast is a a very popular show and 
or not, it's been around for, for several years now. How did that come about, and what is your role on the Kivecast? I simply run their um, Instagram feed. When I started following them, or I started listening to them, I, like I said, I wasn't on Facebook at the time. My main form of social media was Instagram, and I tried to find them, and, and they weren't on it. So I knew that they had a Twitter and a Facebook and just listening to them over the I listened to them for a good two years and then uh, joined Facebook and became friends with Steve. Steve and I actually had been following each other. He actually was following my Star Wars page for a while. We just didn't we, we just weren't actual friends and never made that introduction to each other. But I reached out to them and I said, uh, you know, I noticed you guys don't have an Instagram page. I'd be happy to run it. You know, we can add awareness and more content. And uh, they were totally for it. And so I've been doing it probably about two years. And it's, uh, it's been fun. It's a way, like I said, way to connect with the community, make friends, and keep up on the stuff. You know, because you, you're kind of, you I post almost every day. So you, you're constantly going back, finding content, and you, you learn as you do it. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Totally agree. And learning is half the fun of the hobby, isn't it? Final question to you then, unless, unless Richard's got anything else to add before. I was just going to ask him if he was the Russian spy. <laughs> because that, that might have been a wee in hack the accounts be the Russian spy shut everything down and then make the offer <laughs> it's, you know it's funny when that was going down when they first uh, they brought me on when, when, when we launched the account and he was telling me his Russian spy Instagram story it was right when everything was going down here in the US I remember asking if we needed to open up a congressional investigation a special prosecutor and he he didn't really like that too much but that's fine <laughs> now and then forced you wraps up there obviously we are big on community and there are a lot of things coming up um certainly before the next celebration which i know you said you're hoping you're going to get to and and we're still thinking about it as well so where are you going to be in the coming months where could listeners in the u.s come and meet you yes yeah, so i uh in the next coming months now i, I live in in new jersey northwest jersey um, it's probably this uh, about 45 minutes by car from uh, New York City. And if anyone is in the New Jersey area, just drop me a message. I'd be it would be awesome. I'd love to show my collection, chat, and then we we, we could talk. It'd be great. <laughs> well, there you go. Open house party. Isn't Jez up there at some point soon? Uh, he's he's doing the London Marathon in well, whenever it is. The London September, Marathon October. in New York, will he? <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the New York Marathon, though, isn't he? That's right. Yeah, he's doing the New York Marathon towards the end of the year. Yeah. Oh, he is. All right, great. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll reach out to him. I, he should definitely stop by. It'd be fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, you fun, know about fun and jazz. He's, he's, he's that daft. He probably has entered for the London Marathon and turned <laughs> up in New York. Yeah. 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 He's a bit special. That one. Final question to you then, Anthony. The Earth's uh, disease, uh, it's no more, it's about to become extinct, and there's, there's a shuttle taking us to a new a new planet. Monetary value does not matter out there, but there's only room for one piece of your collection on that shuttle. What are you taking and why? It would have to be, but it's going to be a childhood item that I've kept all this time. So I guess if I only one piece, not not a collector case doesn't count, correct? It has to be one piece. <laughs> I would... <laughs> I would probably take my childhood X-Wing. Yeah, nice choice. And nice. everyone on the shuttle going, meow, up and down the aisle. We're <laughs> <laughs> oh, all over that. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experiences and your collection. I know we've only touched the surface of your collection. You know, there's, I'm just trying to think what I, what I saw now, but I'm sure there was things like a Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker proof card. Did I see? Yeah, that, so that was... Uh, 
of Revenge Proof. Yeah, so I have uh, a Ben and a Luke Revenge. And I guess I'd consider those probably my only vintage prototype pieces, if you consider them prototypes. So those are very special to me, the two of them. So Yeah, so many, so many great pieces. And um, it's, it's been a joy to even just, just look at a few pictures. And, and to meet you, you know, this, this interview came a chance meeting in a bar in Chicago, you know, and you've shown us your collection and stuff. And uh, it's just, just a real privilege to get you on and, and to talk about this, the hobby with you. It's been fun. Oh, guys, thank you. I really appreciate you inviting me on. I, I had a blast talking to you. And yeah, I'm real happy I, I turned and uh, said hi to Jess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Anthony, thank you so much. Uh, really do appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Same to you guys. Have a good night. I thank you very much. Jedi night, same as your father. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. Years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't think your boys can help you. Where did you dig up that old fossil? Ben is a great man. It's the kingpin of submarine love. It's little Jeremy Allenson with newest acquisitions. Oh, yeah. Hello, what happened here? Ah, good. New acquisitions. <laughs> Lads. Right, so what a show so far. Yeah, we've discussed a variety of things, and I feel this time, before we go on, I'm, I'm compelled to, to make an apology need to recognize when you've made mistakes in life. Part of life is is admitting when you were wrong and, and learning from it. Now, um, I don't know what came over me in the quiz. I was I was emotional, going through a lot of work, and I've got a lot on my mind. And the, so the competitive streak came out in me, and it was nothing to do with, you know, the, the, the questions being asked or anything like that. I just, I'd like to apologize on behalf of... Um, Myself and the team, I feel like I let myself down, let you all down, uh, let Pete down because Pete, you're editing the quiz this time. So I'm sorry about all my, um, you know, swearing and stuff. And and I was also wrong because I, I was quite convinced that Yoda was just green, you know, little green friend. And and I know now that when you take his cloak off, he's he's not all green. And also I was wrong about cloud car pilots. So there we go, hands up. Sorry, lads. 
can can we move on? Can we uh, can, can I be forgiven? Jess, it, it's a tip for you in the future. Whenever you have a toy with clothes, you must remove the clothes. See if they have underwear on. It's always it always fascinates me. Mm, yeah, like Action Man with his big blue pants. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. So anyway, now I've got that out of the way because you know, just thinking about it in the small period of time which has passed, I just yeah, just just felt wrong. It wasn't me. Anyway. Right, so Star Wars Forum UK, we're going to start there because this is the bit which I love, looking at what people have been buying, looking at people, what people have been showing off and just seeing what's out there. Now, understandably, as you can imagine, we've uh, whilst we've been looking out there, we've also been looking at a few Chewbacca-related items which have been shown most occasions before the passing of Peter Mayhew, but it was just one of those things where we were like, oh, now look at that. And we're going to do that. So on Star Wars Forum UK, which is, you know, as you know, pretty much our spiritual home, it was on page 2344, page 2344 of their latest acquisitions. And it was TK7785 is shown off his alternative artwork, Chewbacca 77 back. It's lovely, really, really, you know, classic looking image there. With It's, it's a really, really lovely example. It's unpunched. It's a beautiful bubble. And straight away, my uh, producer in my ear is telling me that Peter wants to talk. Hang on a sec. Peter, are you there, sir? Yeah, I think we need to we need to give this a classification. I think we need to call this the Chewbacca Farrah Fawcett hair edition of Ooh, the picture. Because yes. the, 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 the lovely kind of swept back, kind of long curl, kind of curly, wavy hair. It looks very 70s, very beautiful. Bit of lippy on there. She looked really gorgeous. Yeah. Definitely seeing the 80s pinup model, definitely sort of, uh, yeah, blow dry hair thing going on there. Very, very good. Very good. <laughs> so, so I like that. I like the alternative artwork, Chewbacca 77 back. And then we go on to page 2352, where UKS, guy has been hoovering up all sorts of stuff. In fact, he's just bought the Palatoy Chewbacca 12 back. So this UKS guy is just come straight on the scene, and I believe he purchased up to twenty-six to thirty carded figures at Vectors. Oh my! And uh, anyway, so he was showing off the regular, the original artwork Chewbacca. Now, so obviously we, we can see the two there, and uh, and I just want to know what you guys thought. Pete, you've already sort of chimed in about the sort of you know Farrah Fawcett thing, but thoughts on the different images. And we're going to come on to why in a minute. So, um, Rich? I prefer the original. Um, I just think that shot there with Chewie is much more about what Chewie is. And I've got a theory of why it changed. So I'm not going to go into that too much right now okay. until you... Yeah, you see, I read your mind, Jez. Yeah. Which, and let me tell you, it's <laughs> scary. Um, but yeah, I definitely prefer the first one because that's definitely, definitely rugged, chewy, you know, blasting out of situations with hands, smuggling, um, you know, piloting the follow them. Yeah. The first card. It's, yeah. it, it, it's an action shot for an action figure. It looks like Chewbacca is ready for action. Whereas mm. the other one, it looks like a photo shoot shot. It's like, oh, you look gorgeous, chewy, lovely hair. And, uh, and I also noticed that he's got his hair slicked back like a gangster mm. in that one. Mm. And then in the other one, he looks soft and flowery, like he wouldn't hurt anybody. But, you know, he just wants to play with his hair. So, yeah, I, I, I prefer the, the, 
the original, like just like Rich, that says action chewy to me. Yeah. It's one of those things where it really changes as well, depending on the card. So, you know, the original Star Wars card, I think it, it really stands out more. Obviously, the the graphic, the actual logo itself really, really brings it out. Some, some figures really suit different films, I think, film releases a little bit more. But this one... Yeah, my, well, this is my theory, and we'll be interested to see if it's the same sort of thing as Richard's. But I, I think as we move on, as we went through the range, they try and make the images less aggressive. And I, Rich, I, I don't know if that's where you are or if yours is a completely different theory to mine. But I think these things are getting less and less aggressive. When you look at the Return of the Jedi run, there were definitely less blasters on display on the car backs. You know, if you think about the hand trench coat, well, that's like a studio pose. You know, he's, he's just sort of half smirking, looking at looking at the camera. It's completely staged. Even the power of the force jower is slightly shifted. So you don't see the end of his weapon. It, it, I just noticed it. So you, what, what about Luke? Because he's standing yes. looking at the binary sunset on the yes. Star Wars. And, that, and then he's in the gun. So. Yeah, so he's in the gunner's chair. Yeah, you're absolutely right, mate. There are some exceptions. I mean, like, again, the Luke Jedi blaster is really prominent, isn't it? So, that I mean, that's a classic image, and he they could have chosen some others. But Han original still has his weapon, but it's less aggressive. Vader has lost his saber. He's just then sort of looking... Um, there, there's been a change with FET. We've gone from the sort of more, uh, the, the change of the original sort of firing a load of fire directly at the person who's looking at the car to then someone who's just about to take off. I, I, th- I think that they had moved away a little bit more. Now, a lot of the character poses are just dull. You're right, Pete. There's no action in majority of the Return of the Jedi figure poses. It's just... Not many weapons on display and a little bit staged, a little bit rubbish. And, you know, were people worried about weapons being out and and being on display and stuff? I wrote three points down, Jez. Okay. Number one, toning down the use of guns. Okay, so I think we nailed that one. I think um, I I get what Stu's saying about that look on the Falcon. Mm. But it, it's not a handheld gun that a kid would try and act out. You know, it would, would, would don't have like those kind of guns lying around. Mm. Number two, making Chewie look more lovable, mm. like an Ewok. Absolutely. And the third one I put down was to appeal to a broader market, including girls. They're all very valid points. I mean, to also counter the... Not that I ever want to counter Stu because I love him with my whole heart. But Stu's point about he's in the gunner's chair. Now, we call it the gunner. It's more sort of, you know, dynamic. But it's moving away from the clear New Hope Tatooine scene. Now, we know when Luke is in that costume, it's only when he's in the original Star Wars and New Hope. But to me, the, the Tatooine, the binary sunset, that one where he's just standing, the classic pose is classic A New Hope. So maybe they were trying to say, hey, this figure isn't New Hope. It's still relevant, you know, but buy it now, buy it now. 
So um, maybe they thought that they needed to change the artwork to keep it relevant. I don't know. But I, I definitely think, mate, that there was a positive shift there to make the figures look less aggressive uh, on artwork. So it'd be interesting to hear if, if people know about that or if, if there's anyone within the collecting community who's got their own ideas. Or Cheers, I have one more idea. Oh, one more I idea. love your ideas. Now, on that original Chewbacca figure on the card, the artwork you know, has been kind of superimposed. The, the, the smoothing around Chewbacca's head, it looks like it's been cut out almost. It's not the best image in the world, whereas the, the photograph of Chewie is much better quality. It's a better quality picture. I'm, I'm just wondering, just wondering whether they went, oh, actually, that's looking a bit ancient, that, that original Chewbacca figure. It's not, like said, it's not the greatest sort of shot. And they went, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm sure other reasons are true, but I was wondering whether it was just a, a not very good, we don't like that picture, it doesn't look very good kind of attitude but from, from some art director. And they decided that they'd go for a, a more realistic looking picture because it looks a little bit odd if you look at look closely at Chewbacca's so if you look around his head it looks like it's been kind of badly cut out yeah yeah it does yeah a little bit sort of rough in in and out but that could just be the grease from his swept back mane oh yeah, well, yeah I, I, I should check the um I should check that new proof book shouldn't I really to um to have a look if uh, if they'd kind of altered the artwork slightly because uh, I'm sure his head wasn't that weirdly shaped it uh, did look like someone was cut it out badly. Yeah, uh, and then reimposed it back onto the uh, back onto something. But, it's but yeah, true. I don't know. Just, just a theory. Just a theory. Yeah, but I, you know, going back as I said about the Jawa. Now, with regards to the Jawa, Jawa kept, you know, or the the Jawa, the main Jawa image that we're used to. When you see the the sort of Jawa blaster with a little blue sort of flamey bit coming at the end, or whatever it is on the card bag. On the power of the force, as I said, that has shifted slightly. So you still see this weapon system. You still see something in its hands, but it loses an element of the aggressiveness. It loses the fire of the firepower by having the actual whole artwork shift over slightly. So, hmm, yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. You know, you look at the Ben. The Ben has changed slightly, but could you say that the Ben has become slightly less aggressive in his lightsaber pose stance? Yeah, I, I reckon that's the reason, and I'd like to, uh, I'd like to have confirmation of that. Otherwise, why have they done it? <coughs> two lovely examples on Star Wars from UK: the alternative artwork, page two three four four, and the original on page two three five two. Wonderful. Right, and Chewie is still with us. This is a, a very quick shout out. It was Mini 99 on page 2345. Shows off one of the sexiest pieces of mini rigs out there. It's the vehicle maintenance energizer. Now I know Pete is so looking forward to when they when we discuss this in depth one day on the podcast, the vehicle maintenance energizer. Because, uh, you know, Pete's going to be looking at all of his beyond the new acquisitions. What else was the vehicle maintenance energizer featured on? I, I know he's so looking forward to that. But the reason I bring it to the attention is this is a lovely piece, lovely example. He's put it in a, a nice acrylic case. It's got the special buy sticker on for 49p, but it features Chewbacca in a very action pose, holding a hose 
in both hands, it looks like, ready to refuel, recharge the Millennium Falcon. Or, in fact, the X-Wings can be seen there. So, um, yeah, lovely piece and uh, really, really nice to see. We're going to stay on page 2345 and Spoons has put on a Spanish Galaxy Ray Gun. Now, this was, uh, this was pretty cool because this obviously just breaks all sort of licenses and stuff. He's, in fact, put up two ray guns. He said the original Spanish version, and he had happy memories of holidays in Spain. These don't come up that often. Uh, so it was amazing to see this one on eBay uh, the day he posted the other gun. So, uh, yeah, he posts one original Galaxy ray gun up there, which has got uh, English writing. Shoots loud caps, galaxy ray gun. And the reason I talk about licensing is this is clearly not a, uh, a Lucasfilm license product, and it's just an absolute ripoff of, of Luke Skywalker there on Tatooine with a ship which looks remarkably like the X Wing and a, a blaster in Luke's hand. So there we go, shoots loud caps. So the standard sort of 70s, 80s cap gun, and then the Spanish version. Again, with a complete ripoff of, of Luke, but even more so Han Solo. And uh, it's Galax, Galaxia, and it's uh, Redondo is the uh, Spanish company. But again, lovely caps. And in the background, you can see various different other, other pistols, weapon systems, which were available. But really, really lovely mint on card to very special ray guns. So congratulations to Spoons. Now, Pete, I'm going to come over to you, fellow, because we're always tracking what Bruce White's uh, getting and showing off. He's a real good friend of, of all of ours um, on the podcast. And it was on page 2346 of Star Wars Forum UK. Bruce has posted a, well, it's a 1232 back. More on that in a minute. But you said that you wanted to cover generically quite a few of Bruce's purchases, didn't you, buddy? Well, yeah, he's... um. <laughs> I know Bruce has been buying modern. Don't just whisper that. Uh, Princess Leia items, but he's he's gone full on. But um, he picked up a couple of bits and bobs and a couple of items which which kind of like stood out. Well, he got some holiday special collectibles. Now, one day I'm sure we'll cover this in great detail. A holiday special. But he got a couple of um uh, pictures, eight by tens. There was a Leia um so Leia when she's doing her sort of Earth song. Well, I can't remember. Was it Life Day song at the end of the whole thing? Um, she looks fantastic, obviously. This so is her and C3PO. And it, it, it was part of a press kit. So I'm, I'm trying to find out a bit more about that. But it seems that it was just two pictures released. That, and there was another one, which I can't remember off the top of my head very quickly. Just, just stay with me for a second. I want to get the picture up. Um, so, yeah, it, it was that. Then there was the sort of Star Destroyer over the planet kind of scene as well, I, I believe. It's just like, it, 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 you know, it was like, Wow. I didn't realise that, that anything had been released holiday special, but yeah, there's two the two items. He also picked up a wonderful Princess Leia and an Ewok. Um, it was a greetings card. It was a it's kind of like a sort of cranny kind of drawing, and then a couple of vintage iron um, iron ons. So I have to be careful how you say that. One of Leia and one of Luke. So a t-shirt iron on. So um, obviously unused. Um, so just just nice little little bits and bobs items, but. But Jez, on this, on this, um, I've got a bit of value value on this 12D uh, oh, Princess right. Leia, which you're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah lovely. Well, they're blooming rare, <laughs> and uh, it's you know you don't see many. On on track, there was one in the last four and a half years. 
and that went for 300 quid in September 2017. So that is it's a rare item. But you're going to talk about that more, I expect. Well, I mean, just briefly, thanks ever so much, Pete, for, uh, for all of that. Now, you can tell that this is you know, fairly hard to find because Bruce has been collecting Leah stuff for absolutely years. So if this is something which he's been trying to get hold of for quite a while, you know it's one of the things which doesn't come up that often. So he's put on to Dollars from UK, just back from Celebration Chicago with my newest pickup for the Leo Focus. Been after this sticker variation for a while, a 12-back with a collect all 32 stickers on the back. You can tell this would be a 12B by the length of the tip in the depiction of how to operate Luke Sabre, but the sticker makes this a 12D on the Kellerman matrix. So yep, when the Empire Strikes Back figure range came out and then they were trying to show off all the new figures that were available. They created these stickers to whack on the back of existing 12-back cards. So it's quite clearly from the front, looks like a regular 12-back, but on the rear, it's the top, let's say, the top three-fifths of the of the card as the original Star Wars 12-back card. And then the bottom section has got collect all 32 so it's a real sort of hybrid card, which, as I said, on the Kellerman matrix would be a 12D. So just because of the addition of this sticker, I mean, it's a cracking piece. We've seen other people collect their 1232s in the past. I think Ross uh, got one, which we mentioned a couple of years ago. Well, you said it, Chewy. Where did you dig up that old fossil? So we're going to move on. That is DMAC on page 2349 has shown off his Brazilian Escape the Death Star game. Now, I just want us all to have a look at this. He's put, this is my latest acquisition, Brazilian Escape the Death Star. I'm really pleased with it. And I looked at the box and I was like, wow, do you know what? That's I may well have seen that box before, but it's certainly not a version which you see that often, particularly with the, well, Guerrero Nas Estrellas on the front, which I think just looks wonderful. We're used to the French uh, but, however, to have this Brazilian there, the way it is, it is absolutely, absolutely glorious. Now, don't go Googling Star Wars Brazilians because you never know what you'll come up with. But I looked at this and I started doing some investigation. And the first thing when I Googled Brazilian Death Star game, Tracks <laughs> article, which was written by our very own Richard Hutchinson, was the first hit I got on Google. So, Rich, if you can just refresh us, mate, on Fathertrack's 2nd of, Feb- uh, 2nd of September, 2nd of February this year, you wrote a brilliant article which was published on Fathertracks. I did, mate. That article started because Duncan posted on his, was it in his timeline or it might have been elsewhere? Hmm. And he basically posted up there that it's the first time, was it 13? 13 different versions from memory? Yeah, let's have a look. Yeah, well, like he posted on there, it's the first time that all 13 have been photographed together in one shot. And I thought, you know, with how difficult things are to find on Facebook, I thought it would be a shame for that to go instantly missing. So with kind permission of Duncan, I took that um, image of his and talked about the desktop board game. Um, just again to show that Ron's article on the SWCA blog where he basically said board games are a load of crap is uh, you know completely wrong. Let's face it, it's completely wrong. I just thought it was nice to show a little bit of love to the Escape from the Death Star game. 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's it's really good. It's really timely. You, you've got an image there of the 12, plus also there was the uh, bootlegged version Bootleg. of Boras yeah. in Greece. So 12 That's licensed right. and a 13th non-licensed, I believe. And yeah. the uh, the Estrella one, the Brazilian one, is there. So that that's the brand behind it, Estrella. So um, the company that held the Brazilian license at the time was Estrella. It should be noted that although it comes from Brazil, this item has no connection with the Glassley company. So I've taken that straight from Star Wars uh, Collector's Archive. Yeah. So, yep, yeah, nothing to do with Glasslight, completely separate, uh, but really, really great. In fact, you just... Yeah, these, these don't come up that often. I have sent him a message, uh, but unfortunately, I haven't heard back at this stage of the recording. But but absolutely brilliant. Now, we see these Escape the Death Star games all the time. I imagine, well, I imagine Stu's probably picked up a few. Pete, I'm not so sure if you'll have one. Rich, I'm quite confident you'll have one. I, I don't have one. These are the things every single convention you go to, every farthest from, every Echo Live, you will see these things. They are fairly fairly easy to come by has anyone actually played with it yep tell me about it rich right we're going memory now so i played it with me two kids i'd probably say the last time would have been about four four years ago possibly and i, I actually enjoyed it because it's two games in one so your first your first challenge if you like is to escape the desktop and there are various traps and holding rooms and detention blocks. And you've, you've got two characters that you have to escape the desk door as part of two colours. And then once you do that bit, there's also a fun little game where you've got to basically have a dogfight in the Falcon to avoid the TIE Fighters to land on Yavin Base. Uh, so it's a two completely different board games. So when you've finished, you actually haven't finished because you've got another mission to do. It's, it is an ingenious idea. Von, Von, what the hell are you thinking of? This is a great game. <laughs> right. There's this stage, or maybe even the stage before you said that, I found an, an advert. I found a TV advert. And uh, and even the TV advert is, is quite funny because the music in this TV advert is so dodgy. It's almost like the people who are playing people who are playing these instruments know how ropey the game may have been so have been playing their instruments in a really ropey way <laughs> because it doesn't sound like your normal Star Wars music, it's just really Oh boy! I've reached Millennium Falcon! The Force is with you! You too can play the space fantasy Star Wars game Escape from Death Star. Be the first to help Luke and Leah, Han Solo and Chewbacca escape from the garbage dump and reach the safe rebel base. The Force can also be against you. Back to the trash compactor. You spin to get past TIE Fighters. I win! All right! Escape from Death Star. It comes complete with everything you see here. New from Kenner, from the Star Wars collection. It, it just sounds rubbish. So it didn't really pitch the game fantastically to me. But Rich, I'm kind of sold. Um, you know, you, you said it was really good. So uh, who knows, maybe in the future, whilst we're doing something or if we were at some Star Wars celebration, we had some fan booth, maybe we should get out the old Escape the Death Star game and have, have a blast, have a, have a go. So, um, yeah. Oh, talking of which, you know, they're doing um retro version of this now. 
I mean, come on, is that step too far? Have you, you know, we've got the retro line, haven't we? We've seen the retro first 12 coming out. Now I've heard of a retro Escape the Death Star game. So does that mean prices on the original ones are going to go through the roof? <laughs> well, you can pick them up for a tenner, so they may go up to about 12 quid. But yeah, that, that also was the point of releasing that article because um, when you Hasbro were bringing that out, with the Grand Moff Talk and exclusive. So that was also another reason why the article was released. And uh, it was nice to see that Hasbro read it. So yeah. off to bits of that. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And I would be too, mate. It's a great article, a nice one. So, um, yeah, once again, Alice de Mac on page 2349. Wonderful, wonderful Brazilian game. But you don't necessarily need to go to that page to see this. Go to Richard's thing on Fanta Tracks and you'll be able to see all 12 licensed games with the different pieces of artwork on the front. Really, really is a great read. And check out episode 39, A New Whore, for when we cover board games as well from Ron's article from the SWCA blog. Boom. Perfect. Thanks, Rich, mate. I'd forgotten how much I hate space travel. Now, also on page 2349, this is, hang on a second, what's going on here? I've already given Spooners a shout out, but it's just a very, very quick one. His headless hand. He saw this. Um, and the reason I've written this down is because I love this comment. He's uh, he's been on Star Wars from UK. Here's my latest. A bit of an impulse drunken buy, and I had to pay customs, but I absolutely love it. Love it. Here's headless Han Solo, and it was uh, to go with his focus. It's a uh, Han Hoth, but the heads come off. Still mint on card, or no longer mint on card. Um, something else on card. General, I gotta leave. I can't stay anymore. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, there's a price on my head. If I don't pay off Jabba the Hutt, I'm a dead man. A death march is not an easy thing to live with. You're a good fighter, Solo. I hate to lose you. Thank you, General. But, yeah, brilliant. You don't get to see these sort of things that often. So, uh, yeah, great one. And uh, hopefully Spoons will give us permission to use that image and uh, put it on an Instagram. You know, I, I said that because we've recently been contacted by someone who wasn't happy that we had used an image which had already been shared publicly online. And uh, yeah, we had to delete one of our posts on uh, on Facebook, unfortunately, because we assumed that because it had already been put online in a public forum that we'd be okay to use it, and they've asked us to remove it. So um, yeah, we will be particularly careful from now on that um, we won't take these things for granted. From now on, you do as I tell you, okay? Look, your worshipfulness, let's get one thing straight. I take orders from just one person, me. So one day you're still alive. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? No reward is worth this. So, go over to Rebel Scum. You Rebel Scum. Well, as we've said in the past, you know, they... They haven't been showing anything. It's been really, really uh, sad. It's been really slow that I think this year they've had in their in the showcase section where they have their uh, their um, sort of latest purchases limelighting in the showcase section. We've always said that 
that's the wrong place to have that. It's not particularly well visited. And I think they've had one or two pieces of vintage shown so far in 2019. However, on their main section now of Rebel Scum, they've got a, uh, a thread which is called Show Us Your Latest Kenner Thread, which is particularly busy. And there, there's all sorts of stuff going on there, pretty much on daily or, or every other day, which is great to see. I'd actually think uh, they'd have even more traffic on it if they just changed the title. Why is it a show us your latest Kenner thread? Why don't we uh, why don't we change it to show us your latest vintage thread where we could have all sorts of stuff and various different licenses, uh, licensees, etc. But it's a great start. Really, really cool to see a chap called Master Com finding his childhood R2-D2. I love this. You know that I'm all about the whole sort of nostalgia and, and finding stuff in your parents' house. And it should just take you right back to 1978, 79, the 80s, etc. He's put, my latest acquisition also happens to be my very first Star Wars figure from decades ago. I found my old R2 in a wooden cigar box amid other boxes in my parents house yesterday i hadn't seen him since the late 80s i guess i remember buying him shortly after the first 12 were released in stores i was seven at the time and i was with my mum at the kmart athens tennessee the carded figures were all piled in this hexagon shaped wire bin and they were just on a blue light special for some limited period of time i could have just won I remember agonising over the decision. Oh, can you remember that? Just when you're in a shop, like, oh, what one do I want? What one do I want? Such a big decision. One of the most biggest decisions of your life at that time. What do I go for? He said, as the blue light flashed and time ran short, I was urged to pick quickly. So I made my choice. Han and Luke would just have to wait. R2-D2 was coming home. I handed the figure to an elderly woman running the sale who rather unceremoniously applied the discount with her price tag gun handed the figure back to me and snapped off the revolving blue light. I was beaming though. The greatness of this moment was clearly lost on her, but I was just thrilled. Ah, so this was clearly some sort of blue light, very limited, quick, get your discount. And then the blue light stopped. Funny how reuniting with this little guy brought all that back. Just part of what makes this toy so special. And this little arty unit is really beat up. He's really bust up. Sticker, hardly recognisable. You can see that this thing was well loved. Probably just taken a bed, taken a school, taken everywhere. That this is an absolutely well loved figure. And uh, yeah, I really, really hope that we can uh, use that image and put that on our social media. This R2 unit of yours seems a bit beat up. You want a new one? Not on your life. That little droid and I have been through a lot together. You okay, R2? Good. You know, guys, people have spoken to us in the past about turning our podcast into one of those enhanced podcasts. And I think if we can just put as many images as we can on you know, Instagram, Facebook, etc., then we don't need it to be the enhanced podcast, do we? And that's the whole point of, of trying to do what we're trying to do with our social media. But this this needs to be seen. 
You know, I, I think it looks perfect. If you guys, did you guys see this? Yeah, so yeah very, very, very well worn. Yeah. Very well worn slash loved. And, and the other one which I wanted to point out on this thread, the thread which needs to be changed to show us your latest vintage, is um, a guy called Ch- Ch- Chili Jedi or something or other. A guy whose real name isn't on the forum, Ch- Chili Jedi, And uh, he puts on, he's, he's got a Takara wind-up. But it's not that I'm worried about, or I'm concerned, not even concerned. It's not that which has taken my interest. He's written, I finally got a Takara Winder Part 2 DT. I've been waiting since 1994. That's amazing. Good for you. I absolutely love it. I'm envious. I do need to get a Takara with both stickers in my life. However, he said, however, I had to add the puffy stickers as well. Hand looks so horrible. It's great. And um, And when you look at this, have you guys seen this? Now, this is the Star Wars Return of the Jedi self-stick, easy-to-apply stickers. And there's six of these in the pack, and there's the ones which has sort of got a, a 3D feel to them. Please tell me that you guys have seen this. Of course I have, Jess. Everyone has puffy stickers in their collection. <laughs> these puffy have... stickers, right? Han Solo... Right, there's the the grown up rude cartoons which are on TV. The Han Solo looks like one of these. Who are the, is it? It's not American Dad or, or what have you. Or um, what am I talking about? It's just a, a Han Solo with a massive head. <laughs> well, I'm not really sure what you're talking about, Jess. But the, the, what you're missing, the, the main we're missing, is the beautiful colours of oh, these yeah. wonderful figures. Um, Han is wearing a lovely pair of pink trousers. Um, and a blue waistcoat and a blue shirt and has blonde hair. Beautiful man. Um, Princess Leia is in green and purple. I'm not quite sure where that was in the film. Um, Lando has unfortunately been turned pink in in his face. He's been racially wiped. Um, He's no longer a black man. He is a pink man. Um, So they obviously didn't get the the heads up on that one. So that's... But he's wearing all blue. And um, with a kind of red and purple cape. And then you've got a green rancor. You've yes. got a kind of a, well, multicolored Ewok. And uh, the shuttle Tidarium is it's kind of like over some lovely clouds. But there's that, there's, I found a sequel to this pack. There's a Ooh. sequel. Oh. Yes, Jez. There's a sequel. And the colors get more bonkers. Um, I'll put that in the chat for you. If you want to look at this image, it it's, it goes to new levels of colour. I mean, someone really want you know what? Let's face it. Let's face oh, it, Jess. Uh, the, the colours of Star Wars figures and Star Wars aren't, aren't the most brightest in the world, are they? Let's face it. If those things have been coloured correctly, they've been quite dull. Oh, but these gracious, have gone, is, yeah. have gone to new levels. Luke Skywalker is winging his lightsaber wang up and down. It, there's, it's, oh, it's a wonderful image of him in his red jumpsuit. Well, it's a Luke Skywalker jumpsuit Wolverine crossover thing because, as you said, he's winging his lightsaber up and down and it's given the illusion of it going up and down because it looks like four lightsabers, doesn't it? Indeed. But actually, yeah, it looks like Wolverine. Oh, my goodness. But Darth Vader is not black at all. No. He's he's red and blue. Red and uh, blue, yes. With a blue and yellow helmet. With a lovely... Speckledy, spotty yeah. kind of like read out. Oh, lovely, polka dot chess piece. And th- this is like Sunday best or something or other. This is this is I'm, wonderful. I'm so glad you brought this to our attention. What is 
Hmm. Now, below Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, um, some sort of green silhouette, uh, sorry, green shadow, or it looks like they've stood in a puddle, or they've had a little bit of an accident. So, um, yeah. Well, it's green. It's green, yeah, so it's maybe green. we is green. But, so you, you, you've you got a blue and goodness knows what other colours, Stormtrooper. You've got Emperor looking. Well, them don't too badly, though. Uh, it's a bit pink. <laughs> uh, then, then you've got, a, I think it just says Patrol, and it's a Star Destroyer sort of like going off into a planet, I'm assuming, or something or other. That's beautifully coloured as well. Uh, Typhoid and a Millennium Falcon, it's all just... There's no yeah. black and greys. It's no. blue, greens, yellows, reds. Oh, my word. It's just absolutely fantastic. It, it's interesting because on the label where it says Star Wars Return of the Jedi, stealth, stuff, stealth stick, stealth stick, easy to apply, just to the right of the staples, it says made in Taiwan. Now, on the reverse of that, it says by people on crack, quite clearly, <laughs> because this is just whack. It really, really is. It brings colour into Star Wars, into a grey galaxy. Mm. That's what it's done. Yeah, but the Stormtrooper, <laughs> let's go back to that, because it looks to me like the Stormtrooper is stood on a pile of poo. <laughs> it really, really does. It's just, well, why you know. is he on a big brown mound? Well, it just is. It just needs to be to make the sticker look like he's on ground. Dear. But uh, just, just, you know, that's, quality that's quality coloring that is that's quality just genius yeah I, i'm i'm liking that a lot pete thank you very much indeed um going back to that hand solo it's a definite family guy thing going on there who who is that i mean rich have you have you seen family guy i've just known that i've seen images and it's just like a guy big guy big guy big sort of neck big head that's who hand looks like i think so possibly isn't that not the guy who made the star wars parodies isn't it you know they made the three Maybe. Star Wars films in, yeah. in parodies with the with the dog. I can't remember. I don't watch that kind of crap. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I don't know. But it is it is Family Guy. You're you're, you're thinking of? Yeah, yes. definitely, definitely seems familiar. So uh, yeah, cracking, absolutely insane, barking mad stuff, and uh, yeah, love it. I mean, you can still tell that that's so Lando because you know he's he's got his sort of hip style walking and his cloak and he's just you know he's still looking pretty cool but they're, they're just not good images i mean you know we this is a time when we've created fantastic images in 3d of figures but we can't get a sticker right i mean this is <laughs> it's crazy right what's what's liz hand doing liz hand she she is doing it's like the bangles. You know that video, Walk Like an Egyptian? Yeah. Must have been done What's at going on there? the time. Must have been. That's I mean, is that, a big, is that a big, is that something on a chest plate or is that midriff? I, I mean, they've I think really. That's midriff. That's terrible. They've made that, well, that. No wonder no one wants to buy these things. They're all over the place. <laughs> so, so well done, uh, Chili Jedi on uh, Rebel Scam because. Yeah, you're right. Han looks so horrible. It's great. Chewie. Uh, Chewie, is that you? Chewie! I can't see, pal. What's going on? Right. Moving on. Rich, 
going to go over to Facebook, mate, and uh, you were at Echo Live. You you wanted to bring it to the attention of uh, something pretty cool, which uh, happened to Adam Pemberton. Yeah, so a couple of weeks before Echo Live, um, Echo admins Michael Peter and Paul Desikes created a new Facebook page. And it was an in, invite-only Facebook page, and I got added to it. And the title of the page, I think, for memory, was Model Trem. And I thought, hmm, Model Trems, I'm not really interested in. There was no R5 one. You know, n- nice historical thing, but this would be a group I'd be leaving. But I read the description, and that completely changed your mind. Because it says here, Adam Pemberton works tirelessly every year creating and running Echo and asking for nothing back. I saw this item come for sale and had an idea. The current owner was happy to hold for a short time. Well, I test the water with this idea. If you are happy to donate a small amount, please leave a comment on the thread. I'll get an idea if we're going to reach a target or not. Even two, five or ten pounds, whatever, will soon add up. So I thought, all right, okay, I wonder what the item is. Now, Paul, now Adam is a IG88 focus collector. And he has a fantastic collection of IG88 items. So when I saw the item, it was a, a model trim IG88, which was going for a little over a thousand dollars from memory. And I thought, you know, you know what? That would be a really nice gift to buy Adam. You know, there's ten thousand, fifteen thousand members in Equobase. So if each of were donated a small amount, um, you know, it's we're going to raise that sum quite quite handily. So I made a donation as did many others, and the $1,000 target was reached very, very quickly. And then the momentum took off, and Patsy Pedersini donated a rifle to go with the model trim, and Christian from GW Acrylic, he donated a case to put it all together. So once the money was raised, obviously the items were purchased, and then we got done with the import tax, so I think there was about another $250 need, uh, raised on that just to pay for the import fee. Um, so more of a drive was made. Um, and then even more people wanted to pay. So even after, after uh, Michael had the item, um, there were still more people wanting to donate. So all of those monies went towards one of the Echo charities. So it was an absolutely fantastic thing. And now obviously, of course, we had to keep all this quite quiet. Um, Echo Live was just around the corner. So it was an ideal opportunity to present this to Adam at Echo Live. So just before the charity auction started, Adam was called over. There is a video on Facebook of Adam uh, receiving the model term IG88 and his cheeky chubby cherubby face beaming there like a cherry tomato. He's absolutely delighted to receive his model term. So absolutely delighted to have contributed even a small amount towards this. Um, Adam does do a lot for the community. And, uh, you know, I can't think of anybody who's more worthy of this item than him. So, yeah, really, really good. And I'm glad Paul and Mike Lonek all um, sorted all that out. Nice, top stuff. Yeah, great, Rich. Really, really lovely and absolutely agree with you. It's um, thoroughly deserved. And uh, what what a collection. And, uh, yeah, congrats and well done to all involved. This whole party will be for nothing if they see us. Julie and I'll take care of this. You stay here. Quietly. There might be more of them out there. Hey, it's me. Pete, 
you also pointed out something by uh, Kenneth Widner. Would you mind uh, telling us all about that and where you saw it, buddy? Yeah, um, Kenneth appears on, well, um, not on every single group in the world, but uh, I see him on uh, Beyond the Toys group, which is always great fun for nonsense that I like trying to get hold of. And he's really, really helpful, really nice bloke. Um, I'll have to try and get him on some way because I think he's, he's got, he must have a hell of a collection. He seems to be uh, pursuing lots of things that I love pursuing as well, but uh, he's more lucky to be in America. Duh. But um, it, it's what caught my eye was he had a, a ring binder um, from 1977, and it, it was the same imagery used on the portfolio that I picked up in Celebration. So I thought, oh, yeah, that took my eye. I thought, that's a bit of a strange one. And, um, well, not particularly strange. But again, it's from... Um, I think I've, I've, I've mentioned, I think I mentioned on various um, forums and stuff that it was it was odd that this the you know sort before Lucasfilm came about as such, some of the merchandise had been created by 20th Century Fox. So um, it, it was interesting to see whether this was another Black Falcon item, but apparently it's just a 20th Century Fox uh, made by a company called Mead. Um, but no Lucasfilm um, stuff on there. It's just a Mead binder, and there was there was a few of these made. But this one had the Leah Luke Han Ben imagery, which I said is exactly the same as the portfolio picked up. Um, but these ring binders made by Mead and Mead are still going. They're still churning this stuff out. They're still churning. They still have the Star Wars license. They're still making the stationary supplies, which are, which are, I was absolutely staggered by, really. But the, there were three in the in the set. There was a Hunchback, a Star Destroyer, and a Stormtrooper uh, three ring binder, and there was also an R2D2 and C3O one. So. Just a, a nice little item. Um, I think ring binders are quite cool, really, because in some ways you can keep all your kind of bits and bobs from your, you know, like your, almost like a scrapbook almost. I've got a Queen Amidala one. <laughs> but don't nice. tell anyone, Jez. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, that's it, really. It was just a quick shout-out, really. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, nice one, mate. Where are you taking this thing? Prisoner transfer from cell block 1138. I wasn't notified. I'll have to clear it. And then, you know, just doing a little bit of look around whilst I was putting together notes for this. You know, I said in the past that we've got all these different focus groups and I was a member of a Luke Skywalker focus group. I wonder if there's a Chewbacca focus group. Of course there is. And uh, in fact, Sky is one of the administrators of the Chewbacca group on Facebook. And as I was looking through there, there was a gentleman called uh, Brad Portney shows off a Chewbacca bandolier strap. Now, this is a boxed bandolier strap. Always wanted one as a kid. Now, I know that a lot of people really don't rate this at all um, due for a variety of reasons and functionality, which we'll come on to, I'm sure, later on. But I looked at this and and not only did I think, oh, that's that's wonderful. He just showed it off um, before the passing of, of Peter Mayhew. But the box itself is this is stunning. I've never seen this before. It's a Canadian one. Rare as hen's teeth. La bandelier de Chewbacca um, in French right at the top of the box and Chewbacca bandolier strap, uh, quite clearly in, in English, uh, on the front. So the buy logo there, as we're used to on the on the Canadian carded figures, but a really, really lovely example. And uh, so I started looking into these, and um, but before I wanted to go into it, and you know, 
the bandolier strap has has a bit of a bad rap you know before i go to you guys and, and i always do you know I'm, I'm i'm gonna go and i'm sure this was ron's doing i'm sure this definitely sort of sounds like ron's sort of style because when you go onto star wars collector's archive it says uh, description the chewbacca bandolier strap was like an open invitation to a beatdown just wear it outside with all your favourite Star Wars figures clipped to it and watch the bullies from miles around come running just for the chance to smack you. <laughs> um, okay, was it really that bad? Was it, was I really so out of touch? Because as a kid, I remember seeing these. My friend, as I've said in the past, Simon Elia, pretty sure he had one. Um, and he goes on to say, in all seriousness, I don't think many of these things were sold at retail. It's an idea that probably looked really good on paper, but in reality, it's just a really lame toy. To this day, it's fairly easy to find an unused packaged condition. Those looking for a loose example should be aware it came with two of those blue accessory boxes. So, yeah, whoever wrote the uh, Star Wars Collector's Archive for the uh, Chewbacca Bandolier strap, maybe not so much of a fan. And uh, I think that sort of tongue-in-cheek comment was probably penned by Ron. But I'm going to come to you guys now because I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, I I can really picture that. I love it. Maybe it's to do with the fact that very much like the uh, Rebel Transport, I quite like the practicality of these toys and I I like a carry case in general. But am I totally off? Chewbacca Bandolier Strap, talk to me about it. Well, it's nice. It's a great little yeah, idea. I think I don't. I don't remember them from when I was young, and I know I've mentioned my my job lot from school, yeah. where I got like this funny strap thing, which I didn't know what it was to be honest with you, but it had those little blue compartments in it, um, which I thought must have just been sold just for like weapon holders. But it was it was only probably six seven years ago that they properly came to my. You know, I've seen the images on car backs and stuff, but never really taken much notice of them. Yeah, I think boxed. I, I bought the one from the Big Pick. Um, it's a sealed box, so I don't yeah. know what the foam's like inside, but I think it displays lovely in its box and is a, a really nice item. Mm. We should all get a ropey loose one and just wear I've it around it. us. And, uh, you know, when we go to conventions and things, yeah. Okay, talk the, Jez, talk. I'll tell you what, I've got a ropey loose one and you will wear it at the next convention. <laughs> oh, mate, that's a deal. <laughs> and talk, talk on the loose ones, Jez. Uh, I remember wanting this as a child, yeah. but you see, because I was a bit clumsy, it was seen. It was deemed an, an unnecessary purchase, and uh, I think we just made one out of a belt, oh. which is probably much better actually, because uh, because yeah, I would have broken it. I would have just broken it. Those sort of things I would break because yeah. they just I would sit on it or something or other, being a big child. Um, I would have just yeah, I would just snap the crap out of it. It would have been a disaster, and. It, I can remember, I can remember, almost remember the kind of discussion of, oh, I really want that. And uh, mom, or, well, I assume it a bit of the mom going, look, you know, it's not, it, it, you know, you can make that out of, you know, cardboard and, and a belt. And, you know, this is just un- an unnecessary item. So I've always been a bit kind of adverse to it, really, even though I don't reckon it would probably even go on my neck, would it? <laughs> now, of course. Well, Jez, I have to say that it's no surprise to me whatsoever that you like this. Um, the guy who could dress up as the entire, you know, village people from stuff that he has in his own wardrobe and not needing to go to a shop. I think this is the one item that I have in my collection, and I, I agree with you. 
looks better in the box. Mm. I have absolutely no intention whatsoever of taking it out of the box. Mm. I think I paid 12 quid for mine. The box is in fantastic condition. I have had the item out and shoved it straight back in just because I wanted to have a look at it. The foam was starting to deteriorate. I haven't opened it in five years, so God knows what state it is now. But no, it's just, it was a ridiculous idea, poor design, and I just I can't. I just don't even know what they were thinking. I do not know what they were thinking. Rich? So my mom, my, my mom was right then. It was a complete waste of time. Spot on to her. <laughs> Well, Rich, it, you just say you opened a sealed box to have a look at it. No, it, it was bought sealed at one end, but not sealed at the other end. Yeah, mine's totally sealed. I'd love to open it and have a little fiddle. So, sorry, there's so many things. There's so many inputs. Now, going to yours first of all, Stu. So you've got your boxed one and one other. Is that right? I've got a loose one knocking around the garage, yeah. which came in... Um, came in a job lot and it still had the foam attached to it and it had gone yeah. manky so I, I cleaned the foam off it but yeah without the foam it, it just it's just you know it's a very strange it just looks like yeah. a, an old bag belt kind of thing right okay so that's that now i'm going to go back to the peter's point where you know your parents were very your upbringing and very very practical and uh, very much like my own and oh no no you, I'm not, we're not going to do that uh, we'll make one and uh, yeah, oh, I'd love to have seen that. That would have been brilliant. And uh, no, I, I completely understand that. But the biggest point I want to come to, Rich, I think apart from the uh, jokes at my expense about my fashion sense, stand fast, any jokes to counter that on what you were wearing at celebrations, your point about this is one of the ones which is best in the box. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, Rich. Agreed, to you. You're absolutely right. You know me that I generally go for vehicles which aren't in the box you know i wasn't interested in a boxed skiff and anything else I, I think these toys do look great outside of the box on display on display stands and i think ian sanderson will be very hard pressed to come up with a stand which was uh, which cost less than the actual bandolier strap itself which would demonstrate this being used yeah you're absolutely right i think i'd love to have one of these in a box and um, yeah, I think it's the only way to really, really show this. But this uh, this Canadian one looks something else. The box itself displays great. It is it, interesting their choice of uh, their choice of figures on the front. So, as we know, the bandolier strap holds ten figures, and they were really, really pushing the whole Return of a Jedi line because this came out Return of a Jedi eighty three. They do have a Han, what's that there? Han Bespin, and a C three PO. The rest of them, apart from Chewie and Darth, are all, all Return of a Jedi line. But, uh, yeah, yeah, really great. Now, you'd said about them being pretty poor. Pretty poor is, is a, you know, is a toy for, for kids. Now, opinions are divided on this because I was having a little look. And, uh, and you were talking about the foam, Stu, and, and maybe more on that later on. But on Rebel Scum... There was a comment by a chap who went by the name, don't know if he's still around, Sea Donkey in December 2015. It always really surprises me how people come up with some of these names. But Sea Donkey, ooh, is that, is that a bit like Seahawks? I don't know. Sea Donkey in December 2015. He put, in my opinion, the phone was worthless in 1983. My strap went straight into storage after Chewie fell out 
I wasn't risking another casualty traumatic for a six-year-old. Fortunately, my aunt found him in her gravel driveway and I still have him in my old collection. So even in 83, these things were pretty ropey at holding on to figures. So um, yeah, as you said, the, um, the foam has deteriorated massively over the time. But when I say opinion is divided, so this is someone say that these were pretty useless in 1983. Go on good old starwars.com and they rave about it. They don't need to, do they? Because they've still got no sort of vested interest in this. They're not still getting any money from Kenner or anything. With roughly a hundred different figures in Kenner's vintage Star Wars collection, it was only natural that they'd release a few action figure carrying cases. The most functional of them looked like briefcases containing simple plastic trays to hold all of your Luke and Leas. A step beyond were the cases shaped like the busts of Darth Vader and C-3PO, which flipped open to reveal storage spaces for up to 40 Star Wars figures. So, nothing that we don't know. And then we had this one, the Chewbacca bandolier strap. It didn't hold nearly as many figures as traditional cases, nor was it very good at protecting anything. In truth, those aspects were immaterial. Kids didn't want this thing because it kept their collections tidy. They wanted it because it made them look like Chewbacca. So there we go. You put on this strap and straight away you look like Chewbacca. Don't worry. Don't worry about the height. Don't worry about the lack of fur or anything like that. <laughs> they go on, they, they've written a whole page. StarWars.com have written a whole page about, about this. And... Um, they say with only 10 slots, kids had to be really careful about their selections. Many fans had dozens of Star Wars figures, so filling up the bandolier was one way to determine which were truly their favourites. Boba Fett was a shoo-in, but I doubt that guys like Nikto or the Cloud Car Pilot too often made the cut. He said, in a neat touch, the toy also came with the two blue boxes, which snapped open to hold all of your figures' weapons and accessories. And uh, yeah, they, they go on and they are waxing lyrical about how great this thing is. And uh, But they do say right at the end, uh, P.S. Don't try to fit a Gamorrean guard on this thing. So there we go. Um, so uh, I just um, yeah, I'm just I'm just sitting here with it. OK. Hmm. Oh, right, and I've, yeah. I've just I've just turned it around to the back. OK, so yeah. all the packaging to me, whatever Star Wars you've bought in the past, hmm. it normally advertises other toys. But this packaging doesn't. And mm. it's a bit of a waste. If you look at the back of it, you've got a massive picture of the boy, which looks a little bit like a young Jez. Yeah. yeah. His um, T-shirt and his trousers pulled up to his nipples. <laughs> and then you've got this big image of Chewbacca. And then you've got the three things that, that this belt can do for you. And then to the left, which is what, three, four inches wide? Yeah. You've got the Return of the Jedi logo, Chewbacca band land strip, and then just a massive black area where they could have advertised... Some of the toys, like they do on so many other things, bit of a wasted space. I'm yeah. quite surprised there's nothing else pushing anything. But um, yeah, just very weird. Does look a bit like you, doesn't he? Looks really chuffed. <laughs> Maybe that was it. Maybe as a child, I was like, oh, that could be me. That could be me. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, right, I'm going to go. So, Pete, market info on these, because actually I saw one of these sealed go on Vexus on, on the very latest Vexus sale. But do you have much market info on this? Well, it's nothing on Star Wars Tracker, because it's not a, a ship or a vehicle or a figure or anything. So it doesn't get covered. But um, I had a quick look at the but there's, there's plenty of it. 
Yeah. Um, there's plenty of it, of loads of it. Yeah, was, there, there was there was someone trying to get. I'm assuming it was the, the Canadian one, all sealed and it's you know greed and everything. It's like 300 quid, but no one's touching it. But it seems to be you can get it in a box about 60 quid if it's in good condition. You know, yeah, it was all there. I'm assuming the foam's all gone. Um, loose, ending up to about 20 quid. Um, I mean, there was there was. It, I mean, nothing spectacular. Um, those little blue boxes, um, they were going for like you know up to about you know, between five and ten pounds. And what was quite amusing was, I mean, so, so you can you can get one of these in a box, you know, um, loose for about twenty odd quid, and then you've got that scumbag repro maker, the one that does the yeah. you know, and he's ch- he wants thirty quid for just the box. It's like, eh, you know, come on, get over yourselves, you freaks. You can get a vintage one for cheaper than the repro one. What's the point of that? You, oh my good, how embarrassing. But yeah, those those are the prices. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I mean, it's not uh, it's not an expensive collectible unless you want an absolute minty minty mint on a mint minty mint mint box. Then mm-hmm. fine. But uh, I don't think you're going to find that. I, I, would, I assume it's probably quite a, a well played with toy. I'd imagine. Well, thanks for that, dude. I, I couldn't believe it when I was looking for these Canadian ones because there's hardly anything out there. I, I couldn't see anything about the Canadian version on Stoll's Collector's Archive. Um, I, I couldn't see really anything at all. There, there nothing um, on Instagram, nothing, nothing really jumped out. And you wouldn't believe it. When I went into eBay and did a, a, a search for Canada or, or Canadian bandelier strap, one finished three days ago. All right. <laughs> I, uh, there's none of these available and one had finished three days ago a boxed one it was a little bit beat up the, the box itself was in not the best of conditions but it was still quite clearly the canadian one 27.99 plus postage the postage was about six seven quid 14 bids on it uh beautiful uh the list and even said vintage star wars chewbacca bandolier strap complete rare canadian version Bandelier is complete, very good condition. All the figure holders still have the original foam inserts, which is remarkable for its age, as these uh, disintegrated very easily. The two blue weapon boxes also, it's very good condition with stickers still applied. The very rare French-Canadian box does have some issues with tears at both ends and some tape damage to the front. Please see all photos, blah, blah, blah. And uh, this was shipped in the UK and uh, for $27.99. So... It's just not one of those things on everyone's radar, is it? No. I mean, how many how many times do we ever mention the bandolier strap unless it's in like a quiz question or something? It's just, I mean, it's I haven't even thought about it to be fair. It's just one of those yeah. things like, oh yeah, bandolier yeah. strap would have had one, but Mom said no. But apart from that, not bitter at all. Yeah. So Stu, with regards to the actual design, the functionality, you've already spoken about the box quite a bit and the lack of uh, the lack of decent detail on the box, but. Um, yeah, how, how else did these sort of work, mate? Can you describe in any more detail, or I would delete all of that? Oh, I think we've pretty much covered it, mate. Yeah. Uh, it just says on the back, we're over your shoulders and connect the straps. Comes with two pouches for accessories and secret messages. Mm. So you could write secret messages with um, your made, make-believe friend that you always make up, Jess. <laughs> um, Gary Riley, whatever his name is. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, what's his name? Simon Hillier. One Simon Hillier, yeah. Simon Hillier, and yeah. Ian Thomas from uh, Longwell Green in Bristol. One day we'll, uh, yeah, get back yeah. to childhood memories. Action figures snap in easily. That that is all it advertises on it. Mm. Yeah, that kid does look. I can imagine me as yeah, seven years old 
<laughs> wanted to be Chewbacca. But, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, Cheers, um, on that picture, um, yeah. I, I do find it quite amusing that you've got the lad and his, you know, with his bandolier strap, and then a picture of Chewbacca, yeah. you know, and he's, they're exactly the same. <laughs> they're exactly the same. You wouldn't know, just for guy, guide, you know, you know <laughs> um, a scene kind of guide thing to the picture. Yes, it's exactly the same. He now looks just like Chewbacca with the bandolier strap on. Yeah. Amazing. The designer of the bandolier straps rest easy. His, uh, yeah, that was it. Put it on, instant Chewbacca. I'm gonna put these on you. Okay, on uh, you, you put those on. Don't worry, Chewie. I think I know what he has in mind. Yeah, Rich, mate. How else was this release? Have you got anything else to add with regards to you know where it was available and stuff? Because I, I found it quite difficult to get hold of some information. Yeah, this wasn't the easiest question that I've had from you, Jess, on all of these, because usually for these kind of items, I can just go straight to project outside the box a tig or one of the old rebel scum threads or something like that yeah and i spent a lot of time on this one and i didn't come up with much at all so it it first appeared on the kenna 65 back and that was advertising it coming to retail soon so obviously we know and expected to be released in kenna usa you've already said there that there was a kenna canada one as well now on the paratoy 65 back it was available as a special offer for five nameplates plus £3.50. But a lot of people think it was never actually sold in stores. And there was there's lots and lots going on stores from UK and uh, people like Craig Stevens and people like that have asked questions. Has anybody ever seen this in retail? And nobody has nobody actually confirmed it. It sort of just peters out. So possibility that it was never actually in stores in, U- in the UK and you could only get it through the special offers for five nameplates. Mm. But I believe that they were all the Kenner ones and there weren't any Palatoy branded Chewbacca bandolier straps. I certainly, right. couldn't find any, I certainly couldn't find any on Jason Smith's website or anything. But I did find a Clipper wraparound sticker offering it yes. also for 12 nameplates. So in the UK it was five nameplates £3.50, but for Clipper, it was 12 nameplates. So I thought, right, okay, if it was available in Palatoy UK, if there was a Clipper wraparound, surely it's a McConnell one as well. But I have hunted left, right and centre. I can't find an image. I can't find anything on McConnell. So it wasn't the easiest one to search for as well, unless you can think of anything that I missed. No, mate. I um, I found the, the Kenner, uh, the Clipper one. And I think it's on Star Wars Collector's Archive. There's an image there of the, the mailer box with a Kenner tape around it. And it looks like a Kenner slash Airfix. And uh, so it's, yeah, Kenner and Airfix combined tape. And it says uh, Clipper on it. And it's interesting because on the uh, the Clipper cards, which you see, which have got this, the, the wraparounds, the label, you know, you get a small label on the front. And it's it's in French and Dutch. And then it's got the offer on the reverse. So when you see the clipper cards with the uh, sticker on the front, it says free offers, see overleaf in French. And it says free premiums, see reverse in Dutch. And uh, yes, so that was why you were able to get the uh, the, the mailaways. Uh, but that was that. Yeah, nothing, nothing else seen on that at all. Yeah, it's just a dead animal, Chewy. Chewy, you ain't wake up! Nice work. 
So we've, you know, we, we, we've seen this bandolier strap. Now, you know, I, I thought it looked good. The, the kid is smiley and, and happy and stuff like that. I mean, you know, to me, Stu, you like it. You, you even said you think I need to wear one at celebration or, or the next sort of convention we go to. Pete, you can use your imagination and, and we can all make our own, can't we? These, these are fantastic. You, you can have some sort of swag Chewbacca bandolier strap. That would be awesome. Rich, you know, you you also like it and think it's, it's better in the box and stuff. But how could you how could you improve this? You know, we we, we seek perfection as uh, as these uh, Kenner engineers do. So how, how could we improve on this? Chewbacca bandolier strap. Now, interestingly, I'm going to go straight to Peter because he's got some sort of, you know, flair, imagination, design, and all that sort of stuff. Pete, what would you do to the Chewbacca bandolier strap to make it even more incredible? I would make it look just like the bandolier strap rather than not looking like the bandolier strap because it doesn't look <laughs> anything like the bandolier strap. It looks like a bunch of figures on a belt. That's what it looks like. It's actually ridiculous. So I would first start with making it look like something that's a bit of costume because it's shocking. Yeah. I mean, is it true? I mean, Rich, we, you know, we're, we're from various parts of the UK, but it, it's, um, you know, if there's going to be a glass in or a punch up any, in near anyone's house right now, it's going to be near yours. Let's face it. If someone was to wear this Chewbacca bandolier strap with toys, with figures on, in your area in 1983, would they have got been up? Well, obviously you're talking to the guy who lives near where Billy Elliot was, you know, made. And, and Billy Elliot's kind of like an exaggerated thing, you know. It wasn't just ballet. You would get beaten up if you read a book. You get beaten up if you didn't have, you know, if you didn't play football. You get, I mean, just, just as well you were down there because you wouldn't have lived past seven. But... Honestly, um, yes, if I had went outside or if anybody had went outside wearing one of those, you, you wouldn't have come back alive. You'd have been skinned. Wow. So you, so you wouldn't have worn this in school then? I wouldn't have worn it in the house. I would have got this. <laughs> I, I remember wearing a Ghostbusters 2 t-shirt and, and I, I got me, me dad gives the lickings of a dog. You know, I was just... I had big to dog, he, he, sorry, he did what to a dog? No, <laughs> give us the lickings of a dog. You know, it was just kind of it wasn't a done thing in the north. You had to grow up fast. It was tough. Okay, brilliant. Um, I got all of that. Anyone else got any idea what he means by he gave me the lickings of a dog? No. 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 He can, can he actually explain it? Because I don't think many listeners. I don't. I'm not being funny, Richard. I don't actually understand what you mean. <laughs> right. Be okay. dog. Yeah. Okay. So if you wore that in the house, you you right. Okay. Yeah. Lickings of a dog. I'd never heard that before. I'll, I'll, I'll delete all that. <laughs> Lickings of a dog. Okay, then. Right, so your improvement. Uh, Pete's improvement would have been to actually make it look like a Chewbacca bandolier strap. Your improvement would have um, had it come with a cloak of invisibility or something like that. Should we go with that? Yeah, I mean, even even if I wore Pete's with, you know, just say it was silver, if it was silver cartridges and the figures were in, hidden inside the silver cartridges, still wouldn't have worn it. You still would have got beaten up. I remember somebody getting beaten up for wearing braces. <laughs> yeah, I just had to. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Oh, pulled because he came with screw on to with braces on. Yeah. I don't know what Americans call braces. Do they call it braces? Them things that you hold your trousers up and they go up over your shoulders? Suspenders? 
Explain um, those problems. No, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember that quite vividly. Yeah. So when you wore suspenders then, Rich, you, you just wore suspenders in the privacy of your own home? Is that right? <laughs> oh, never wore them at all. You've never worn suspenders? No. Nope. Not even as a treat? No. Nope. <laughs> you strike me as a guy who you know, can just hang loose with suspenders and stuff. I've he got one on now. Wears, he definitely wears suspenders under his school trousers. Of course he does. Coming for the Julian Clavey fan club too, there. <laughs> so I mean, I've, I've got mine on now. I don't see the problem with it. <laughs> and Stu, what would you do to improve on this uh, wonderful, wonderful Chewbacca bandolier strap? I think it's fine as it is. I don't think everything needs to be improved all the time. I, I, th- I think it's a lovely thing as it is. And if you live in a neighbourhood, they're going to beat you up because you've got a funky toy. Then you know, perhaps need to look at your neighbourhood. Not at what you're wearing. You know, Rich? I'm surprised you don't get beaten up now, if that's your case. But I think he probably does, what? the way he speaks. Never, <laughs> he's never spoken for two hours, and then when he does chime in, it's an attack at me. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love it. I I don't know. I, I think, I think I think you're right. I think I desperately wanted it, but actually maybe if I had worn it, I might have felt a little bit self-conscious, a little bit like a Wally. I think, you know, maybe one of the blue boxes could have been a Wookiee Roar. Don't you think? You know, we've got the ability to add sounds and stuff. Imagine doing that, putting your figures in, then you go, that would have been, that would have been the business. Or, you know, Chewie gets out of here. Oh, that would have been great. You can't so, get hardly any of the figures in there. I mean, a Manaman Manaman's not fitting in there, is he? Well, Manaman Manaman wasn't even considered when they brought this out. Well, you know, to the Jedi, you know, it's, they should have been way ahead of the game. <laughs> some of those figures ain't going to fit in there. I mean, yeah. R2-D2, is he going to fit in there? Dear Kenner, I was trying to insert <laughs> my hand carbonite with carbonite block. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what was if you've only got that figure? Yes. I was installing my power droid and it was ruining my foam. Exactly. Shocking, that is. They've only gone for the, the normal-looking figures. That's that's just that's some kind of prejudice, I think, there. Action figures? It didn't hold my rancor. Yes, so, yeah, you know, you have to make exceptions to these things, Peter. That's just that's not good enough. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Found him in a junk pile. Oh, what a mess. Chewie, you think you can repair him? Lando's got people that can fix him. No, thanks. So, um, yeah, there we go. Right, here's one for you then. Right, put a cat amongst the pigeons now. So the foam, the foam deteriorates, yeah? Um, is it acceptable to replace the foam? I would say no on this one because our, our classes were different as the Dagobah Swamp. Okay. So for the Dagobah Swamp, I would say yes mm. because aesthetically it does something. Yeah. But I think for the Chewbacca Bandier strap, aesthetically it does nothing. Ooh. But I would do what Stu has suggested, I think, that if it was starting to break down and started to go, it goes quite sticky and clumpy yeah. and I'd be worried about the damage that that could cause. So I think for the for the sake of saving it, I think scraping it away and cleaning it is acceptable. Right. 
you see if there was a really franked version which had no foam on whatsoever and for me it was just going to be a little bit of you know fun possibly just taking it to a convention to still celebrate it and use it as it wanted to be used not to sell on or anything like that you know you could just re-put some or, or put some foam in there give it a treat you know give an overhaul give the old girl an overhaul and then use it as a sort of you know bit of swag bit of fun figure collecting thing and celebration because i think if you could wear it anywhere you could wear it in celebration and not get beaten up so Stu, you know i love all of you guys and i think richard really wants to wear one of these things so i'm really touched by your kind offer but what I'd like to do is extend the hand of friendship and let's say, let's let's give that bandolier strap to Rich and then Rich can wear it at the next celebration, at the next convention, surrounded by like-minded nerds and no one's going to beat you up, Rich. Have the confidence, but, have the confidence to do it and know that you're, you're safe in a, in a safe environment. You can push the boundaries, you know, you can wear your suspenders and you and you can wear this bandolier strap with pride. What, what do you I, think? I, I think you didn't take a breath here for about ten minutes while you're so warbling on. I think it's a fair point, though. I mean, you've said extend. I think that's the reason why Stu wants rid of it because it doesn't extend, and you probably need four of these to to to, to get around them. But no, I, I, just, I don't know. I think I would just be. Uh, now nah, I, I I don't think anybody would look and go, oh look, he's wearing a Chewbacca bandolier strap. No, wouldn't happen. It might distract everyone from looking at your suspenders. Um, what? I, I don't know. I just think you should give it a go. You, you live vicariously. Just go for, go for it, Rich. You came nothing. You're braver than I thought. Nice. Come on. I don't think he's going to go for it, Stu. It is. It's bloody told. <laughs> and that's the end of the show. That looks so golden holds up to 40 Star Wars action figures like New Squidhead and Emperor's Royal Guard, each sold separately. And besides the new C3PO collector's case, there's a new Chewbacca bandolier strap, which over your shoulder for play and holds 10 action figures securely, like new Princess Leia Organic and Reese, each sold separately. It even has pouches. New C3PO collector's case, Chewbacca bandolier strap, and action figures, each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi collection. So, um, yeah, brilliant. I want one definitely want one in the box of all the things which i'm going to have i've, I've got nothing on display boxed wise but i'm going to get one of these and um yeah going to get one going to have it boxed it's going to be displayed it's going to look lovely and uh yeah that'll look great i like the idea of us all having them at a celebration like you know th there is one thing for people to look out for that that recent canadian one which was sold it was going on about how the uh, all the foam was there and it was great unlike others which had deteriorated there is a thing now where people are, I've seen it, I've seen various different things online where people have been completely stripping this out and putting in brand new foam. Whether or not that is or isn't, you know, within the the, the sort of realms of what's acceptable to you. However, it's just one thing to be wary of now that if, if something sounds too good to be true online, it may well be. And, uh, and you may well be um, accidentally picking up one which has got some brand new or some replacement foam. So definitely something to look out for. But yeah, I, I absolutely love this. We've uh, we've had a little bit of chat. You know, we've spoken about some Chewbacca items. But what we're going to do, I think, you know, we're, we're going to go over and we'll, we'll see the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance and see if they've got any extra tidbits for us on Chewbacca items. 
You are part of the Rebel Alliance. Hi everyone, this is Ron Salvatore for the Vintage Rebellion Alliance. This month, the lads requested that I talk about the Chewbacca Bandolier Strap. See, now that we hung out in Chicago, I get to call them lads. Who knows, in the next episode, I might even say blokes. I might even start dancing around and singing in a horrible Cockney accent like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. You never know what might happen. Anyway, the lads asked me to talk about the Chewbacca Bandolier Strap. I told them there's nothing to say about the Chewbacca Bandolier Strap because it's garbage. It's the E.T. Atari game of Star Wars toys. It's a horrible, detestable thing. But I suppose we can use this horrible Kenner product as a jumping off point for a discussion about carrying cases in general. Because what is the Chewbacca Bandolier Strap if not a kind of carrying case? Okay, it's also a sign of extremely low self-esteem, particularly if you wear it. But it's still a freaking carrying case. The first carrying case released by Kenner was to my mind the most perfect. The mini action figure collector's case was a simple vinyl box with an integrated lid and handle that held up to 24 action figures. I call it the vinyl carrying case. It was released in 1979 when 21 figures were available, so it comfortably accommodated the full range of figures at the time plus a few extras. The extras were probably stormtroopers, because who doesn't want a few extra stormtroopers? Where cases go, what more could you ask for? Well, if you flipped over the plastic trays that came packaged with the product, you'd find pegs on which your figures could be stood. And while I don't know exactly why you'd want to pose your figures on a tray, Kenner's thoughtfulness in providing those pegs certainly counts for something. They really did care. The vinyl case was so good that it was knocked off. There were probably a dozen or more unlicensed vinyl cases designed to be used with Star Wars figures. The most famous is probably the one bearing the title Space Case. Maybe you were unlucky enough to have one as a kid. You can read about these knockoffs on the SWCA blog. There was a post about them uh, by my friend Jason Thomas, so check that out if you get a chance. So popular was the vinyl carrying case that Kenner kept it in production through 1983, by which point it had been revised with new artwork on three occasions, twice with Empire Strikes Back themed artwork and once with art drawn from Return of the Jedi. The problem, of course, was space. The case was never expanded to hold more than those 24 figures. And as everyone who's listening to this probably knows, by 1980 the line contained more than 24 figures. In 1980, this problem was solved, at least temporarily, with the release of the iconic, if somewhat untrustworthy, Darth Vader collector's case. More on that in a bit. But Darth Vader case or no Darth Vader case, we know that Kenner toyed with the idea of expanding the vinyl carrying case because two prototypes survive, both of which point to the development of a larger iteration of the product. One was designed to hold 36 figures, the other 48 figures. In the case of the 36-figure design, uh, the case would have utilized three 12-figure trays, each stacked on top of the other. The 48-figure model, on the other hand, made do with two stacks of two trays, meaning the area of the front panel, along with its accompanying artwork, would have had to been expanded considerably. Unfortunately, neither of these cases was made. Uh, if you're interested in seeing prototypes of them, you can find them on the Star Wars Collector's Ar Archive. Uh, they're on there somewhere, I promise. Just keep looking, you'll find them eventually. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Vader Collector's case was Kenner's answer to the problem of the line outgrowing the case. The Vader case held a whopping 31 figures, meaning it was outdated once Yoda, the 32nd figure in the line, hit store shelves. But at least it held more than 24. I use the word held lightly, as the figures had a tendency to fall out of the compartments molded into the case interior. As soon as you tried to close it, the figures would fall out. But it looked cool, so who cares? Toys are a lot like marriages. It's always best to pick the best-looking one, even if she doesn't work properly. The C-3PO collector's case was like the Vader model, only bigger. It held 40 figures. 
which by 1983 was a mere 25 or so fewer than were available. Obviously, by this point in time, Kenner had given up on the idea of providing a case that could hold all of the figures. The dream was gone, abandoned, like Solo, a Star Wars story after its opening weekend. So perhaps the Chewbacca bandolier strap was a kind of admission that, you know what, a carrying case only needs to hold some figures, your favorite figures. After all, if you're visiting your friend to play Star Wars, you're not bringing along General frickin' Maydine. You're going to leave him where he belongs, at home, under the bed with the dust bunnies and your stepmom's thigh master. To that end, the bandolier strap held ten figures. It also included two little boxes to hold accessories. In some ways, the bandolier strap reminds me of some of the toys that Kenner conceptualized for use with their Power of the Force line of coins. Things like a launcher that allowed you to shoot coins from your wrists like Spider-Man. Uh, it was small, it was wearable, and it encouraged role-playing. Of course, the role was that of the biggest dork on the block, but then you're good at that. The final carrying case that Kenner released was the laser rifle carrying case, which held a mere 19 figures. That's fewer even than the original case held, the original vinyl case, I should say. Interestingly, Kenner later used this case to mock up a prototype rifle for their Robocop line of products. You can see photos of that on the SWCA. Although Kenner had plans to release the laser rifle carrying case in the Power of the Force line and the C-3PO case in the droids line, it just wasn't meant to be. Those items exist in prototype form only. As for the Chewbacca bandolier strap, it was abandoned, uh, as it should have been. So there ends this look at vintage carrying cases, which is really just a long-winded way of saying that the, that the Chewbacca carrying case is lame. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll talk to you soon. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you once again for coming on our show. So there we go, guys. The end of the newest acquisitions. Quite a quick canter through various different things. We've seen some lovely things being purchased. We've seen some incredible things being purchased, but some lovely, um, and in particular, for Adam Pemberton. Really, really lovely uh, model trim there. And uh, congratulations. That's awesome. It's been nice looking at some Chewbacca bits. I wonder if we'll get any feedback on people's thoughts or people's knowledge on why the artwork on some of these uh, Carter figures was changed. Is it because they wanted to make them less aggressive, more cuddly looking, remove the weapons and just uh, try and be a little bit more appealing? Who knows? That'll be interesting to find out. And, uh, and what are your thoughts on the Chewbacca bandolier strap? Do you think Richard should be wearing suspenders? And uh, the Chewbacca bandolier strap at the next convention. Listen to me, Chewie! Chewie, this won't help me! Hey! Save your strength. There'll be another time. The princess, you have to take care of her. You hear me?
beyond the newest acquisitions. Now, it's Chewbacca. There's tons of Chewbacca items. I mean, uh, Jez doesn't even have to look in a book. He can just pluck 15 items oh, out yeah. of his head. Just just like that. What am I going to do? Because I don't want to just pick, you know, oh, it's a Chewbacca on the front of a book kind of thing. Let's go and find some crazy stuff. So I went down the SWCA route, as you would imagine. I went through all sorts of stuff trying to find some. And there was more bonkers Chewbacca items than I thought there would be. So let's kick off with Chewbacca furry slippers. Now, when I saw this on the list, I thought, ah, it would just be a pair of, um, you know, normal furry kind of slippers, you know, as, as everyone would, would expect. You know, there'd be like Chewbacca's feet, probably. No, no, this is the stuff of nightmares. This is the stuff of nightmares. If you've ever seen the film The Thing, you could easily, easily have this in that movie. So to to explain what these things look like, and they really are things, it's a kind of um, slightly sort of ankle sock furry slipper. But no, let's make it even more Chewbacca by slicing the head off a what looks to be a 12-inch Chewbacca toy and uh, um, sticking them onto the toe. Now, I can't quite see, guys, whether this is an official item. I mean, there's no there's no uh, licensing um, company or anything, so I'm assuming it might have been a one-off or maybe a supermarket kind of idea that, that didn't go very far because it looks horrific. Like, can someone just describe... Jess, you're, it looks a little bit like you, to be fair. It's kind of got a baldy heed. Rich, just, uh, just, just allay my fears of this, this kind of wretched horror of a of a slipper it, it it shouldn't be allowed out at night should it no so yeah well yeah i don't know if, i don't i don't I'm not quite sure how big these are because they, they look more like um booties for babies than, than actual slippers but they're, they're they're like furry shoes with um you know star wars on the side and uh, the brown brown fur and uh brown stretchy material around the ankle uh, they're not together, but I'm guessing that's just because that's how they were hung. And they have um, a Chewbacca head on each. And I, I like your thinking of it being the 12-inch uh, Chewbacca doll's head that's cut off. That's pretty <laughs> pretty accurate, but obviously it, it isn't that. It's, a, it's an entirely different sculpt. But uh, I think what's pretty scary is, is the, the demonic eyes of the Chewbacca. So if you, hold, if you hold your hand over the image and just see the eyes, it's actually quite scary. But then when you do it the other way around and just show the mouth, that's that's even creepier still. Um, why why it has human teeth and a mouth wide open is really bizarre. Yeah, it does a good call. It does have human teeth. It has wonderful eyelashes. I mean, yeah. you know, Chewbacca's really gone to town there, looking like we talked about earlier, Farrah Fawcett hair. Now gorgeous lashes. Maybe they thought Chewbacca was female, I don't know, but... Uh, very odd little item but yeah now you said that they do look like little booties for little kids don't they because they're not exactly and the fact they're tied together you would you would normally get like little booties like that for, for little kids little babies but that would terrify the monkeys out of you that would that is just a oh absolute horror show but beautiful at the same time so let's move on if we've had slippers like that then mittens they could be wonderfully furry but um, no, they weren't. It's quite disappointing, really. They were just kind of um, blue, <laughs> blue with Chewbacca on the word Chewbacca under a picture of Chewbacca. And uh, yeah, I was quite disappointed with that, actually. Um, very, very sad. And that was from the Sales Corporation of America. Yeah, real understated item. Well, yeah, they're real Mr. Trick there. Just a normal pair of mittens with Chewbacca on. I want you to look back at the Chewbacca <laughs> image again. 
is that not everybody's depiction of Bigfoot? Yeah, um, but do you notice something about his foot, his back foot? Uh, it's about uh, eight foot long. It is about eight foot long. It's kind of gone a little bit long. They didn't kind of get the image quite right. I can't kind of work out whether he's kind of smiling very gaily. His big foot with a... I can't quite make out whether whether he's got his gun in his hands or it's just they've just gone and thought, ooh, let's not, not put a gun there. Do you notice that it's not prominent? I don't even think the gun's in his hands, is it? No, yeah. there's no gun there. And uh, the bandolier strap seems to stop at his hands and not continue. Yeah, where's that, where's that going? It looks more just like a, it's just been hung over his shoulder rather than actual strap to his body. But uh, that might just be bad art. But yeah, his back foot, he's definitely big foot there because his back foot is an enormous foot. I mean, it must be two feet long, that foot. It's massive. But yeah, a disappointing one, though. But I thought I'd bring it up just because of the lack of fur on a Chewbacca mitten. But there we go. Now, this is one I really want to get to because I thought this was, this was rather spectacular in many, many ways. Now, we've, we've, we've talked about um, the latch hook rugs before. I think we covered a Darth Vader a long time ago. I wanted to cover this just for a couple of bizarre reasons. Well, obviously, Lee Ward's always worth it. Um, but there was a, uh, a little bit of a of a weirdness in the design of the pack. Now, if you look at the actual package itself, you've you've got the Hildebrandt kind of Star Wars logo. It's an Empire Strikes Back kit as such. The Chewbacca is a, a almost kind of a, like a slightly marvelled version of the um, original twelve back card artwork, a yeah, rug kit version of that, which is fine. But it's the Chewbacca picture that I really wanted to kind of very briefly mention. Jez, can you tell me what's going on with the Chewbacca picture? Where's it from? It's just a really unusual picture to use. When you think of all the pictures of Chewbacca, we've got, I I mean, Rich, do you go my theory that he's either repairing C-3PO or he's getting it back from the Ugnaught? It's like they've lost something crucial from that image by putting the rug critically in the way. When I first saw it, I thought it might have been um, from the chess game, but obviously that is a box that he's holding there. You can just see the edge of the box where yeah. he probably has C-3PO's head in the box. I think he does. Yeah. But it's just it, 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 it's a dreadfully put-together picture because you've got at the top, you've got this massive light at the top, and you can just make out the word Chewbacca <laughs> that's been put over the top of it. You're thinking, come on, guys, this that, that is a shocker. Just you know, it's a real mishmash. I mean, the fact that you you do have the the Hildebrandt logo and an Empire Strikes Back logo, and then they've kind of done a rather poor version of the uh, the racetrack around the main Chewbacca rug picture. Um, yeah, it's a, it, it's kind of like someone a bit of an afterthought, but I guess it's before Photoshop, so you know, bless them. But anyway, but yeah, the rug looks great. I, I still think, Jez, you really do need to buy one of these rugs one day and make it up for me, so I can okay. put it I'll put it in my uh, in my room. Uh, but yeah, it's just a just a nice little um nice little piece. But yeah, it's just the the bizarre artwork. Um, apparently, um, you don't see a lot of um, unopened ones of these, believe it or not. So there's obviously a lot of people making rugs in the prop store. You can actually have a piece of Chewbacca himself. So it comes in a little tiny kind of framed item with a picture of Chewbacca to make sure that it looks like it. An original piece of Chewbacca hair used in the production of the movie. This incredibly rare chewy hair is made up of many different strands of colour and brought in small rolls onto set every day to be applied when necessary to the Wookiee. So, you know, I think if you get down your local haberdashery, you can probably um, 
make up something quite similar. It comes with the original colour photograph of the character. Both items come in a custom frame display featuring a laser cut mount board with the film title. The hair comes directly from Stuart Freeborn, the legendary makeup and creature effects artist who created many of the famous characters in the original trilogy. So, I mean, it's it's a nice little piece. It's I mean, you can still buy it now um, for £375. So I wonder if we'll be seeing that increase in value in the next few years or a few more appear. But um, would you pay to spend £30 to own a piece of Chewbacca? Yeah, they did have, I think, I think they had two or three on their stand at in Chicago. So, but um, I would, yeah, yeah, do you know what? There was um, someone had sold some wicket fur yesterday <laughs> and I just missed it by literally five minutes. Simon had tagged me in it and I, I didn't get there in time. But um, I love things like that. I, I think they're brilliant. I, piece I of Chewy. Great a great job of framing them up as well so definitely something i would look at yeah little piece of chewbacca the picture's not the most flattering of chewbacca i have to say he's he's got one eye open and one eye closed bless him it's uh it's not a pretty sight almost if you could own a piece of a costume not a whole costume a piece of a costume like this what would it be richard it would have to be something empire related um i mean the obvious things are stormtrooper helmets baker scout helmets and things like that but if you're talking about a tiny, tiny piece, something that's really small, maybe the like a lens from Vader's mask or something like that. If you're gonna look at something really small, Lando cape. <laughs> oh, the whole cape! It's got yeah. the whole cape. Just, I just want to boss it with a cape. I just want to, you know, pimp daddy it. Just Lando cape. Mm, nice. I reckon. I reckon. I can already know what Stuart's is. Do you? What do you think it is? It's going to be a piece of an Ewok, let's face it. I would love Wicket's, um, Wicket's hood. I would really love to own Ula's net um, outfit thing she wore. Um, yeah, I, I would go with that. A little kind of dirty dancing outfit. A little dancing outfit. Yes, I bet you would. You know what I'd always wanted? I always feel fascinated by Princess Leia's belt. From the, mm. the white costume. I don't know why. It's always appealed to me, that belt. And I've seen it up close, and it's it's still good. So that's what I'd go for. But, but that will cost about a billion pounds. So that leads me to seeing what you guys have got. Now, there's tons of Chewbacca rhymes. Let's not go <laughs> on forever and ever and ever. So give Jez time to look through a book. No, um, I've start got with stuff. Let's start with Stuart. Okay, mate. Um, like you say, you, you could go with hundreds of things here. So yeah. I have chosen just just one um, when i say one i mean uh, one little range of something they did um, and it was made by uh, weingaroff in in the 70s i think 77 or 78 and these were the people that made the jewelry chewbacca was very prominent with the jewelry he was on a necklace he was on a bracelet first of all the display stand i've not seen properly it's like a the um, X-Wings flying up into the air with, like, names coming off them and little hooks. Oh, yeah. For the necklaces, I would love that. But, yeah, like I said, Chewbacca came on a uh, charm bracelet, a normal bracelet. He was on the earrings. He was on a ring. Oh, Stu, let, let me just interrupt you there. Um, on, on the ring, now, again, we've got the Chewbacca with a Farrah Fawcett hair. Now, you know, you would think a ring is mostly will be aimed at the more sort of female side of collecting deliberate maybe are we, are we seeing a trend here mm. but strange teeth and a beard but there we go it does look like a very 1990s man with a center party <laughs> and a bushy beard doesn't it i just love the jewelry i just think it's something i haven't 
bought any of yet, but I just find it quite fascinating. Um, the different pieces you can get. He's on a stick pin as well. Again, we don't speak about this sort of stuff. I know, I know, there's billions of bits of Star Wars out there, but they're actually quite, uh, actually quite weird looking. I mean, you think like figure collectors will be collecting this stuff because they are little, almost little models, especially the the kind of bracelet thing. Is you know, imagine carrying that around on your arm or on your wrist, you know, especially if you're a lady, um, because it's got a big chunk and great big R2, a big chunk and great big C3PO, and a big chunking Chewbacca with a lovely silver bandolier strap. So not, not exactly the most practical of items. I've got the charm bracelet with all six charms on it, so you can, you oh. can see this wonderful, wonderful uh, thing, because it is mental, the charm bracelet. Um, you can nice. keep your Pandoras, because this is, uh, this is what it's all about. It came with a... Uh, a stormtrooper helmet, which look at his look at the visor on the stormtrooper. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that stormtrooper looks doesn't look a stormtrooper at all, does it? It, it yeah. looks. I don't know what it looks like. And um, I would be surprised if Jez isn't wearing an X-wing charm bracelet by the end of the month if he's a Star Wars fan. What sort of prices those go for? Have you checked out the prices? I have no idea. The the Chewbacca necklace is just awesome. I, I do need to get involved. <laughs> I, that that display alone is just you've got a daughter you need to um you know you know get some stuff for later in life <laughs> yeah certainly some decent pieces there though i'll tell you what that that tobacco roast you, you, you shared with us that i mean you know even though it's a little bit cheesy it is beautifully done there's so much detail in it you know i mean they've, they've really gone with it i haven't just gone right brown making brown and put a few lines in them it looks like each individual little piece of hair has kind of been you know, sculpted and put some effort into it. It's actually a really nicely designed little piece. So, Rich, to give Jez a bit more time, uh, what have you come up with? I've got two items, and I know you like your um, models and things. Mm-hmm. Item one is a Polish bootleg. Oh, my goodness. Now, obviously, you're going to say, well, it's just a bootleg, but no, it's a cape. It's the cape, and I know... Um, Sky no, and Rich, Rich have... let me just stop you there, right? That is awesome. So why would I not like that? Come on. That's, that is, that is, I would never be against something as ridiculous as that. Well, I know this guy has mentioned it a few times on the Kivecast, but uh, the Polish bootleg with the cape is just brilliant. You know, without the cape, you would struggle to even identify that it was Chewbacca. You would identify it as being a Wookiee because it's mostly brown. It's got a bandolier strap. But then it has a huge silver, you know, shaggy hair and beard. Um, the face so it looks, a li- looks a little bit like a lizard. Um, but then it's waving this blue, cheap plastic cape, which is just brilliant, you know. That's what makes it. Um, I'm going to guess that that cape is nigh on impossible to get because I can't imagine any of them is surviving. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a Polish bootleg. I would love to see Chewbacca in a cape in the, in the last film or the next film, should we call it? Who knows? Uh, that would be amazing. Imagine on on the uh, Millennium Falcon, him and Lando both wearing capes. Yeah. Oh, that would be the best thing ever. But yeah, silver beard and, and bright lipstick is quite incredible. But uh, that's a beauty, Rich. I've never seen that before, ever. I love um, that. So the second one is the UP Colombian um, Food Products Premium, which is, I've given you a grey back there, because I think the grey one shows the detail best. Um, it's available in... I think it's seven different colours from memory. Um, but I really like the grey one. So that's um, a tiny, tiny little, what, two-inch high, um, cheap plastic toy that was available. I mean, I mean that's better than the Polish bootleg. That's quality. I like that. Isn't it? So 
Yeah, it's kind yeah, of it's, it's kind of got a bit of a fish mouth, but uh, I guess merman. it's just tiny. Yeah, it's just tiny. Yeah, it is very very merman. The detail on that's really good. That's quite a quality item, Rich. Have you got any, any of these? I've got six or five D4s. I have got the red, green, white, grey, pink, and blue. And I'm just waiting for the black one, which there were only two known. So I'm oh. sure there's more, but I need to get my hands on a black one and then I'll have the full seven. That's nice. I like that. That's good Good. Good choices there, Rich. Nice little little oddities of Chewbacca. It shows that uh, it was such a popular character everywhere. Right, Jez, you've had time yes. to look in a book now. Let's, uh, let's have. have your item. Yeah, do you know what? I've enjoyed going through my book, Star Wars Collectibles, another Gus and Duncan. It's like I'm on, you know, the payroll. Mate, I thought I was on to a winner when I went into the contents and found Star Wars suspenders. No joke. <laughs> However, unfortunately, there weren't any Chewbacca suspenders. But there was a Chewbacca fanny pack. Oh, my word. Seriously. So it's in there, Chewbacca fanny pack. But unfortunately, even though it's listed in the book, there's no photographs. Oh. So, so, listeners... I would very much like to see photographs sent to Richard's address of Chewbacca fanny packs, and that that would be lovely. However, hmm, a variety of things. However, in all seriousness, because we do need to wrap this up soon, I did like the record which I saw. We've all heard about the um, R2-D2 wish you Merry Christmas. We, we've played this before, um, but it's what can you get a Wookiee for Christmas? There's one with a silver ring and one with a tan ring of all things. Goodness gracious. Uh, but yeah, RSO Records, lovely picture of uh, Chewbacca. So for the Chewbacca fans amongst you, there you go. Go nuts. Get yourself a Chewbacca record. And then whilst you're in a musical sort of world, Stu, one of your um, swags at Star Wars Celebration were Plectrums. And uh, yeah, some lovely Chewbacca plectrums available. And I, there are so many Chewbacca beyond the toys things, coolie cups, you name it. But I, uh, I thought I had struck gold with the funny pack. Right. Uh, so yeah, guys, a great choice. There's so much Chewbacca stuff out there. So much. Um, if you've got any more information on the stuff we have talked about, or you go, actually, I've got that. I'm very intrigued by the uh, the first item, the slippers, because that's kind of disturbing. But if you know any more about that, and where's where did the mould of the head come from? Because it looked kind of familiar, but I kind of quite picture it. But yeah, let us know. And uh, you can't do any worse than Jez in finding me under the Chewbacca item. So thank you very much, and good and, night. Uh, and before you close out, if anyone's got that uh, jewellery stand oh. and they don't want it, you know, just just drop me a line. And now the top five priced Chewbacca items according to StarWarsTracker.com. In a five, the name Chewbacca was derived from the Russian word Sobaka, meaning dog. Many people reckon it was really because George Lucas used to chew tobacco and his friend Franny Ford Coppola told him his mouth would go hairy if he didn't stop immediately. It's a Chewbacca Power Force coin for £58 in February 2019. At 4, voice actor Terry McGovern randomly improvised the word Wookiee during the filming of THX 1138. He also invented the word Flim Flam McNoodle, which never really took off. It's a Top Toys Chewbacca variant loose in May 2016 for £620. at 3, a fictional Johnny Cochran on South Park invented the Chewbacca defense to confuse prosecutions. Hussville Town Football Club tried using it for their defense and got relegated before the month of April in the English Premier League. It's a 12A Palatoy Mint on card for £2,640 in June 2015. Staying at 2, 
Junus Suatamo is the current actor in the Wookiee costume. He's so tall that he gets measured in Stuart Skinners. Junus is 12 Stuart Skinners in height. It's a Palatoy 12A mint on card for £2,852 in August 2015. And at 1, Chewbacca's bandolier is actually cigarette packets taped to an old belt. Chewbacca was a 60-a-day Wookiee and smelled like a pub carpet from the 1980s. It's a Palatoy 12A mint on card for £4,560 in May 2015. See you guys next time on the StarWarsTracker.com Top 5. Right, then I want to welcome back Anthony Spanicki for this month's Rapid Fire. Are you ready, Anthony? Uh, yes, I am. Excited. What is your favourite Star Wars movie? Empire Strikes Back. Uh, your favourite Star Wars scene? Okay, so even though it's not not from Empire Strikes Back, I have to say my favourite scene, would have, because it uh, pulls up the strings, has to be at the end of, of uh, Return of the Jedi when... Uh, uh, Luke is uh, having just his little personal funeral with uh, his father, and you see him on the funeral pyre. That always gets me. What's your favorite on-screen music? A huge fan of uh, the old Star Wars Oxygen, and I uh, yeah, listen to the brilliant. soundtracks all the time. Hard to narrow it down. Actually, you know, I I find myself, uh, I guess I had to pick what I find myself humming for, for, for no reason from time to time. And it has to be uh, Into the Trap from uh, Return of the Jedi. I love that music. Nice, you know, nice. Yeah. And what about your favorite on-screen costume? Definitely have to be one of the uh, Imperial Trooper costumes. And uh, I guess if I had to pick one out for myself to wear around, I'd say I'd probably pick um, probably the Biker Scout. has to be Biker Scout. Uh, what is your favorite lightsaber jewel? Uh, again, so again, not from my favorite movie, but it's, it's uh, Return of the Jedi. Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, and it's has to be as it as it kind of zooms out and you see them fighting from from afar just the lightsabers and their silhouettes and that music too at the time it really gets you yeah. so I, you could tell I'm, i i grew i'm i'm born in 76 so a movie i really remember seeing in the theater a lot and growing up with was return of the jedi but i guess as i got older my taste changed so now empire is my favorite but i guess i'm giving all jedi answers maybe i should reconsider that <laughs> um who's your favorite on-screen character yeah, I always go back and forth between uh, Chewbacca and Darth Vader, but I guess uh, in lieu of recent events, I'm, I'm partial to Chewbacca these days for obvious reasons. What about the Disney era? What's your favorite movie from the new, the new films? Of all of the four new ones, I would say Rogue One. Going on to collecting them, what was your favorite figure as a child? Uh, so the child, uh, Biker Scout. And yeah. your favorite figure now? I guess I had to pick Ben Kenobi. That's it's become my my obsession. So I, I would say Ben Kenobi, but I'm also partial to farm boy Luke. As an eight-year-old, Anthony, which figure would you love to have seen at the time as a child? Well, that's a tough one, Stu. Um, well, I'm not going to answer Tarkin because I really didn't think that as an eight-year-old. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I guess, you know, uh, probably... Because I do, I remember loving the, the 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 scene as a kid. As I, I went when it came out on VHS, is I was eight when it when it happened. But I have to say, um, Han Solo in Stormtrooper disguise. Uh, what about your favorite playset or vehicle? Uh, so as a child, uh, hands down, it was the uh, X-wing. It was yeah. one of the few vehicles I had as a child. I just remember always uh, that's I, all my figures flew the X-wing, so they, they all got a turn. And what about a uh, uh, a playset or vehicle you wish they'd made? Well, I wish they had made a different type of, I don't know if this answer counts, but a different type of 
uh, Jabba's uh, playset because I always remember having to uh, move Jabba off of the trap door. Would have been nice if they had made one uh, kind of like the the Black Series version that came out a, a few years ago, where there was actually a kind of a box that uh, you could drop someone into, so a little more realistic trap door and dungeon. What was the last Star Wars item, vintage art Star Wars item you purchased? Last vintage was actually um, was a great one. I well, I know actually would be the at Celebration. So at Celebration, I purchased a um, I guess you can count it as vintage. It's a bootleg. It's a uh, Ben Kenobi uh, model trim figure. Nice, very nice. Well, uh, two more. What is your favorite car back image? So the photo on a car back. It's a good one. Um, I do I do like the uh, Yoda card back. I think is is uh, always um, a memorable you know memorable image. I'd have to go either that or um, the tumor he is uh, holding his cross his uh, his crossbow. That's a great image as well. One yeah. of those. And finally, Anthony, what is your holy grail? Oh, holy grail. Well, it had to be something that I knew I could probably never get. It's really going to be the holy grail. So I guess it would have to be probably a double telescoping Ben Kenobi, but on a, a white footer uh, 12 back. That's that's something that uh, is, as we said, is, is out there. Um, only a couple, not even a handful. Uh, a handful and it's probably can't. It's probably locked up somewhere. Number one, number two. If it was available, I'd have to mortgage my house to afford it. So <laughs> probably that. Anthony, brilliant answers. Thank you so much, mate. Oh, it's such a pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. Right, now let's play that famous theme tune. Okay, boys, we all know what this is by now. Uh, you've got to say stop. I will come to you. It's worth having a guess at every opportunity. So let's go for it then. Clue one, my packaging shows... Jabba the playset. Jabba the playset is incorrect. Good guess, though. I like that. Uh, My packaging shows from ages two. Stop. Rich? Colouring in book. Colouring in books, incorrect. Good guess, Rich. Stop. Jez? Play-Doh. Play-Doh is another good guess. Well done, boys. Well done. Don't be so Uh, condescending. Is it right or wrong? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> He's on one, isn't he? He's been prickly all night, hasn't he? The whole show. Yeah. All five hours. Uh, clue two. I stand between fourteen to fifteen inches tall. Cool, blimey. Stop, Pete. Gonna say IG88 for fun. IG88 is incorrect. Stop. Stop. Yes. Stop, stop. Bot bag. Oh, bot bag. No, that's incorrect, my friend. Anything, Rich? No. Okay. Number three. I came late in the run. Oh, hello. Stop. Jez? Lightsaber? No. Good guess. Anyone else? Stop. Pete? The Imperial Dignitary Playset and Fun Farm. <laughs> no. Stop. <laughs> uh, Rich? Is it the treehouse of the Ewoks? Richard wins. Richard, oh. brilliant. There was another. I was close with Imperial Dignitary Playset, though. Yeah. Uh, the other clues were I came with no less than 16 accessories. 
not forgetting the four figures. Everything conveniently fits inside me to be carried and stored away. I came under the blanket of recycled toys from other toy lines, although I was completely resculpted. And finally, it was I was released under the Kenner preschool line, Rich. Only three clues in. Well done. In your face, Jez. It was well done. That, it was between that and the fire court. I wouldn't show what you want to go with. Uh, well, well done, Richard. No prickliness from me. Um, you've done very, very well. I'm very proud of you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't believe a word of that, but there we go. Yeah. Uh, Don't take me a moment. Don't take me a moment. Just what it's been. Just for the listeners, it's been. Um, obviously, this show's about six hours this month. It's been a long night. Uh, Jess has had that chip on his shoulder ever since the initial. Oh, that's, a, that's a big chip. <laughs> initial big uh, quiz, and it's like, yeah, I really had to. Uh, do you I think you're actually quite good at that? That quiz was answered so quickly because I think you were looking forward to stump on that one. No, no, you did well there. Um, to be honest with you, what I went with, what I was going to go with today, I couldn't find enough clues for, so I'm going to keep that back for next month. It's a bit tougher. But um, I liked the um, the colouring book and the Play-Doh guesses because I have been looking along those lines. So, boys, remember, good, uh, good thing to have in your head. But, uh, Richard, puts you in the lead on that. Three points. So, well done. Let's go over to feedback, Rich, for episode 59. Right, well, we really thought long and hard about episode 59, and we were thinking, well, what about the guys who don't really care about Celebration, those who didn't go to Celebration, will they really want to have this episode? We thought when we put it out there, we'll make sure that it's not a regular episode, so listeners who are not interested in Celebration would probably just delete it out of the podcast feed. But I'm really pleased that we've released that show because of the amount of feedback that we've had on it, and especially from people who didn't go. So we've had lots of people who didn't go who said, you know, thank you so much for covering Celebration in the way that we did, especially focusing on community and other collectors and, you know, in the great times that we had with, you know, the likes of Chris Leddy. And Chris Leddy's put some great photos on Stars from UK with all of us. Well, at least all of us who count anyway. He's got uh, Stu, uh, Pete and me. Um, so cheers for that, uh, Chris. Um, you know, it was great, great meeting with you. But we've had lots of feedback on that show. Um, you know, like a Palafan, cracking show as ever. If now feels though I was there, and that's what we wanted. We wanted people who hadn't been to Celebration, um, who were go. You know what? I really get why these guys went to Celebration, and I get what they get out of it as well. So that was brilliant. Lots of people who were actually also Celebration said thanks for all the memories. Um, you know, coming back after Celebration, quite a lot of we get. You know, um, Celebration blues. And it was a nice pick-me-up. So Stefan, who I shared the room with, he said he's come back from Celebration. He's been incredibly busy. And then he's tuned in that show and it's brought lots of great memories rushing back. So that was great. Andy Preston and various others have asked about posters and badges. Stu, you can mention that in a few minutes um, when you cover how to get in contact with us about posters and badges and how we're sorting that out. Um, so I've had a couple of guys ask him about it. Um, new guy on Stars from UK called UKS, who's put there, really enjoyed it. Thanks for that. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Over on Tantive, we've had Clint and uh, Chris Porteous, uh, various of us who've uh, put photographs of us up there, um, and one or two other members of Tours from UK, like Dan Burgess and Peter Lee. 
so nice to see all those photographs being shared and and overall it was just a really fun capture of our experience of celebration so i'm really pleased that it's been so well received instagram facebook twitter they've all received a good shot in the arm and we're getting lots of likes and comments on there and um, particularly many of the celebration photos and uh, i think jez has done one or two videos on there so Stu, if anybody wants to leave us any feedback um or wants to inquire about posters and badges what's the best way to get in contact with us well first of all let's just say with posters and badges um i had ian palafan also contact me and we will sort that out but uh, i'm not quite sure how many are left pete do we have much left of stuff once that stuff goes out uh we've got uh, a couple of sets of badges and we've got i don't know how many of you guys do we need a poster or not but i think i've got about seven left maybe okay so we do have a couple of sets of the badges left and a couple of posters left so um like i said before first come first serve type basis uh let us know we will get them out to you asap um to leave us feedback or contact us you can email us at swtvrpodcast at gmail.com find us on instagram by searching the vintage rebellion uh, jez has been doing lots of posts on there at the moment and like rich just said uh, a couple of videos as well you can find us on facebook uh, by searching again the vintage rebellion um good way of contacting us generally that we can see quickly uh, if you want anything and on twitter at swtvr podcast all our shows we're on show 60 all of the previous shows are all still on itunes including the christmas specials go back delve in um you will see sometimes that we post up links back to those shows of things that maybe you might have missed so keep an eye out on social media for that as well um, you can also listen to that via podbean swtvrpodcast.podbean.com a huge thank you to this month's guests anthony spinicki and ron salvatore always uh, always appreciated next month is our five year anniversary uh we will have a normal show but we've got a couple of little things lined up to uh bring you that month so uh stay tuned for that next month it is certainly going to be a, a belter but it is for this month goodbye from rich bringing a bit of positivity to everybody's life since 2014 <laughs> goodbye from jess goodbye everyone i'm sorry if any expletives have come out um so not usually like me but quite passionate about the quiz and um but anyway good night and uh see you next month and uh good night from pete let's just let jess win uh jess um let me know which uh, vehicle has pink stickers <laughs> let the wookie win well i'm not going to rip anyone's arms out their sockets if i lose anyone know pink pink um, pink Ve any vehicles with vehicle with pink stickers, stickers. Mm. is it the um mm. mm. is it, is the it the land speeder a wing no it's slave one mm. i thought go. it was the back of the falcon with the glow i thought that might glow. that's okay. it's not really pink though but yeah actual pink stickers slave one and also the only pink non-facial feature was on figures Leah Bespin's uh, cloak. Mm. Yeah. It's pink with brown bits on it. There we go. That's what you don't know every day, kids. Yeah, that, that's Yoda. <laughs> yes, yes, it's all Yoda. He's pink. I'm not sure the cloak's pink. It um, is pink, yes. It's pink. It's, it is classified as pink. I've got a pink arms loop. Classified as pink by who? By me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have a look. It's technically pink. And it is 
Good night from me. And remember, only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Oh, sorry, lads. It's me, Stu. I'm back. I just had to disappear then for a... Oh, sorry, lads. I'm back. It's me, Stu. Just had to disappear for a couple of minutes. But, yeah, I agree with Richard. Oh, Oh, I love jazz. And, um, yeah, three, four points. It didn't sound at all like Stuart, did it? It, really? it was close. Oh, was close. he's there. <laughs> Jess, just to, uh, just to stop you there, we, I yeah. don't think we can continue that understanding what these Star Wars suspenders were all about. Yeah. Mm. Okay, it's... so, yes, excuse me whilst I have a flick right so it's near the front of the book which actually shows the importance of you know how um these are considered this is a uh, great for a podcast right then so um, right then contents blah 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 so apparel you go down headgear exercise clothing gloves etc etc rain gear pajamas and you go down suspenders oh crumbs let's go to page 64 everyone's on the edge of their seats well i actually am i'm i'm intrigued right apparel suspenders empire strikes back darth vader helmet suspenders let's have a little look (laughs) a uh, serial number ap 13600 AP 13 must be on the previous page. Oh, Jess. Have a little look. Come on. Keeping you waiting. AP 13 600. Oh, there they are. There they are. Yeah. But you know what it's like with this Duncan, uh, Duncan, yes, Gus and Duncan's book. It's it's the tiniest of pictures. I'm talking, the picture is about five mil across. Are they saucy (laughs) suspenders? Or are Um, they just like... Uh, their braces their braces oh, bring us back to the thing oh. yep so you got darth vader braces a carry on moment and yoda ones and did you know actually goodness gracious in spain there were ewok suspenders Amazing. anyway right that, that's completely ruined my fantasy it looks like it's him getting first aid at the end of new hope well, no, it's obviously it's obviously an Empire Strikes Back. I think it's when he's he's messing around and trying to find. Uh, I would imagine that he, he's in with the Ugnaughts, isn't he? Trying to get yeah, his yeah, it could be. Through, see but through it. Look, back. But, 
where the image of the actual hook rug is to the left of Chewbacca, you could then have the woman giving him first aid on, a, on his injured arm, and it looks exactly the same. Hang on a second. Pass it down, pass it down, Pete. I pass it down. No, no. Uh, no. Oh, hang on. Shush, shush. Um, I'm going to give to Richard. Richard, you no. have the option to get no. a yellow item. No, shut the fuck up. up. No. I'm, I'm going to edit that. Jawa's eyes. No. no, edit edit what the fuck oh. I want. Jawa. You said to me, shut the fuck up. You yes, said to me, shut the fuck up. You said to me, give me two yellow parts. You didn't say, give me two yellow. Give me two big.